and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Jim Ford. I'm Dan Kurtzke. I'm Phil Bova. I'm Myron Rumsey. I'm Corwin Kroll. I'm Jesse Stewart. I'm Laurel. And I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 346. That's right. This is our 10th anniversary celebration and our 2018 Christmas episode. All in one beautifully wrapped package. Um, Mark and I talked, and we decided to drop this on the 26th instead of the 24th or 25th. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's uh, – and, and you know what? It makes a lot of sense because uh, I don't know about you guys, but, like, I'm off, uh, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and uh, I, I'll tell you – it's always difficult going into work on that Wednesday following, or, or no matter when it, when it falls, that day following Christmas. I always thought that you should have the day after Christmas off, too. But, hey, for those of you who are in my boat, Merry Christmas. You got this to listen to to sort of make your work day a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, America. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Uh, this is like a this is like a like an all star lineup, right? Of of some people we got on. Do you want to you want to tell them who we have uh, on the show? Which is kind of funny because at this point you have to try not to go go completely mind blank because of all the different recording. Obviously, we have Jim and Dan. Jim mm-hmm. and Dan join us as as always since they are the founding fathers of the show. So we have a nice segment with Jim and Dan. We have. Our brethren in podcasting over at the blog and podcast of OA, Myron and Phil. And we have Jesse, Jesse Stewart. We have Corwin. Mm-hmm. We should have Laurel, or else we'll have to edit this out. No, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or if not, we'll have Laurel eventually. Uh, and I think that's... And we're going to obviously have some voicemails and other things and feedback, assuming people mm-hmm. give us feedback. But I think that I think that covers the major beats, does it not? <laughs> For sure. And, guys, you are going to hear voicemails throughout this episode from you, the listeners. So we wanted to let you know in advance those will just be played between the clips. Mark and I aren't going to be recording, like, responses to each and every voicemail. We're just basically because when we asked for those voicemails, we were asking people to share uh, just their thoughts on the 10th anniversary or maybe their favorite memories from the show. So we sort of kept it like that so we didn't have to respond to each and every one. Of course, you know, in the future, uh, you know, when, when we come back, we might, you know, talk a bit more about uh, the, the feedback and stuff that we've got from 
the 10th anniversary, any emails, uh, tw- you know, anything like that uh, that we've gotten from people. But uh, so if you hear those voicemails, don't expect to hear our commentary afterwards. But we did get quite a few and we're going to kind of do some smatterings uh, in between the episodes. But um, I guess we should just uh, launch into it. I don't know what order I'm going to put these in yet. So should we just say here we go? <laughs> I say here we go. All right, guys, we are back into yet another segment, duh, uh, because this is the, the this is going to be the episode that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, on friends. Uh, so, <laughs> and uh, as you can hear, besides uh, Mark's uh, iconic laughter, we've got uh, some other voices. <laughs> there you go. Look at that supercut. Uh, <laughs> right on uh, live. Not even not even a recording. Well, technically a recording, but it, but it was still was done live. So, uh, besides just me and Mark, we've got, um, what is it? I would say our rivals across the aisle, but that would, you know, <laughs> imply some sort of division between us. We're just, uh... But, but considering what you named this group, Chad, I mean, come on. I mean, my I lord. Mean, can we, just, can we got... disagree on fellow lanterns? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Some fellow lanterns. <laughs> Myron Rumsey and Phil Bova. For the co-host now of the podcast of awe, welcome guys. Hey, hey, thanks for having us on board. You know, I, I got to start it right away by congratulating Lantern Cast on hitting ten years. That's a great milestone. Yeah, no doubt. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank and and the so odds much. of us making it another ten, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what they do with their character. Uh, yeah, that's true too. But I mean, I mean, I think we'll have to pass it on to somebody somehow, kind of like the way Jim and Dan bamboozled us. Maybe like, maybe like the ring video or something. Pass it on to somebody else and let somebody else do it. It's like, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't consider us rivals. I think of us like peanut butter and chocolate. We're two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, I mean, one thing I wanted to start with, uh, you, you know, Mark, you mentioned the name of the uh, of the group on here on Facebook. I mean, on on uh, Skype. So, in 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 uh, stoking those fires, I have a question I have to ask. <laughs> Phil, what made you decide to be a traitor to the Lantern Cast? Huh? <laughs> you were on our show first, buddy. <laughs> okay. I'm so, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm he, just kidding. He, he moved up like George and Weezy. <laughs> It's not a serious question. It's more of my joking way of congratulating you on finding a home over at Podcast of Oa and inviting you to talk about, you know, your your time on there and how that's sort of impacted your fandom. Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, I was I was flattered. I just uh, kind of reached out to Myron, you know, just I, I don't know. I didn't even know why I did it. I just kind of reached out and said, hey, if you're ever looking for a, a fill in or, you know, a co-host, let me know. And and then uh, Myron had uh you know tweeted me back saying you know lo and behold it was a time that bill was getting ready to uh get off the podcast so it just kind of worked out that i got my way in there at the right time so it's just one of those moments where it's right time right opportunity for sure how is it how is it uh if it has how's it impacted your fandom because now you're now you're reading these comics with the intent of having a critical eye well, I've always done that because I'm an ed- I, I'm an educator over here at St. Louis Public Schools, so I, I usually teach courses on comic books and graphic novels as English literature. So it was kind of nice uh, 
not just enjoying Green Lantern for what it is, but looking at it more intently. So it kind of opened up my eyes a little bit in a little bit different of approach, if you know what I mean. Kind of like uh, there was a book that came out by uh, this this uh, philosophy professor, Mark White. It's called The Green Lantern and Philosophy. Yep. Mm-hmm. We did yeah, a whole episode and, on it. Yeah. And, you know, I, well, a long time ago when I read that, and uh, ever since I read Green Lantern after that, it just opened it up into a whole different realm. And then now doing it on a podcast, it's opening it up into a whole different realm, but in, in a different medium. You know what I mean? All right. It's funny you mentioned that book because uh, I hadn't thought about it in a while until today, actually, which is kind of sort of ironic because, you know, I'm placing all these orders for Christmas gifts and stuff right now. And uh, I was looking at my past order history and there's a drop down on Amazon where you can see like past orders from the years past. So I went down to the very first year that I apparently ever placed an order with Amazon and there's only one item. So the first thing I've ever ordered with Amazon was Green Lantern and Philosophy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's a great book. Uh, it's a great book. Really, really was a great book. For sure. Uh, Myron, I wanted to ask you, I mean, the show has been going through some changes. The character's been going through some changes. How are things over at not just the podcast, but the blog? Uh, things are good. Things are good. You know, I, I've had a number of changes in the last year or so. I, I had to change away from using Blogger for the blog of OA to using WordPress. Mm-hmm. And I've had to go back and, and fix a whole bunch of articles. And I have a bunch of missing ones that I need to track down. Uh, you know, I've been I've been doing the blog of OA for eight years and I've missed some articles. And I going back and looking and seeing that I've done about twelve hundred different stories uh, made me realize I, I've really got to figure out a, a gooder, a, a gooder, yeah, gooder, a better <laughs> way of organizing myself a little bit. But between that and and uh, and Bill leaving and Phil coming on, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic change because Bill represented the new reader who jumped on to Green Lantern at the time Jeff John started. And we were kind of like the odd couple of Green Lantern because I was the older guy that uh, had been reading the comics since the early 70s. So um, Bill having a young family and, and time and whatnot got, got kind of got to be a problem for him. He couldn't keep up with it. So he decided to take a break. And, and as Phil pointed out, he was looking for for maybe an opportunity to jump in on an episode or so. And I thought, well, you know, I know Bill's feeling it. He's not telling me that he wants to leave, but I know he kind of does. And here's Phil right there. And I'm thinking, you know, this is great. And Phil brings a completely different voice to it because, like me, he's been reading Green Lantern for for quite a while. But he's also an educator, as he pointed out. So he looks at things through a different lens. So it's changed the dynamic of the show a little bit. One of the things it has allowed us to do is to go back and review old books pre-Jeff Johns. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was listening to uh, the, the the more recent episodes of covering the Grant Morrison stuff, and you guys were talking about doing retro reviews and stuff. So you, you're actually splitting the episodes now, right? Yeah, yeah, with only one book a month. I mean, if you think back, and you guys probably are the same way, when you think about during the height of the Jeff Johns era when he had four or five books a month, it, finding subject matter to talk about is really easy. Because you've got a book a week, but now you're down to one book a month for, for the most part, unless you want to start looking at uh, where John and, and Jessica have landed and start reviewing those books and now Kyle and, and Titans. Uh, and, you know, unless you're going to talk about those books, you've only got one Green Lantern book a month. So you have to look for content elsewhere. And, and so everything is kind of working out really well for us in, in, in that regard. Yeah, for sure. We're I'd kinda, say we feel the same way, right, Mark? Yeah, I was just going to say we're kind of we're kind of in the same boat because – I think it's one of those things where it's much like life itself. It's a catch-22 because of the fact that on one on the one hand, it, it frees up opportunity for you to record other things you want to do. 
which also includes, like you mentioned, going back and mining old, old material. But on the other hand, it's like it makes you have to find stuff to do <laughs> all the time, <laughs> as opposed to oh, maybe like for maybe like one episode a month, we'll, we'll, we have like a wild card episode. I, wasn't that long ago when that's the way Chad and I were looking at it? We'd have like maybe like one wild card episode a month, and now we have like once we have one. Green Lantern slam dunk episode a month, which is, you know, the Morrison book. And since we're the solicit, what are the solicits through already? Is it April or May? Is it April? Um, I think it's March. Is right it only now. through March? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So at least, at least, at least we know through the, basically through the first quarter of 2019, we're not going to have a second Green Lantern book. <laughs> so, right. so well, I mean, that's, that's true. But I mean, aren't we also getting those two new lanterns too? Yeah, kid, those kid lanterns and all that. Uh, yeah. yeah, the kid that's got torn his gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, well, the the way the way Mark and I have been handling that stuff is like, you know, I I, I don't I don't want to spoil something that could be coming down the line. Plus, I don't want to say it so that listeners are like looking for it in the next couple of weeks or anything. But you know, I had an idea for like. Merging a few John Stewart John Stewart uh, stories we've seen recently, kind of you know these one-off issues here and there, and then talking a bit about his time in the Justice League and sort of like a, a general concept, but you know not devoting an entire episode to say discussing his time with the Justice League ongoing title, but sort of just doing a I don't want to call it a John Light Spotlight or John Stewart Spotlight episode. Because that sort of, to me, as like a comic geek speak fan, that sort of connotates uh, sort of like a historical retrospective type of a show. Right. Um, but that's, I mean, just just sort of like a John Stewart hodgepodge sort of a thing. Well, what what Myron and I have tried to do with the retro reviews is, <clears throat> I know myself. I mean, I'm a Hal Jordan fan, and I really really like Jessica Cruz, but I've never been much of a fan of John Stewart myself, and. Kyle Rayner, maybe a little bit, and Guy Gardner, some. So I, when we do the retro reviews, I try to, I try to show my bias. You know, I, I like Hal Jordan, but I also like to review those other characters just to know that the fans out there, I don't just crap all over John Stewart all the time, or you know, or Guy Gardner or whatnot. Because Myron and I talk about it a lot. A lot of Green Lantern fans are just so divided when it comes to who their favorite character is. And that's why we love Simon Baz because he brings everybody together. Because most. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's a unifier. Gross. He's a unifier. Gross. Oh, we don't agree on much, but the one thing we can agree on. Yes. <laughs> What's the point? Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Uh, no, but I, I've been actually, like I said, I've been listening to the, the recent episodes uh, about y'all's opinions on this stuff. It sounds like we're all pretty simpatico. I think of the four of us, Mark maybe the more critical of the series, but that's that's not saying much because it's not like Mark outright hates the series or anything. It's just in terms of what I'm hearing from all four of us, just listening to y'all's episodes and of course you know having done ours, it sounds like for the most part we're all pretty much enjoying the new title so far. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I think you know for me, I think the one thing that I'm I'm finding issue with is Hal's voice, and I'm hoping that we get that down the road. And I, th- and I think, oh, I think Myron and I talked. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, absolutely. You go first. Um, I think Myron and I talked about it. I, and, and even though it's only issue two, and I hate being that fan that 
that gets really, really heavy critical on just two issues. I need to give it time to hash out. And at least I got to give Grant Morrison his due because he's, he's a great writer and I got to give him time to flesh this whole story out. But I think my issue is the connectivity with Hal Jordan. It just, it seems like he's a, he's a different, he's a different archetype from what we had with Venditti's run. And that transition is never easy for some hardcore fans, you know, and, I, I think I took it in a way. It was like, okay, well, Grant Morrison's coming on. This is going to be new and fresh. But I also didn't expect that I was going to have the reaction I did uh, reading about Hal Jordan from a different writer <laughs> when I've gotten so used to, like, Jeff Johns and, and, and Venditti, which are, you know, close. Mark? I would say maybe – it's – I came in probably maybe more – maybe more sus- – Cautious than maybe maybe everybody else on this book. You might you might you might have, and that could and that could be why you know even though I'm still positive on it, it's so maybe it seems like less of a ringing endorsement through two issues because I had more reservations going in with the premise, and I still have reservations about how it's going to play out. I think for the first through the first two issues, I've been pleasantly surprised. But again, my for me my bar was lower because I was not coming in as either a huge Morrison fan. Or a big fan of what we were being told, you know, the whole uh, police procedural and space concept. I wasn't a huge fan automatically of the concept. So I think that's more my take on it. I'm happy with – I am happy with the book thus far. Let's just see where it goes. And it still doesn't mean I don't want another Lantern book. I mean, obviously I do because I think – I don't know. There's so much stuff to – I mean, I know they're kind of covering their bases by spreading all the other Green Lanterns into all these other – books so i guess they could get away with this for a while other than guy who looks like he's the one ironically who's gotten the complete shaft but you'd think that with all these new titles coming out because they got they got a lot of stuff that's come out i think they started something called the electric warriors or something like that and mm-hmm. and, I, and i'm sure that there's there's popularity to, to be spread about you would just think that a, a green lantern core book just one title would would be able to uphold the fan base True. Yeah. So, so I got to ask you guys a question because I, I, I'm assuming everybody's reading Heroes in Crisis. Yeah. Yes, I'm not caught up, but yes. Okay. So, in that first issue, there was a character lying on the ground with the Green Lantern logo on its chest. Uh-huh. Do you guys think that that was somebody wearing a Green Lantern T-shirt, or do you think it's one of the characters we haven't seen since the changeover in the books? You know, i.e. Simon Baz or Guy Gardner. That's, that's a tough one. <laughs> the silence. The silence let, let, is golden. Let's just light a candle and say, hope, hopefully, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I was I tossing it. you a softball, Mark. I was talking discussion. <laughs> Homer. So, so you know how they make those like uh, those uh, novelty? What are they? The the Catholic votive candles, where it's like the. Virgin Mary or something on it, and you light it, and you say yeah. a prayer or whatever. Well, they they uh, there's there's like a, a vendor somewhere down here in Austin that makes a bunch of knockoff ones of those where it's like various sports celebrities or celebrities or musicians or like you know it's Austin, so like there's a Willie Nelson one, <laughs> you know what I mean stuff like that. <laughs> so so should, should 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 we light a Jeff Johns votive candle and pray to the Green Lantern gods? <laughs> well, I mean. 
I, think about how much of his fan base he, that would really get up, upset about it. I mean, I don't know. We follow a lot of groups. I'm sure all of us combined. And to be honest with you, I don't hear people talk about Simon Baz a lot. You know, I, I don't hear his name referenced a lot with the fan base. Yes and no. In doing okay. this, Mark and I have discovered a lot of people who really enjoy Simon because he's a Muslim or because he's Middle Eastern. Sure. And they have that tie to the character and, you know, that, hey, it's someone like me. I'm being represented. Right. Um, I, I, I'm not saying that's the only reason they like him, but because of that, they were more apt to pay closer attention to him as a character and, and as a result have started liking him for other reasons. What those reasons may be, I honestly don't know. Uh, I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying that I personally don't see it. But yeah, I, I would I would agree with you that from from a perspective of of us, you know, I, I like for instance, Myron. I don't know about you, but like I follow the hashtag Green Lantern on Twitter. Like I'm yes. always sort of scrolling through that, seeing what's out there. Yep. Uh, you know, just the general talk. We don't get a lot of Simon out there. Maybe we should start following hashtag Simon Badge, hashtag Jessica <laughs> Cruz, and like all this other stuff. But well, and an unfortunate byproduct of that is if they do in fact decide they're going to kill off Simon Baz, I mean, then then what does that say? Then of course you got the critics, you know, crying an uproar that they they you know killed off another Muslim character, or they they killed off a prominent character with his ethnic background and stuff, and it's kind of a catch twenty two, unfortunately. Hmm. <laughs> and it's one of Jeff Johns's creations. So right. Right. would he let that happen? That's a good question too. He, he needs to... I think Myron Myron knows the answer. He's just not telling anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Jeff Johns has the power to not let it happen. <laughs> it well, that's also true. I was gonna say Jeff Johns should worry about finishing friggin' Doomsday Clock and getting it out getting it out before the books <laughs> before like before we hit the two year anniversary of when the stupid thing started. So <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm I agree. I'm I'm about done with that title. Ugh. Which is, I mean, it's as a read, it's not, it hasn't, it's gotten better. But the point is, it's took us over like half half the issue run to get to the point where like it did start picking up, and you had like that one issue that Doctor Manhattan was in, and then he's gone again. <laughs> Someone needs to come back, like issue ten. <laughs> Right, right. Or it's almost like when a new issue does come out, you have to go back and reread all the other ones to remember what was going on. Right, yeah, right. So the, that's exactly how I've been feeling with it. Yeah, so this, that, and and if it really is going to be like some kind of having some have some kind of earth shaking effect, uh, shattering effect to the DCU, it's like, well, that obviously that's really, that really they kind of screwed the pooch on that one to kick it down because now it's going to be at least half a year after it should have ended. It's going to end if we're lucky, and it doesn't get delayed. Yeah. I mean. So and then by then you're just kind of like, what the hell? The whole lead up took us so long that it's kind of anticlimactic because the the road getting here was yep. tiring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that sums it up nicely. It is it is a very it is a very tiring road. So it's it's right. kind of, so we'll we'll see. I mean, but I I I kind of agree with Myron. I I I think I think Jeff Johns is the bloom has been off his is kind of off his rose a lot. Uh, whether whether he's responsible for the delay in Doomsday Clock or not, we really don't know if that's the case. We just know his track record is not good. <laughs> he's writing Shazam now, right? Because I read his first issue of Shazam. Yep, yep. So he's got that, and he's got the mythical Green Lantern script that he Green Lantern core script. But probably he isn't. It's probably never going to go anywhere. <laughs> we have the rights. WB gets to look at it first. We looked at it. Goodbye. No, it's like. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I like Jeff Johns, but it yeah, he, I think he's kind of like got, he's kind of gone off the rails a little bit. I don't know if it's because he had too many responsibilities. He's got a little too soapboxy and too preachy, like so many other people these days, or what? I don't know, but he's still capable of doing good stuff. But it's been a that's why Dooms that's why Doomsday Clock will be interesting when it's finished and we get to read it in its entirety. You know, look at it as a whole. To see if we th- if right. we think it's really re- from a writing perspective, is it really is it the really good Jeff Johns or is it the mm, you know kind of like the end of the New Fifty Two run Jeff Johns where up and where he kind of was mailing it in it seems it's still still better than a lot, still better than a lot of stuff we got after Jeff Johns but still it was it was like Jeff Johns light you know kind of stuff from after the War of the Green Lanterns and everything he kind of seemed to just be you know he didn't know where to go with yes, it yes yeah. yeah. He was, or it's like the highlight reel. He was giving us, he was giving us bits and pieces that we've seen before that we liked, and, and aspects like that. But, but the payoff was very seldom, was very like even like Wrath of the First Lantern. Wrath of the First Lantern. The first issue was really good. The last issue, even though there were some things in it that make no sense whatsoever, were really good. But but almost every issue in between was the same stuff. Oh, let's show these guys their possible future, but I don't have the power to make it real. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so close! <laughs> uh, the good old days. It was it the was. Jeff Johns Greatest Hits tour, you yes. know. The, the good old days. I mean, Myron, Myron and I reflect on that quite often in our in our shows, and it's like all, all these characters are gone. I mean, I don't even have the Red Lanterns or any of that anymore, and it's kind of like sad because those are all contained stories that you can easily find new material to write. And somebody eventually will. It's just that. I think we've had so much of that. Obviously, there's that part of the fan base which either hates the emotional spectrum, period. Then there's the other part of the fan base that may like it, but they may be a little, you know, just played out a little bit too much for a while. And then you have someone like Graham Morrison who doesn't seem like he has any, he doesn't care at all about mining anything about the emotional spectrum, which for a short term, it's probably a good way to go. But yes, there's so many, you know, Ch- Chad's great un- unsolved mystery about the Indigo Tribe. <laughs> Uh, the red la- Where are they? The Red Lanterns obviously were set up for the you know for the raid seed in Earth, which of course will be I'm sure someone will pick up on that eventually. But we, the Red Lanterns have been kind of a non-factor since, and Saint Walker, who we know got shafted a lot, he's out there doing something, and and you might want to rephrase that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Saint Walker, but. Uh, I'll, Hopefully DC has plans, as Robert kind of indicated, that his hands were tied to what he could do with the Blue Lantern. So maybe that is something that will be resolved once the uh, Doomsday Clock ends. But either way, it's just yeah, it, I, I kind of miss the I kind of miss the emotional spectrum. At least that's why at least, at least if we had one book where at least that could be the the book where it would come up, even if it wasn't all the time. I th- I would be happier than just having it kind of like kind of like swept out. I agree. Totally yeah, I, agree. Keep, I keep saying that the Green Lantern franchise is ripe for an anthology book, and mm-hmm. then you could visit all these things. Preach, yes. That'd be, yep. that'd be a one massive anthology. Uh, well, I mean, we're not we're not going to have another episode, I don't think, in 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 uh, December. So I think I might as well throw this out. It was a few days ago, and uh, Mark, I shared this with you. Uh, Myron, I'm sure you saw it. Liam tweeted, he said, uh, the Green Lantern number one sold out with orders for number two being higher than the first. That's impressive. And, and for those of you listening at home, I, 
I don't know if I'm the one to necessarily uh, uh, really explain this to you, but it's a big deal for an issue two to outsell an issue one. It really is. You're right. Yep, that is a, Especially rare, that is when a rarity. You, Sorry, Myron. Yep. Well, that's okay. Especially when you take into account that issue one had all those different variants from different retailers. So you had people, idiots like myself, who want to buy the different variant covers. I think I've bought issue one seven or eight times. So when you look at the orders for number two being higher without as many of those variant covers, that, that speaks very highly of how well the first issue performed and how interested people are in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And let alone it speaks for the fan base, you know, the response was positive. I mean, everything I read and trolled online when the first issue came out was was all positive reviews. I don't think I came across many negative ones now that I think about it at all. I think there were a few here and there that 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 were sort of mixed, but maybe just because of their natural uh, tone. It just yeah, he is he can be pretty divisive. I'll, I'll say this, too. Another thing I wanted to kind of throw into the mix here is um, I, I put out a tweet. This was about a week ago, and I said, confession, I have no idea what DC Comics is doing with Green Lantern. On one hand, they reference him in a big way on the CW and put friggin' Grant Morrison on the main title. On the other, we have virtually no new merch or retro trade paperbacks, and they nix Coast City from the reign of the Superman animated movie. So I started a poll. I said, do you feel that DC Comics cares to focus on Green Lantern right now? We got 34 vote votes, um, and 35% of people say yes, 62% of people say no, and then with 3% being an other. That was the shut up Chad vote. <laughs> <laughs> my, and Myron, I'll let you. I, I I got my theory on it, Myron, but I'll let you go ahead and go first. Well, I, I don't know as if DC really knows what they're doing in a lot of arenas right now. To be completely frank and candid, uh, I'm not sure whether there's the same leadership there used to be, and I don't know as if there is a grand plan. I think that Dan Didio tricked Grant Morrison, if you believe the story they tell, into writing this book. And I think that's just one way to kind of keep the franchise going and chugging along. But to listen to them talk about this book and Grant doing 12 issues and then maybe more tells me there's not a long-term plan. Yeah, that's a bit concerning. Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of some of the other stuff, you know, I, I don't mind that Coast City's not in the reign of the Superman because I really don't want to go down that path with the animated universe anyway. But um, and, it, and it would be probably a distraction to the story they're trying to tell. So that doesn't bother me. I think one of the things that does bother me is the continual teasing on the CW shows with no payoff and um, not getting any real forward traction on the Green Lantern movie. There doesn't seem to be uh, a plan to bring Green Lantern into any kind of media forefront. But I think if you go back and look over the Jeff Johns era, I think what we got was in reaction to how well the book was selling. So I almost kind of wonder if DC, by putting Grant Morrison on Green Lantern, is trying to get an emerald spotlight on the character in hopes that it'll take off so that they can have that organic situation to once again start doing more with the character in the franchise. Right. Right. And that's going to segue into what I was going to bring up about Grant Morrison taking on the title. I got a feeling the, I got a feeling they're, they're trying to streamline the character and make it more condensed. So it's more probable for the people to intake and then branch out later. 
kind of like what we were talking about with having the emotional spectrum, you know. I mean, that's that's a lot going on when you have the yellow lanterns, the red lanterns, and so on and so on and so forth. And that's a lot to throw at your average consumer. Whereas in if you just got the one Green Lantern character and then you got the Green Lantern core, if you can streamline the main character, which if it's going to be Hal Jordan, that's fine, then at least you start building up more popular fan base around the comic book. Then, of course, that sags and leads into to more stuff later on down the line, like a movie or whatnot, depending on what avenue they decide to go with the movie. But like Myron had said, I don't think I think WB is is kind of like at this point now with <clears throat> with coming off Justice League. I think they've I think they got bit pretty hard. So I think they're scaling back and I think they're taking this one process at a time. I think with Wonder Woman and Aquaman being their their main two launches at this point. You know, I got this feeling that they're going to event, what they're going to do now is focus on these, these singularity characters. And in doing so, they could they can distance themselves from the Justice League, but still keep it maintained. Because at the end of the movie, you got Steppenwolf leaves. Well, I mean, all his fans assume that eventually Darkseid's going to come. So while you go out and venture out, you focus on Aquaman and maybe the Green Lantern Corps and bring those in. Then of course later on down the line you could have the big the big film with Darkseid in it. But you got I don't know I think with the last Green Lantern movie and I hate bringing it up there was no <clears throat> there was no marketing techniques used before it you know and it was kind of force fed to the people and I don't think a lot of people at that time then this is just my thoughts knew who the Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps were you know and when that movie came out it was just kind of like thrown in their face and. I don't think a lot of people knew how to take it because they didn't know what the, you know, what the who the hell this group was. That makes that, that that's interesting. You bring that up because, uh, sort of in preparation for this, but not you know more of just in, more just inspired. I actually went back, Myron, and listened to your first episode, which was the Green Lantern movie review. I'm very sorry. And <laughs> and, and I was listening to it and like you know knowing how you feel now. And everything like that. It was, and I'm pretty sure the Lantern Cast episode about it. I was like this back then. I wasn't a host or or anything, but or maybe I was just starting. Who knows? Whatever. Um, when I was talking about it with some of the other people on on the air, it just seems like we were all struggling to find something positive and hold on for dear yeah. life. Yeah, <laughs> Everybody and, was. And it's that I I I get that. I get that sense a bit from you, Myron. I, 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 from from listening to that, it was just like it was very interesting because not that not that you're as critical of it in general as a lot of the other movie going audiences were, but at the time, like I can just sort of hear this this sort of uh, desire to champion the character and franchise you love so much in in that episode. Yeah, well, you know, it was it was our first time recording, and and you want us to you want to start on a, on a negative foot, you know what I mean? Right. So there's there's that, and so you're trying to temper your enthusiasm for seeing a character you love on the big screen because never in a million years did I ever think that was going to happen. So you've got that excitement, which sometimes overrides your critical thinking because you're just you're so excited to see it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that can blind you a little bit to some of it. But then, you know, there's the realism, real, realistic point of which you get off that high after seeing a movie. Because, you know, let, let's face it, you're always more excited about a movie when you're walking out of the theater than you are two weeks after you saw it. And uh, trying to temper that with, well, okay, what, what didn't go right? And there were things that did go right. And I, I think 
in some respects, part of it was, was defending the character because I felt like there was a lot of criticism laid at it that was good criticism, you know, things that were very valid points, but then there were people that just jumped on it and dogpiled, and you still see that today. You know, you'll see sites like Comic Book Resources and these other places trot out Green Lantern as an example of a failed comic book movie, and I still contend to this day, I think it was a better movie than the first Thor movie. Which, yeah. which is a good comparison, because I said, I think I yes. said that at the time. It's yeah. I thought it was at least as good as Thor, but I also, but it was, yeah, I mean, there, I think there are lots of factors for maybe why the marketing campaign was horrible because they had that first trailer people hated, and then they were so scared to show any footage they didn't show anything again for like half a year, and then they, and then <laughs> they just bombarded yeah. us with all with in the last month before because I speaking of Thor and I've said this before on the show that when I was getting my poster from my local theater when they finally got the poster and uh, so I so I could get it because they were gonna hold one for me I got that poster the night the Thursday night Thor came out. So we're talking the beginning of May, and that's the first time they had a Green Lantern poster in the theater, and the friggin' movie was coming out like on June seventeenth. So well, the companion, the companion comic books came out at the same time the movie came out. Now who, now who, you, you would think those would be released before the movie as a lead up. Oh know? yeah, the, the the Captain Marvel prequel comics are already out and done. That's what I'm talking about. They didn't even do yeah. that with the Green Lantern ones. They came out when the movie came out. That's no help to the fans. And, and, anyway, and you know, so. and you know who else is keeping that Gre- that Green Lantern movie hate alive? Ryan Reynolds, baby. That's why he keeps oh, run- that's why he keeps rubbing me the wrong way. Shut the hell up already and move on. Yeah, here, I, want here, to here. Eat his, I want that guy to eat his words. You know, stay with Deadpool. We're happy for you. Yeah, and, stay out of the Green Lantern yeah, verse. At first, at first, I was okay with it because it, you know, it was you know these the self-deprecating humor that's cute, cool. Now it's like now it's like almost like he's doing it because it's the in thing to do. And it makes him and it makes him cool and cutting edge because he's jumping on the bandwagon like everybody else. So just shut, <laughs> right, just, right. just, just, just shut up. And like I told Chad, but whenever they gave him that award that one time, and he brought and they and they, and he, they brought out like a little power battery and he smashed it. I thought that was kind of I thought that was kind of that kind of pushed it too far. It's like it's like yeah. it's like okay, it's like. Yeah, I still don't have a power battery light up prop. Don't smash yeah. it on stage. Send it That's to me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he was not. He, he was not the reason the movie failed, but he certainly didn't do anything to help it from sinking either. <laughs> That's true. You know, valid it, point. it makes it makes me actually want to ask this, Mark, while you're here, because you've mentioned this before. Anytime it comes up that they're not doing a lot with Green Lantern right now, the conversation somehow spins. I mean, I say somehow like it's a mystery, but. It spins over to, well, they're still cautious from 2011's Green Lantern movie. And you get angry at that because that's just not – that to you, that's not – it's not a valid reason at this point. Now, as fans, all four of us here who've been reading for as long as we have and know as much as we do, we understand it from that perspective and we want to champion the character. But you guys, I don't know if you know or not, but a big part of the reason we do like the – Look what movies we're looking forward to in in uh, the, the coming year episode. The commentary tracks we do, the movie review episodes we do, is because Mark is big into not just the film world, but also you know how these things perform, the budgets, the uh, the review, the, con- the, the all of that stuff. So, Mark, can you explain why it's not a valid reason from from that perspective to still hang on to? The trepidation of doing something Green Lantern related because of the 2011 movie, because it doesn't seem like seven years is all that long of 
of a time span, but is it is it really that long of a time span in the the memory of Hollywood? Well, all you have to do is look at your own character. Look at Venom, Chad. When was when was Spider Man three? What was that? What year was that? Two thousand six. I don't remember. Seven. Seven maybe. I thought it was six. So we can look it up. But either way, either way, that it didn't stop didn't stop Sony from focusing on focusing on this character and deciding that hey you know they're going to you know we own the rights to this character let's actually do something with this character as opposed to it, it was 2007 2007 uh, yep and, and and just for for the record for anybody out there who's listening to this going well yeah but 2011 was the Green Lantern movie 2007 was even longer and the movie for Venom didn't come out until 2018 you have to remember guys I'm a big Venom fan I was paying attention to this for a long time the the talks that Sony had to do Venom happened started happening years ago. They happened right after that movie came out because I remember them talking about wanting to make a Venom movie, right? Is that what that, we're well, yeah, it, sort of in general. But the the, the plans to do the solo oh. Venom movie to start the the scripting and casting process and stuff, the, all the oh, stuff right, that right, right. eventually led to this 2018 film uh, that started. I want to say. Three or four years ago, something like that. It kept getting like thrown on the docket and like, hey, you know, like if if Sony were to put out a timeline the same way like Disney does uh, of movies coming down in the next five years or whatever, it, it would be like TBD Venom. You know what I mean? So, but go ahead, Mark. No, Sorry I just I think that first of all, there was a there was a way to start bringing his character back slowly if they needed to do it slowly and the animated series which i guess we should be happy it's going to end up on their streaming service <laughs> that the animated series was a really good way to go before the rocket scientists decided to cancel it on cartoon network but that would have been a very nice way to start you know to re-establishing the character and maybe establishing the character and kind of like moving beyond the how much john stewart is just even though i don't think that's as, i don't think that's ingrained that generation has grown up now, so I think like, from a young, a really young generation, they, the John Stewart probably doesn't mean that much to them either. Uh, but obviously, for a while, John Stewart was what was the Green Lantern most people would have associated with the character because of the animated, the animated show. I just think if it, there was so much material there, there was so much depth there, there was so much good they could have done with that, just to run, aw- just to run away from it. And to just say, oh, we failed once. I mean, but yet they keep coming back with the Punisher, and they keep coming back with everybody. You know, people don't just roll up. Ghost Rider. People just, they don't just throw in the towel just because, you know, all the time. So mm. I think. the uh, Well, the Hulk was only five years in between right. the two Hulk Yeah, movies. that's true, too. And that was, and that was, and, and, it was, and you could justify that because now that wasn't really, you know, wasn't a, a universal movie. They weren't creating it. They had, you know, the, the, the rights to distribute it, but it wasn't their movie. It was a Marvel Studios movie. Now this was going to be part of a collective. But that, and that could have been the justification for Green Lantern too, even though we all know Green Lantern was supposed to be the beginning of the DC expanded universe, but it's because it tanked. It wasn't. Then, it, then, it, <laughs> then the can got kicked down to Man of Steel, which then, because it did pretty good, Man of Steel then ended up becoming the first. But I just think that there were ways to do it, and at this point, and now every t- and every time they they announce these friggin' fringe characters like Plastic Man and every other damn thing that they're gonna do movies for, uh, Birds of Prey and all this other stuff, and I just think really, 
I mean, do you do you are you that clueless that you can't figure out what to do or have somebody in in house that can do something with Green with Green Lantern instead of just so if the movie came out in 2020, which is probably a safe bet that ain't happening, <laughs> unless a lot of stuff's going to have to come together real quick in 2019 in oh. order for that to be that even then would be what what nine years be nine years since since the movie I mean that's just, I don't know. I mean, look at Spider-Man. Spider-Man 3 made tons of money, but it was a disaster. People hated Spider-Man 3. Didn't st- it's not like Sony said, nope, can't, can't touch Spider-Man. I know Spider-Man's a much bigger character. But still, the point is that they did Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, which, again, didn't exactly, that didn't exactly – as a quality of movie overall, yeah, it got some of the stank off from Spider-Man 3. But it, it didn't do – but even now with the, t- the Tom Holland Spider-Man, they've never gotten back to that – money-making plateau that they were at for the Tobey Maguire ones. Unless right. you're going to uh, take uh, Into the Spider-Verse into the opinion, which I saw last weekend, and it's amazing! It's still, no, Chad, you're, you're still talking about like a $35 million opening. It's still not anywhere close. <laughs> um, oh, you watch. It's just going to start climbing. Yeah. The amazing shirt. It's, it's really, really good. You need to go see. If you haven't seen Into the Spider-Verse, especially if you have kids, you get to the theater now. <laughs> it's really good. I'll, I'll I'll concede to that, but Aquaman's coming first. <laughs> but uh, anyways, Mark, sorry, no, right. <laughs> you were on the Spider-Man track. No, so was, it's just it seems ridiculous that for a character that is has so much potential for them to kind of like run away from. And a good example, and in a way, even though they didn't have any cinematic track record with this character, we all know Aquaman was a much bigger joke of a character. Perpetually, and yet they had no. Now, yes, they changed. They changed Aquaman to a completely not being Aquaman in order to try to make him cool. But but in their mind's eye, but still, so they and whether you're you have to at least say okay, they saw the the viability somewhat in the character or the idea of the character, the powers of the character. So I say we okay, we have to rework some things in our mind's eye to try to maybe distance ourselves from what the perception, the negative perception of that character is. But they but they were. But they did that, or they seemingly are going to do it. Whether how much how much money Aquaman makes, it's, it's certainly going. Everything points to the fact it's going to be probably their over. When you balance out the money and the fans and the critics, it's going to be probably their second biggest movie, along with Wonder Woman, uh, along with Wonder Woman. However, the money settles. But they they you know they made a concerted effort of that. And Aquaman's not a great character. To me, I don't think Aquaman's a particularly interesting character. And I like Jason Momoa, and he's basically playing Jason Momoa. But the they, but they, but they did. They decided. They decided to do something with that. So why not? So the fact that it's like, eh, we're not going to touch Green Lantern. And I think that's an overall back to your question. But does do that? Does DC care about Green Lantern? No, I, they probably they don't. But I don't think WB cares much either. They they care enough to tease the fan base about stuff. And that goes back to even like your little Elseworlds Elseworlds thing from uh, the CW. Like they do enough to tease you, but then it's like, eh, you know. So it's like. I don't know. I did that. That's pretty much what I really think about it. And the more time goes on, the more the more I just shake my head. The fact that they can't, they refuse to focus back on the character, and it just just kind of it does eat at me. So that's why it comes up. And there's and there's no reason to believe that this movie, a Green Lantern type of movie, Green Lantern Corps for that matter, could be of the same caliber of a Guardians of the Galaxy style venture. You know, I mean, it's kind of they're kind of they're both the same offshoots of that cinematic universe. 
So technically speaking, they could both work comparatively. I mean, they they would work well. It would work, really work well with the fan base. But you're right. I don't know why anybody hasn't taken up the helm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Unless he dies. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Um, so it's, it's actually got me curious, Myron, from your perspective specifically. Phil, when did you start reading Green Lantern again? Oh, I probably started reading it right around... 81, maybe? Maybe 80, 81. And Mark, it was the 90s for you, right? Green Lantern 46, baby. Alright. <laughs> and for me, it was uh, Final Crisis, Rage of the Red Lanterns. But, um, so, so Myron, this question is mostly for you, but, uh, Phil, given since the 80s, I'll definitely follow him up, but since you guys have been reading as long as you have, Myron, when people get frustrated, like myself, who get who get frustrated with like how little DC focuses on Green Lantern right now, and uh, for instance, for me, like I'm looking around my room and I'm looking at, you know, that um, Earth Two uh, Alan Scott figure I've got, and then oh. you, you know I've uh, and then I've got uh, a Sinestro bust and all of these various figures and stuff that were coming out hot and heavy for a little while. Some of it, of course, during the blackest night and all that stuff, but even some of that stuff before then. And, you know, getting frustrated about the lack of trades that we're seeing. Is this for you just a return to the way things used to be? And then people like myself and other fans who are more modern are just getting upset because they're only familiar with, the marketing that the character has been receiving for the past 10 years or so. And to them, from their perspective, things have just taken a steep dive or as for you in the time period that you've been reading, the Jeff Johns era was this sharp spike in an otherwise relatively level amount of output. Um, for me, it, it, this is a return to where it used to be, but maybe a little bit better than it used to be. I mean, I go back to the days of, you know, I started reading Green Lantern in the very early 1970s. And the only figure we ever had was the Kenner Superpowers figure. I was uh, reduced to taking my Migos and cutting up costumes and putting and making my own (laughs) Green Lantern Mego figure. (laughs) I took the Riddler head and painted the mask green. And, you know, I took the Green Arrow outfit and kind of ripped it apart and and made my own Green Lantern character because there there simply wasn't anything. And you look to that whole era during the Jeff Johns thing, I was like, I never thought I would see the day when you would find so much Green Lantern merchandise. And as someone who's a completionist by nature, boy, did I struggle during those years to turn away from buying certain things. And um, my, my wallet hasn't quite caught up to, to, to all the merchandise that was out back then. But even now, we're still getting some things. I mean, you've got the, the – Meagle finally did release a Green Lantern figure recently, uh, albeit an oversized one. And there's still little things that pop up, which is more than what we used to get. So to me, this is almost like going back and resetting it a little bit. And maybe because the property was so hot, it needs to cool down before it can get hot again. I, I don't know. Um, in, in some regards – I'm happy it's not oversaturated, but at the same time, I still want to, the character to be recognized like other characters are. You know, what, what bothers me is when I go into a store and I see DC merchandise, and it's always, always, always the Trinity, yep. and and very little else. And to me, that's what frustrates me. That you know, the Flash gets some love because of the TV show, and Arrow gets some love because of the TV show, but everybody else almost doesn't exist. And, and to me, that's the frustrating part. I think what bothers me more is when you see 
when you see like their Justice League stuff, and then you have stupid Cyborg in there, and then you and and sometimes you may sometimes they actually throw Mar- Martian Manhunter in there, which is still cool. But guess who's missing? Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah, that, that annoys me even worse. It's like it's like it's bad enough, and and it's because they did that stupid thing for the movie. They decided not to have one in the movie, or, and that I mean. And I think that's part, that that eats at me, especially when. And I agree. Overall, I do think it's cyclical, and it's still better than it was. Because yes, when I back in the '90s, you know, when I first started getting into, there was like there was nothing for Green Lantern, and then slowly but surely, t- to satisfy the even though they were not going to give you Hal back because they didn't want to give you Hal back, but they gave you enough Hal merch. They gave just a little bit of Hal merchandise just to make you happy, the fan base, just to like, just to give them a little tease. Just to make him happy. It's like, oh, we're not going to give you what you really want, but we'll give you some toys and we'll give you some, like, beanies and things like that. But so but that's when, like, you really started getting a little bit of Green Lantern merchandise. And, of course, once the Jeff Johnson came along and we the march towards Blackest Night. But, it's yeah, it's it's just the it's just the idea, even though it is cyclical, that's, that stuff just drives me up the wall that a few years ago – Heading into Blackest Night, as we've talked about on the show, you could make you would could make a strong case that based on appearances, based on significance, based on merchandise, that Hal was part of the Trinity, that he was that it basically was Superman, Batman, and Hal, and Wonder Woman was kind of the one on the outs, like circa like 2006 through 2009, and then we've gone from that. That's why it stings to go from that to where like friggin' you can't even get a Justice League shirt to find friggin' Green Lantern on it. <laughs> yep. Any Green Lantern. That's- is it the same for you, Phil, since you started reading in the 80s? Because I imagine the 80s is probably the uh, – and Phil, you can uh, uh, Phil, you can correct me. Myron, you can correct me. 80s is probably the the biggest dip point for any sort of Green Lantern merchandise from, from – if I'm thinking in a historical context because – Green Lantern's getting kind of big and some more recognition in the 70s because of the Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff. And and then you have like uh, maybe maybe some interest coming in from uh, the Super Friends and stuff like that. But uh, and then compared, of course, to the to, to, to the 90s when, you know, comics are just going all out and then we get the new Green Lantern with Kyle and all this stuff. I imagine the 80s is sort of this unremarkable era for Green Lantern mar- merchandise. I would I, w- I would agree with that, and I'm sure Myron probably second me on that one. I don't remember there being a lot of action figures and stuff released during that decade. Well, if you think about it, the superpowers figures, didn't come out until 1984. Right, those That's are right. the only ones I can think about that it would be included in. Yeah, there was there was one other one that had uh, it was another line of figures they came out with that we really they were lousy figures. The Green Lantern squirted water out of his ring. Uh, <laughs> I think I had that one. I got it as a gift. I think. I yeah. think I had. I think it was open, but I think I had that one. Yeah. I, I think those were really the only two pieces of merchandise in terms of collectibles that were really out there. Right. So you you had a long period of time where there just wasn't anything. Yeah. And remember too, guys, that and and this is gonna you know just jump on what Myron was explaining. The social aspect of this is is often overlooked because during this during this ebb and flow of comics, I mean. It's almost like these characters come and go, and to catch lightning in a bottle twice isn't easy to do. And a lot of times, these companies just pick up on these characters that just all of a sudden it just they just gain this massive, massive following. You can think of Iron Man 2008. I mean, Iron Man was a second tier, third tier character in the Marvel universe, and then all of a sudden the movie came out, 
look at him now. He's he's one of their A-listers, you know. And yeah. a lot of this ebb and flow with comics works the same way. So if they kill off a character back in, back in the 80s, if somebody died off, you know, hell, you didn't even know what was going to happen. You're like, oh, okay, well, he's gone. And then you didn't have, like, you guys to talk to you about, well, where's this guy at? Where's, when's he coming back? Where's he been? And then you, and then your social aspect is larger and larger as the narrative starts to grow. And then, of course, then you get all these people that start clamoring about, well, when they bring him back, such and such. Back then, you just had your, your, your fellow friends to talk about. And then even then, that wasn't that much because, oh, when you read comic books back in the 80s, you got your ass beat. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's how, that's how the stereotype was. I mean, you weren't cool. So you kind of kept that self-contained narrative to your, just your friends or the comic book place that you visited. And they didn't even have those back then because a lot of the comic book places, you, you bought them at your, your uh, grocery stores or your, your convenient marts on the circular racks. Yeah, I, re- I would imagine, I mean, just like everything, the Internet has changed uh, oh, so, yeah. so, so many things. I imagine the comic book industry is as drastically impacted as anything else, if not more, because these sort of indie publishers come up or these sort of one-off issues that DC or Marvel will do. You know, basically because of the Internet, everybody, in terms of the comics that are being published, everybody's got their eye on everything. Well, so, think about it like think about it like this, letters to the reader. That was yeah. your only social aspect that you ever had with the comic book industry, you know. Right. You read about other people that were writing in from other places and hoping that your letter got printed at some point. But Right. And then even then, DC got to pick and choose which letters they wanted to publish. Right. So that was yeah. like really your only your only contact people that you had to talk about or that you read about. I mean, you couldn't get on and click on anything to read what people were saying. You know, it's like much like the movie industry. You saw one trailer and the next thing you know, the movie was released a year later and you're blown away by it. Now you get three trailers and then, you know, and then the whole lead up. Yeah, it's still great. But the surprise factor kind of gets eliminated when you've got all the stuff leading up to that movie. Plus the, const- plus the constant uh, trailer reviews and reactions right. and everything right. else. So, which- and then people and then people trolling on it and then people, you know, crapping all over it. And then it. It kind of just taints your own vision. I remember back in the 80s, I, you know, G.I. Joe was like really, really big. And I used to read the comic books and nobody tainted my vision of that. But nowadays, it seems like everybody just wants to taint your vision of it, especially when it comes to DC and Marvel. My gosh, grow up, people. <laughs> you know, we all like what we like. And it just seems like that it's over. It just seems like people just get go overboard with the whole rivalry between them. Anyway. But yeah, the, it was it was a different time in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta think about it. it was very a very insular hobby yeah. because there wasn't there wasn't any way to talk about it with anybody, and you really didn't. You didn't tell anybody you oh, read no. comics, and there were no solicitations to look at, so you didn't know what was coming next. And you know, you just you had issue to issue, and you hoped that you could get to the convenience store and find the next issue on the spinner rack before it was gone. Yeah, that's because true too. there was no way to order them either. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. And you were really, really bent on the fact that you knew when they were going to be on those spinner racks, so you made sure that your dad or your mom took you up there so you could get it that day. Yeah, it's different. It's a different time, different times now, now, guys. Yes, good and bad. There are some pros, and it's easier to get stuff you need, you want to get now. But yes, but yeah, it's it is it's a it is a whole different vibe. I lo- I lost many issues sometimes not getting to the pharmacy in time when those books were gone. It's like damn, 
It's like, uh I think that uh I think that I think Green Lantern's gonna get focused on again. I just I think D C and WB got their got their bigger fish to fry though, unfortunately, and a lot of it a lot of it from my kind of uh background revolves around this whole the, the social aspect of it. Like you had brought up the whole Wonder Woman, the popularity of Wonder Woman now. You know, her being part of the Trinity, her being one of the main, main characters in the DC world. It'd be for too long, people will say Wonder Woman started the whole DC movement, and then people will forget about Justice League and Batman v Superman and Man of Steel. All right. You know, I think I think what I think what frustrates me right now with DC's uh, activity with Green Lantern is they're not they're doing these things like teasing uh, on on the CW and doing these sort of one-off things every now and then, like yeah, let's bring Grant Morrison on the title, but maybe it's only going to be for twelve issues, and then let's do this uh, Green Lantern and Huckleberry Hound special, or let's throw this uh, this uh, new talent showcase and let's do some uh, a John Stewart story here, like these these sort of one-off things happening here and there, and to me those things equate to a kid standing on the side of a uh, of a large a, a small lake or a large pond or whatever and dropping pebbles into the water and watching the ripple effect. <laughs> not, yeah. not 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 you're you're doing something and you're throwing something into the pond and you're causing waves, but not everybody's going to notice and, and 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 keep that kid in their vision when he's dropping those pebbles into the pond. Sure. If I get in a boat with one big rock and row out there and drop something right in the middle. Everybody's going to be looking at the guy out on the boat dropping something into the water. Now, it could fail horribly, but you need to try something once and try it big to get a real feel for is there any interest in this anymore. And doing these small little pebble throws into the pond are not big enough tests to see if the interest is still there. No, you're right. You're totally right. I don't, what did they do on this? Which uh, what show did they hint? Or they tease Green Lantern on? Was that Arrow? Uh, it was several different places over the years, but it, this was uh, during the crossover this year. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I haven't gotten caught up on the crossover this year. Well, which which really doesn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense anyway, because you know um, Oliver and Hal were good friends in the comic book for how long? Even and, Barry and Hal were great yep. friends. Hal's two best that? friends have their own shows, but Hal hasn't been seen. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Except for that really one really quick clip when you saw somebody wearing a bomber jacket that said Jordan yeah. on it. Right. <laughs> right. But no, you're and, right. But I think they'll they'll come out with something. I just I'm with you guys though. I'm just I, I I get I get the same way. I get agitated with some of the decisions that are being made. So I guess it's safe to say, uh, Myron, that uh, you're ready for our uh, third iteration of the State of the Green Lantern Union sometime in 2019. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Because <laughs> we did one in 2015, we did one in 2017. I guess that means it's time to do one in 2019. It, it, it's coming up. It's coming up. <laughs> but, but you know, just to go back to the CW thing, I know there are people that there's a whole bun- bunch of people that want John Diggle to be John Stewart. Please do not do that. Right, John Diggle's his own character. You know, come on. Yeah. I, I like it uh, in a way because you know John's a military man. John is a friend of uh, a brother to Oliver and, and all of this stuff. But you've you've really made Diggle his own man. You right. don't need you don't need to shackle him to the idea of ah oh, he's really John Stewart all along. 
Well, not only that, then you change the dynamic of the friendship status, because then that just means Hal and Oliver never had a friendship status. Now all of a sudden, John Stewart and Oliver are good friends. It's kind of odd. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've covered about this. This might as well be a mini <laughs> State of the Green Lantern Union segment. Uh, <laughs> but before we let you go, I was wanting to see guys because you don't, you guys don't quite cover as much as uh, as much as we do in terms of the 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 ancillary stuff. Like for instance, uh, Mark and I did a whole episode on you know Supergirl going to Oa, that sort of three issue arc thing uh, when she was tracking down Rogel Czar and and all of these other things. I've, is there anything else that you've been reading with Green Lantern appearing and, you know, whether it be one of those one-off things, maybe you're reading Titans now to keep an eye on, uh, to keep an eye on, uh, uh, Kyle or, uh, Justice League Odyssey to keep an eye on Jessica. Any, are you, these, any of these things you guys have been reading that, uh, you haven't had a chance to talk about on your show that you'd like a chance to sort of commiserate with, uh, over here? I, uh, I, I did read the Supergirl book. Uh, those three issues. And it was interesting. It was kind of not really an important part of the story. It just kind of was a come and go kind of thing. But it was nice to see the core because that was, that was the only time we've seen the core since the end of the Green Lanterns run. So that was nice. Uh, but I don't think it had any real lasting impact on the Green Lantern franchise. I, I glanced, glanced through the Green Lantern Huckleberry Hound book and decided not to buy it after I flipped through it. And it just looked goofy to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> As, as good as the Batman Elmer Fudd team up was, the Green Lantern Huckleberry Hound was not that. Um, <laughs> so, so that's those are really the only things I've read. I'm not reading Justice League or Odyssey. Yeah, okay. usually I touch on some of that stuff. I well, usually Myron and I will mention like who's doing what in other titles or whatnot. I'm a, I mean I'm a Jessica fan, so I read Odyssey. I might start reading Titans now that Kyle's going in that book. I'm still not sure about that. I did notice that one of the uh, variant covers that's being solicited shows the Green Lantern Corps on the cover of it. Did you guys mm-hmm. see that? Yep. I did so, see that. But, yeah, we, we touch on some of them, but we don't focus on that. Our main focus is just, I, I, I guess Myron would agree with this, is just mainly on the, the main book and uh, the main characters and what they're doing. Yeah, I wanted to congratulate you, uh, Myron, because... Uh, you beat me to it, man. You got Cryptozoic to sponsor a contest. <laughs> <laughs> I I have been championing DC deck builders since day one. I have every single version of, oh, yeah. of DC. Here, I love that game so very much. So when I heard they were doing Green Lantern and Sinestro, I about lost my mind. What's interesting, though, is because of when it came out, I, I was without a job for about six months, and then my first day was on November 5th. So because of that, I couldn't order like pre-order it or anything. Um, uh. And, of course, then, you know, your first couple of paychecks, you're kind of getting back on your feet and sort of paying off these other things here and there. But then because of when I start, November 5th, the first free money I have is, of course, got to be going towards buying Christmas gifts and stuff like that. You know, I've got a little baby brother now. Um, so, you know, Christmas is going to be expensive because I just, in, for some reason, I say genetics. Uh, <laughs> inherently want to spoil the crap out of him. Um, but uh, it's, it's actually it's extremely hilarious because I still don't have <laughs> a copy of Green Lantern versus Sinestro for, for Cryptozoic. I'm assuming someone's going to, someone in the family is going to give it to me for Christmas. I don't know. That's why I haven't bought it for myself at this point. But 
I, I participate in the uh, – are you guys familiar with Imager? It's like Reddit or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Okay. So I participate in Imager's Secret Santa, so where all the people who are constant frequenters of Imager sign up for the Secret Santa and buy each other gifts and send it across the country or whatever. <laughs> My Secret Santa on Imager put <laughs> video games and board games and card games in his interests list. So I got him a couple of things that relate to his specific interest, but because he was so general, I was just like, look, here's a card game I really enjoy. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to champion my character a little bit. <laughs> so I I bought a copy of Green Lantern versus Sinestro for someone else before I bought it for myself. That's how much I love DC Deck Builder. So <laughs> congratulations to you, man, because... I was so happy for you when I saw that uh, you guys uh, had that partnership together. It, it worked out really well. Um, and it's it's funny because this is the second time I tried to reach out to get um, – actually, the third time – to get a board game-related Green Lantern stuff. There, there's another – there's a Green Lantern dice game, which mm-hmm. uh, borders more on being an activity than a game. And then there's a, a European Justice League miniatures game with Green Lantern in it, and they were going to send me a copy, and I never received it, and they don't respond to emails anymore. So, but uh, the, the Cryptozoic thing was was great. Uh, yeah, there's also uh, Panini Games, I think, is doing the Meta X cards. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I tried. I, I actually I did reach out to them because I'm so familiar with DC Deck Builder. I was like, you know what? Let's let's see if I can get them to to you know, kind of hype up this Green Lantern thing they've got going on here so I can understand some of the gameplay and, and help out with this. But never heard anything back. Tried a couple of same, times. Same here. Same so, here. I emailed them as well. You got nothing back. Yeah. I, uh, I Chad, if you do not get it for Christmas, let me know, and I am buying it for you. Oh, I did not mean to do that at all. I, no, I'm, not, I'm, no, I know you did. I okay. You did. All right. I still haven't purchased it either, Myron. <laughs> Now, now my wallet only goes so far. <laughs> you get it for your co-host before you get it for me, okay? <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm probably gonna order it soon. I need um, to get that. Uh, but no, I've, I've been telling people for a long time. Like, if you're curious about DC Deck Builder and don't want to spend the forty-five, fifty bucks it costs for a regular game, the two-player versions are like fifteen, sixteen bucks, uh, depending on where you get them. And uh, most I've ever seen was 20. Uh, And it's a two-player version. You get a sense of the entire gameplay. So it's a small enough investment. Just give it a shot. (laughs) So, yeah, it's. uh, I I was so excited when they announced it because they'd been saying they were going to do more of these Rivals packs. And all they had up until this point was Batman and Joker, of course. So I assumed the next would be either Superman and Lex or Wonder Woman and Cheetah, or something to that effect. But no, they went full on with with Green Lantern and Sinestro, and I love them for it. <laughs> they, they did a nice job, and, and, and you know, I don't know whether you saw the video I did about it, but they they covered a lot of the characters. So it wasn't like you know, with Batman, you get the tech and the gear and stuff. This really had a lot of the characters, so it feels like a Sinestro Core War card game. Yeah, that uh, but, I, I'm really looking forward to that, and I, and I know that uh, DC Deck Builder. You know, like I said, I've got all this stuff. A lot of the crisis packs uh, have a lot of stuff to do with. There's one in particular. I think it's crisis pack number three has a lot to do with like Blackest Night related stuff. Um, I think the Heroes Unite deck is the one that has all the various Power Ring cards. 
uh, and like the Kyle Rayner card and stuff like that. So, like, what's the, uh, just out of curiosity, what's the what's the main one to start out with? Just the the, the entertainment DC deck building game, the main one. Well, there, yeah, there's there's the DC there's the main DC deck builder game, which I would recommend just because you get your Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, all that stuff. Um, I personally prefer playing the Heroes Unite deck. Okay. That's um, uh, okay. That's there's two because there's two of them. I'm looking on Amazon right now. So. Right. The, I, I prefer the Heroes Unite deck just because I feel like that one has more Green Lantern related stuff in it. You know, there's a Yellow Lantern power ring, uh, and and like if you some, I think there's some something like if you have Kyle Rayner and like four of the rings in your hand at once, you just automatically win the game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so stuff like that. Plus, of course, I think that pack. I think that pack also has like. A couple of Dead Man cards, and I'm a huge Dead Man fan, so it, it, it's more of a taste thing for me. Um, but there's, there's, uh, I definitely would recommend, you know, the 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 first one or the Heroes Unite one. But if you, again, if you get the Heroes Unite one, your main character cards are going to be like, what is it, Myron Shazam, Batgirl, Black Canary, stuff like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, you know, another game to mention, too, since we're talking about Green Lantern games, was the War of Light Dice Masters game. That was a good yeah. game. And the uh, the Hero Clicks stuff. Yeah. Hero mm-hmm. Clicks was cool. I really liked the Hero Clicks, yeah. So. All right. Well, I just wanted I wanted I had to bring it up because I know that you, you had that relationship with Cryptozoic. So I just wanted to congratulate you on it and, and use it as a way to just geek out about some games real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about Green Lantern related or, or otherwise before we close out? I mean, we've been Lantern guys have been doing this for 10 years. I hope you guys hit 10 years, too. So any memories you want to share? I know, Phil, you've been listening for a long time. I don't know if you quit after you became uh, a co-host somewhere else. You traitor. Uh, no, no, no <laughs> never quit. I still listen. To, uh, I, I listen to them both all the time. He's on hiatus. No, hiatus just, is the word. I like that. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. It's just it's fun. It's fun to do, you know. And I tell you what, I mean, I I like I've always liked Myron, and I just him and I banter, and uh, him and I have good, you know, we we have a good repertoire back and forth, and I've always enjoyed talking to him and listening to him and Bill in the prior episodes. I've always enjoyed listening to you two guys, and it's just nice to be part of a part of a fan base in a bigger way doing this than just the one sitting there reading the comic books you know what i mean absolutely for sure you know the one thing the one takeaway i i've got is you know when you work when you make a podcast you realize how much work goes into it so when you're listening to somebody else's content you really appreciate how much planning and energy that you know they put into it and you guys always come across like you put a lot of time into thinking about what you're going to talk about and and orchestrating things so that you're organized and and you know, I respect that greatly. That that's a that's a great thing because I've listened to a number of podcasts where it just sounds like a bunch of people in a room and nobody has any idea what they're going to be talking about, and it just feels like you're you're, you're eavesdropping in a conversation more than listening to people that are trying to share entertainment and share their perspectives. Right. A ruse worked, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> we sound intelligent. Awesome. Goal achieved. <laughs> well, you know uh, it's. The other thing is, you know, there there aren't, uh, you know, other than your show and our show, there really isn't anything out there for the Green Lantern fan who wants to listen to a podcast. Um, there's a third podcast that doesn't do episodes very often at all, 
And then there's our shows, which we we both put out pretty regular content. So I, I feel a great deal of camaraderie as much as I do with any any comic book podcast, more so because we're a niche within a niche within a niche. And, um, you know, so I always looked at us as brothers in arms. You oh, know, for we're, sure. We're, we're complementary. Definitely. You know, there are things that you guys bring up that we don't we don't catch. And there's things that I think we mentioned you guys don't catch. And I, I think for the Green Lantern fan, if if we are jointly enhancing somebody's fan experience we're doing a great job yeah yeah i've said it before i'll say it again i've never i've never understood those people who either leave uh comments or reviews on your show talking bad about us or vice versa because i don't think there's that drastic of a difference for from us i think i think obviously you know maybe some people got frustrated with uh mark and i not being big fans of either the venditti i mean it's we preferred the Venditti stuff over the Green Lanterns series, but we were sort of uh, negative about both, and people were just upset about that. And we were just like, you know, I just, I just didn't, I didn't get that because it never felt like you guys were bashing on something or we were bashing on something, and we were the entire point of both of us doing both of these shows, doing these shows in the first place was never about negativity it was just like hey we're fans are you guys fans too we're going to talk about it in the context of our fandom if that's about continuity or whatever that's that's fantastic but you know i never i never understood why people thought we were fighting with each other or thought that uh one show was just leaps and bounds so much more amazing than the other because we we're like you said my brothers in arms we do a lot of the same stuff Right, right. And, you know, the thing, you know, I, I have a good friendship with Sean Whalen from Raging Bullets, and uh, he and I finally got to meet in person over the summer. We were chit-chatting over pizza, and we were talking, and he said, you know, you have, a, you guys have a really tough time because on Raging Bullets, you know, we cover the entire DC universe, so we're only going to talk about the books we like. So if they don't like a book, they just don't talk about it. But when you've got one character that you're focusing on, or one family of characters, and and you don't like the direction or you don't like something about the book, you're kind of almost forced into a corner because if you gloss it over and don't talk about things with a critical eye, then people think you're pandering. But then when you do talk about it with a critical eye, you're being negative. And it's not – I mean I want these books just like you guys do. I want these books to succeed and be as mm-hmm. popular as they've ever been. But at the same time, if there's something I don't like or there's something that, that just doesn't seem right, I feel obligated because – it's my credibility at that point. Yes. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, guys. Well, it's been 10 years, and this is also our Christmas episode. So thanks, guys, for coming on. Thanks, guys, for helping us celebrate uh, this milestone with us. And when you guys uh, want to, us to come on for anything at all, you let us know. But if you have a milestone episode, you want us to – to pump you guys up. Uh, wait, Mark, do I have to do I have wait, to do to it? pump you up? The pump you up. <laughs> then uh, you you invite us. But uh, thanks Absolutely. for coming on and celebrating with us. And uh, and a Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever you celebrate. So you and yours, guys. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Merry Christmas. Hey, to thanks you for guys. having us on. It's it's great. Very well. Been great. Glad you yeah, I agree. Us, as always. Yep. And again, congratulations, and, and we're happy to be a part of it and honored to be a part of this. Thank you very yep, much. Thank I you agree. for coming on. All right, guys. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, this is Daryl Banks. 
calling to wish the Lantern Cast a happy anniversary celebration, 10 years, and uh, here's to 10 more. Hey, Chad and other fellows on the Lantern Cast. This is Aaron Moss, a.k.a. Brotherhead from the Headcast Network. Just calling to wish you guys a very happy 10th anniversary. Glad to hear you guys have made it this long and here's to at least another 10 years, if not many, many, many more years. Uh, you guys have a great show. You guys are great hosts, and you're coming with a great character, so uh, kudos to you guys. Anyways, just want to drop you a quick line and, again, wish you a happy 10th anniversary and for many, many more years ago, many more 10th anniversaries after this. Well, I guess it would be 10th, it would be 20th and 30th and so on. You know what I mean. Anyways, uh, keep up the great work, guys. Uh, you put the shows out there, people are going to listen to them because you guys do a great job. All right? Have a good one. Bye. Awesome! We're back from break, and uh, we couldn't get away with doing this episode without having at least one listener segment. Um, the problem, of <laughs> course, is getting everybody together this close to Christmas. So we had to do a small one, and then this one we're going. We, we, we brought Corwin and we brought Jesse along for the ride. So welcome, guys. Glad to be here. Goodness. Awesome. So, um, welcome to the EMX podcast. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> we need to talk about X Men. Are you ready? Uh, <laughs> 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 All right, that was a poor joke. All right, so Perform. <laughs> the uh, the the Lantern Cast has now been on the air for ten years, and. Uh, you guys uh, are a big part of the reason it's still going. So we wanted to bring you guys on. And as much as this is a celebration for us, it's as equal of a celebration for you guys. So we wanted to bring you on and help celebrate. Yeah, I've been a proud listener for probably about eight of those years. So Nice. Oof, where has the time gone we're always gone somewhere, Corwin. <laughs> and we'll never get it back. It seems like just yesterday we were recording the Next Generation episode. <laughs> yeah, that's tr- it is true, isn't it? On some on, on some level, it does see that, that is kind of ironic when we did when like you and John and I did that. It's like, oh, this is such a weird pipe dream. It's never. It's like, and then boom, we quit. No, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. Uh, now all we need is for me to go mad. <laughs> Again. I mean, we, we we can give you Larflees to read and, and uh, what was the other one called? I think I intentionally blocked it out of my memory. What, Oblivion? Threshold. Oh, not Oblivion. And, and uh, Larflees. Threshold. 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 Um. <sighs> That that one that one about Guy Gardner that we shall never mention its name again. Oh yes, Jim, Jim's favorite. <laughs> so must matter, Wolf Mamage. That's the one. <laughs> you know, actually, it's funny. Uh, Laurel, uh, who actually will be recording hopefully a, a segment, uh, just because she couldn't be on for this call. Um, she was the the winner of one of our contests, so I had to send her a couple of things. I sent her a set of rings. I sent her the uh, the uh, Green Lantern Rebirth 
um, action figure set that comes with a soft cover and the two figures. And then I also <laughs> sent her <laughs> uh, issue one and issue two of Collateral Damage. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which guaranteed she will never enter any contest ever again. <laughs> I figured it would offset the. Uh, I figured the, the the positivity of the rings and the action figures would offset that, but I had to get rid of them. I have I have three copies. Of, I have three copies of of each issue, specifically for this reason. <laughs> Do you just like pick them up whenever you see them at cons for a dollar? Oh no! I, it's like when I'm at half price books and go into the twenty five cent bins. <laughs> it's right there beside DC decisions and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, what was oh man what was Dan DiDio's awful series that he did? <sighs> there was one that was just got awful. I can't remember the title. Was that was, was that Metal Men? No. Nah, it definitely wasn't. It wasn't OMAC. Everybody seemed to like OMAC for some reason. Uh, I can't remember. Whatever. But yeah, 10 years of the show. So, uh, you know, we're kind of starting off asking everybody sort of in one fashion or another. What have what are your favorite moments in the in the history of the show? Like you, you guys have been listening almost longer than anybody else. So you've got as good of a of, of a memory and history with this show as, as we do at this point. So, Oof. Ah. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I, I um, the first thing that always comes to my mind is the episode that Jim recorded drunk, drunk. Uh, <laughs> about uh, <laughs> dark things. That, that, uh, that was Corwin was I, there for that. Yes, I was. I, I think was, we had to re-record it on top of that. <laughs> I, I was driving while listening to that, and it was. I had tears in my eyes. So. <laughs> Mr. Terrific's a douchebag. <laughs> the something, something, something dark side episode. <laughs> oh, man. Um, think, 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 think. I should have done some. If I knew that question was coming up, I would have done some homework. Um, let's see. I think having Lauren on was um always entertaining. Oh. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember if that's if if that was on air or just some of the off air stuff because it was, we've had plenty of funny moments. Oh yeah, you know, aren't you aren't you number one and I'm number what two or three, right? For what? Lauronite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> but we used to have fun with her. She made a very brief appearance during Jim and Dan's segment in the background. You can hear her. But uh, we should have made more of an effort to have her on. But I think she was busy taking care of the kiddos while Jim was recording with us. She's, well, yeah. in, she's in the background, though. <laughs> no, no, yeah, you, yeah, but what I'm saying is, I would want to, I would have wanted her on more, is what I'm saying. No, I got it, but it's kind of appropriate on some level. She's in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still remember. I think it was, I think it was like the end credits of like e- episode like 25 or something. They threw in some audio of of uh, <laughs> Dan and Jim trying to count down 
<laughs> to, to to start the podcast <laughs> and it just all messed up and Lauren just started riffing on them going crazy about <laughs> what idiots they are <laughs> and then she was also giving them shit about like who, who titles it episode zero <laughs> that was always the fun thing with recording just the funny things she'd be saying in the background before we start or during or after it's just I know there's plenty of material that didn't make it to the episodes, but she she was always just a great presence. <laughs> uh, I remember there was one episode, and it's still out there. I just don't remember which episode where you can hear Lauren snoring in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like there's a That's respirator good. in the mo- in the room or something. <laughs> it's just <sighs> that was the Ode to Darth Vader episode. <laughs> <laughs> Good time. Oh, that was oh for sure. Oh man, Mark, what is what's one of your favorite uh, moments from the from the Lantern cast? That's, that's kind of hard. I mean, in a way, I feel almost obligated to try to look for an episode that I wasn't on, like before I ever came on. <laughs> right. Uh, let's see. Though. I, Again, it's not as self-serving to say. I obviously I remember the first episode I was on when we were doing the Facebook game. I remember that. And also, it was very. It was timing was interesting because like two days later is when I had my kidney stone, so I kind of remember all that too. <laughs> it was in the same. Yeah, it was in the same couple of days. It was not fun. Uh, but knock on wood, that was that was like uh, almost ten years ago now. So let's see. Um, I don't. I. It's hard to. I've, I always enjoyed when we did the – I enjoy, since we're still, we haven't left yet, <laughs> uh, I enjoy the State of the Green Lantern episodes. I, I, I like all the commentary tracks we do. Obviously, I think some are more obvi- clearly entertaining than others, depending on the movie that we're doing. Uh, yes, that's a segue for us, Corwin, uh, at some point. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think – and even some of the int- – I think – I'm certainly not as comfortable doing in- interview episodes as Chad is, nor do I look, nor do I get pumped by the mere concept of it like the way Chad does. But I think most of the interview episodes we've done together have turned out pretty well. So I guess that's another example of something that a, a variation on the old adage about I hate writing but love having written. That that's a classic example of that's that those are episodes. The interview episodes are ones that I hate prepping for and I feel, and I feel more nervous about recording but then once they're done you feel good about having done them <laughs> so those are the ones should that we got, should we take that opportunity to to announce what's coming in 2019 or should we not uh, say anything until it well you always say that to me and it's like half the time I don't even 100% know what which, which one in particular you're which talking time? about so I should I should just say yeah go for it because I I'll be surprised too but the no, other spinoff Oh yes, 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 yes. Okay, that's that makes sense. Yeah, if you if you want to. Okay. Uh, so as he just said, uh, one of my favorite things to do is and has always been the interviews. As a matter of fact, I mean, I, I, it's it's hard not to be self-serving, but in a way, this is this isn't. Even though I was on the episode and and you know, kind of the impetus behind it happening, but the interview episode were the first time Jim and I talked to Denny O'Neill. That will always be one of my favorite episodes, not because. I was on, not because I hooked up the interview with Denny, but because it's Denny O'Neill. And I've said over and over and over again that 
he's one of my heroes. So the, the chance, the chance I had to talk to him, I'll still remember this when we were setting this up and, and I was doing things like, um, trying to get him involved with the green lantern documentary, uh, that I was planning way back when, uh, I remember I used to go to this Bible study every Tuesday night and I was, it was off. I was off work. I was parked out on the street outside of the house. I usually go to for this thing. And I, I, I made, I made this call and I, I just stood out in the street in the middle of Austin, just talking to Denny O'Neill on the phone. And we were riffing about, you know, I was telling him kind of the this, this stuff I wanted to do and um, uh, with the, my kind of goals for this Green Lantern documentary. And uh, we talked a bit about Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern, and he was all excited. It was, it was just like, so yeah, Jim and I talked to him in that episode uh, as an interview, but I just, it was weird to have this one-on-one phone conversation with Denny <laughs> O'Neill, and I'll just like, I'll never forget that. Um, and along those lines, as Mark says, years and years go by, and I just get more and more excited to do interviews. The problem is, when I go to local Comic Cons and stuff and do those Comic Con episodes, you know, I apply under press pass for the Lantern cast, and I feel obligated to try and track down anyone who has even any tangential relationship to Green Lantern, so I can justify interviewing them and putting them on a show called the Lantern Cast. But I meet a ton of really cool people, uh, mm-hmm. local artists, uh, even big time artists that uh, that I just can't justify bringing on. I try, you know. For instance, uh, Sam De La Rosa. The last time I went to Wizard World Austin, I had him on because screw it, everybody knows I'm a fan of Venom. I'm not gonna have him on. I don't care. Well, that sort of attitude has led to the idea of a new spinoff coming some point in 2019. I don't want to announce a date because I don't have the first episode or two recorded yet. But an interv- an all-interview show. So I'm going to interview comic book creators from every publisher. It doesn't matter what character they've worked on or what, uh, you know, what, char- what character they worked on, what publisher they're working for. They're coming on the show. So... Things like, I'm a big fan of, like, uh, Punk Rock Jesus. So maybe Sean Gordon Murphy. Uh, you know, he's on my list of people to get. Now, these are, we're talking big names, so who knows if it'll actually happen or not. But, you know, I've always touted I'm a huge fan of Olivier Coipel's and uh, and uh, JMS's run on Thor. Maybe I'll get JMS on for Thor. Uh, you know, and so on and so forth. I, I love Nexus. So maybe Steve the Dude Rude. Or Mike Barron. I don't. I don't know. Um, but these are interviews I never could have justified doing in the past that I could justify if we started a show like this. So that's going to be coming at some point in uh, in 2019. I'd give the title, but it's not 100% solid yet. And since we don't know when it's going to launch, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to give it away and have someone else uh, be inspired and take that up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's going to be tr- coming in 2019. Chad's gonna. So it's gonna be like. Uh, it's like I mean Chad's interview version of Taken. It's like if you're involved in the, <laughs> in the comic industry, he will find you and he will interview you. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the shades closed because Chad might be knocking and looking in. <laughs> you know, I will say I will. I'm pretty proud of you guys with the video episodes and stuff that you guys, the rings, the Ringpedia episodes, and um, what what magazine was it? it? Was magazine a website? You guys were listed on like the top 
10 podcasts? What was that again? No, yeah, it was 50. 50. Yeah. Ah, top 10 of mine. Which, which uh, website was that? Or thank what? you, Corin. <laughs> uh, feed, feed spot. Feed spot, yeah. yeah. I was proud to see you guys on that list. <clears throat> Yeah, that was pretty we should, cool we, too. We should but, be doing. We I think we want to do more video stuff once we we have to figure out logistically. I think because even even like when we do some of our trailer talk stuff, if we're doing a trailer review, it would be cool if we could if we did that as a video. If we can figure out the best way to do that, I think that would be. And and at least Chad and I would do what most people don't do, which is we don't effing talk over the thing when you're watching it the first time. <laughs> God, I know I I know I vented on that like not that long ago, but how it's so annoying. Not just because from a list from a I understand it's a reaction video, but the point is, I mean, if you're gonna talk throughout the trailer yourself when you first watch it, you're inevitably going to miss stuff over and over again, especially dialogue because you're too busy rambling on. It's like watch it the first time. <laughs> you can have facial reactions to it. You can go oh. Wow, or something. Like, watch the damn thing the first time, then replay it, and then mm. comment on it. It's like it's so annoying. It's like oh, especially if you've already watched the trailer yourself, so you know something's coming. That that you know, that was like a gotcha moment right before, or, or it's coming up. So you know, you know inevitably they're going to talk over it or react to it, and then miss a the cool piece of dialogue or something that comes right after it. But yes, that would be cool to do for videos. And thank you about the the ring cyclopedia. I, I actually think I want to. I think I want to do one and have one ready to go. Probably I guess the week the week of New Year's. Um, and those are usually fun to do. Jesse, you were trying to say something a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. This is a little off the subject, but you can include it or not. So maybe this is an edit point. But uh, I. Uh, I got to meet Denny O'Neill at our local con um, a couple years ago, and I had a much much different experience than you did. It was kind of sad, in a way. Um, mm. I had met Neil Adams the year before, got him to sign my trade of Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and he was a pretty cool guy. We talked for a minute or two, and the next year Denny O'Neill was going to be there. I was like, oh great, I can get both of them. Well, it was. Late, late towards the end of the day at the con, I'm, I'm looking at my map, and then I'm looking around trying to find Denny's table. He's sitting there at just a plain table with a, uh, a donation box for the um, – for um, Heroes Initiative. Hero, yeah, Heroes Initiative. Heroes Initiative for interviews. <laughs> he's asleep. He's, he's sitting in his chair leaning over asleep. I walked up and, you know, I was like, excuse me. And his wife had to touch him to wake him up to sign my book. And uh, I could tell the poor guy was just just totally exhausted from the day. And I, I just left him alone. But then I it, it just, you know, I see Neil Adams with his big spread selling his prints and all this stuff. And then here's Denny O'Neill with just this plain little table. And so many people didn't even know who he was. And I'm like, you know, here's a guy that had a pretty significant impact on the comics world, and and uh, people just walking by, going, well, "Who's this old guy?" Yeah, the uh, mm-hmm. the second time I got to talk to him at a Wizard World Austin show, uh, he was working the uh, Hero Initiative booth, just like you're talking about, uh, and it's a very understated booth, actually. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but uh, you know, it's you know, the, the, it's sort of a sad truth, I think. 
in a lot of the cons you go to that writers just don't ever get the not the, the notoriety mm-hmm. they really should. Um, you know, unless, they they don't have a the big current, presence. Unless you're the current big thing, like you right. know, if if you're Jeff Johns, it's going to be all over the place. That, right. Or um, who was the guy from Batman a couple years? We had a, a couple Scott years Snyder. Ago. No, it wasn't Scott Snyder. Um, King? I can't King. remember, but it was a guy I had no interest in meeting whatsoever. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't stand in line. I didn't stand in line for it, even though you know people were lined up all day just to get his signature. And, but uh, yeah. and you no, know, but then another another con. Uh, I think it was the same year that Neil Adams was there. Uh, George Perez was there. And George Perez just sat up at a table and just signed whoever walked by. He'd sign and talk for a minute, and mm-hmm. he was he was a great guy to. But you know there was no fanfare about him being there. He was just a guy in a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's the same thing actually. I remember when uh, I went up to New York Comic Con, and Dan and Jim and I were there. I don't know if Dan was with me on this particular. I think he might have been with me. Jim was either going to meet up with us or do, off doing something else. We were walking the artist alley of New York Comic Con, and we walked by this this table. This I'm talking, it doesn't have any dressing on it at all. It's just mm-hmm. sort of just sort of there. Uh, maybe a couple of pieces of paper here and there. I'm like, who is this? Like, you know, I, I sort of recognize this guy's face. He's with his wife. You know, a lot of these older creators tend to bring their wives to these things. So that was sort of a dead giveaway that this this might this, this is somebody I should know. And I finally find the little bitty name tag. It's freaking Joe Staten. Wow. Like, like Joe Staten is sitting right there in front of me, and, like, everybody's just walking by. And I'm just like, you, you guys are kidding me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, this yeah. indie creator is doing something cool. We should help bump indie books. But do you see what's, who's right across the aisle from him? <laughs> yeah. So... That's uh, that's why I'm glad that, I mean, even though Denny's uh, sort of understated at cons, uh, he'll make an appearance specifically for um, the Hero Initiative. So, and uh, I've always touted the Hero Initiative as one of my favorite charities. Um, so I, I, I applaud him for doing that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm proud to, even though I didn't get to talk to him for very long, I'm proud to have his signature right alongside Neil Adams on my trade of green lantern green arrow so yep anyway that was a little bit of a tangent sorry no 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 worries um yeah but uh so yeah you were, you were talking about the the video episodes corwin uh, i'm actually trying to track down like a small rotating stand like a slow rotating circular uh thing i can just plug in because uh, Mark and I were talking, and I was thinking maybe since I have all the Eagle Mosselite figures, I could do a sort of Eaglepedia. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> It'll still, it can still be a Ring Cyclopedia episode, Chad. We have some leeway. <laughs> okay. The, the, the figures have rings and batteries. Some of them they count. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, I could, I could do that um, and, and help contribute in that way. Uh, I guess if Mark wants us to be on video reactions, I should get a more PG-13 robe. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> Just aim the camera up, Chad. It really won't matter. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm sure if editing audio was bad, video is like five times as worse. 
five times yeah. worse probably. Yeah. Well, we just won't make. Well, we just won't make mistakes. That's it. It's, like, it's, just, it's just one take. It is what it is. It's like no screw ups, man. No screw ups. <sighs> yeah. Uh, whatever. Uh, what else? What else we got? We got. We got to talk. You guys are. Are you guys both reading? Uh, Corwin, I know you're behind a little bit. Are you also behind on your comics? Have you been reading the new stuff? Oh, Green Lantern. Yeah, I just caught up. All right, Jesse, you caught up? Yep. Awesome. What do you guys I'm, think of the the new series? You can go first, Jesse. I like it. It it's it's taken some getting used to because it's Grant Morrison and uh you know I've I've said in in comments and stuff that Grant Morrison's hit or miss for me. Um there were part like multi multiversity is an example. There were issues of multiversity that I thought were amazing, and there were other issues that I thought, what did I just read? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, one of these days I'll finally get the point of Final Crisis, maybe. Um, no, you won't. No. But then, then I go back, I, I went back and started reading his run on, J, on, uh, on uh, JLA, and I love it. It's really good. Um, and I'm trying to think, uh, there's another Grant Morrison book that I realized I really enjoyed that I hadn't. Seven Soldiers? No, it wasn't that one. It was another, it was another big event back in the early 2000s or in the 90s. Can't remember now. Um, but. Cor- Corbin, didn't he have a run on like X-Men or Avengers or something that was yeah, fairly yeah, popular? New, new X-Men, yes. Um, okay. I loved it, but some people really hated it, so it's kind of one of the decisive things with the X-Men, because, you know, at the time when the movie came out, he took them out of costumes, and they're in black leather and stuff, so mm-hmm. it's a pretty hotly debated run. But, I, yeah, but I, I, after the second issue, my my opinion of it improved greatly. I, I get that he's going for, you know, he's writing Hal Jordan a bit different than Vin Diddy did. Uh, a bit different even than John's did. He's kind of a back to the Gerard Jones era personality of Hal Jordan, I think. A little to, to a certain degree. Um, he, rem- you know, he reminds me of that pre, um, before he f- became Parallax kind of personality. Um, and I'm, it's taking some getting used to, but I like it. I liked, uh, I loved in the second issue the whole interrogating the, the, um, the spider pirate. That was pretty funny. Um, really like the art. I like, um, what's his name? It's Liam Sharp. Cool. Yeah, Liam Sharps. I love his aliens. I think his aliens look great. Howls and, his his humans are a little bit different story, but his his aliens look great, especially the volcano guy. Bulk, I looked, yep. I thought he looked pretty cool. So. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on the Gerard Jones um, era because that's the same. I think I may have said this in my voicemail, but <clears throat> the art of the book is very reminiscent of that time where it's not really mainstream. They can experiment and kind of just do some 
interesting and different weird things with the art. For sure. You know, very well, rough. <clears throat> yeah, what do you what do you think of the the story so far? Now, story, I'm <clears throat> I'm interested. It's piqued my interest. Um, with Grant Morrison, I'm kind of used to not really knowing the full story right away. It's, it's usually some kind of build up or it gets to a point where something clicks and you get a better understanding of what he's trying to do. So so far we are ramping up that roller coaster at least, but I am enjoying it. I have <clears throat> I can give him some time. There's some patience here to let him weave his story. Now how we come out on the other end of it once we get over, you know, the crest is, is a different story. That's when we'll probably really be able to grade it. Yeah. Do you guys do you guys think it's going to go past twelve issues? Well, maybe we I hope ask, so. Maybe, maybe we should asterisk that. Do you think either? Do you think the book will, or do you just think Morrison's run will only be twelve issues? Because I don't know if they're going to restart the book again with another title, even if even if Morrison doesn't stay on. But either way, I, that just popped into my head that the book is probably going to survive. I think even if Morrison leaves. But then again, a new number one issue, maybe it won't. Well, the thing is, it's like. I can see it being 12 issues, but I think if he really gets into the groove and starts enjoying himself, he'll probably stay longer. It, mm -hmm. it wouldn't hurt to have a second book that's more mainstream of what we had before and then still have this going. Because, like, you know, back in the day, it was like Green Lantern and you had like the quarterly book where they can really, you know, experiment and tell different kind of stories and different lanterns and not have to worry about the monthly grind and yeah. And keeping people interested, and you know, not taking risks and experiment. That anthology book we've all been asking for for about mm, ten years now. <laughs> We're probably yeah. only five, but <laughs> you know, and you're thinking back to like Blackest Night when they had a different miniseries with just random stories of different colored lanterns and stuff. You know, those were the fun stuff as well. So is 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 maybe is it safe to say that the emotional spectrum is something you miss from the current series, or you're understanding why we're taking a break with it, or are there other things you're missing? I can understand the break. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think we talked about this last time we had the Big Jam episode. Now that the whole source wall thing has been broken and things have changed, I want them to go back to how the different rings or spectrum can affect each other. I want them to kind of keep that just to make things more interesting between the lanterns. I almost thought we were going to get that in the Justice League title with the um, did y'all read the first uh, the the run of Justice, Ultra the most Violet. recent run of Justice League where John's an ultraviolet lantern and yes. It's See, I thought with the golems and all that stuff, we were going to start getting that in the Justice League book, but I'm not so sure anymore. All right, Mark, have you read any of that? I know, I'm, I, I know no, that I, I, did, I, I didn't know if you like even skimmed like issue three where that all started or not. So, you know, what they really tapped into with that book, especially, is a Legion of Doom, like not Legion of Doom, also, but like the old school Justice League cartoon. They really gave it that kind mm -hmm. of feel with the with the Legion of Doom and even getting Sinestro back into his blue and black uniform and stuff. They 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 really tapped that vein. 
Yeah, I definitely got that vibe from the from the stuff of it. I have read Jesse. I haven't read the full story arc. Uh, I do have all the issues, but I haven't yeah, read the full story arc. I, I picked up the first story arc, and then the the second story arc was uh, Aquaman centered, so I didn't get it. <laughs> I'm just I like, of, I just like, of, I'm gonna stick to the lantern, the lantern centric books to save money and. Well, I kind of stopped there too, but I was gonna wait for that whole drowned, well, not drowned earth, drowned earth, whatever it is. I'm waiting for the That's whole thing it. to finish so I can just read it in kind of one one go through. That's what I'm doing with Doomsday Clock. Oh, <laughs> if it ever finishes. Yeah, it, it's it's really picked up lately. I don't think I can like wait. Yeah, you'll have to. You don't have a choice. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't I haven't read any of that yet, but I that's one thing I do like about. Um, Morrison's run is definitely tying back into Doomsday Clock. So, yeah, we actually didn't talk about this on air, Mark. Uh, from uh, from the first issue, uh, when they're talking about the uh, edits being made to the Book of Oa, there's the uh, the the Doctor Manhattan symbol. Yeah, we glossed over that. Yeah. What do you What do you think about that? Because I know I know you're more into this whole you know what's what's Jeff gonna do with like the Blue Lanterns in in Doomsday Clock, there's all these hints here and there that that uh, you've been talking about. So, uh, wh- what do you what do you think that means, if anything, or has it has it added at all to any of your theories that uh, you've been talking about? I the Book of Oa thing. I don't know. That can go, that can go either way. I I'm I'm it's kind of embarrassing that we did miss that because it, it it's not like they were being subtle about it in the art. <laughs> Right. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was a serious oversight on our part. We screwed up, but I think the real. So the real. So obviously the real question comes to mind is questions. Is like what was changed in the book of Oa? If it's unreliable now, what exactly? What may? If they if they don't know what was changed necessarily themselves, the guardians, and what what first of all makes them so sure that it's unreliable, other than the big blue symbol. <laughs> Like, yeah. we put that there. Find it. I, don't, I don't even think it was blue. I think it was like yellow. It was the same as the energy and stuff around it. I think. No, it, it, was, it was blue. I just had it yeah. open it's, a it's minute ago. Dot. Yeah. It, 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 oh yeah, it, it is there. Yeah. When you see it, now, when you now, when you go back and look at it now, knowing that oh, it's it's impossible to miss. But yet we did. I so I am curious about curious to see what exactly was changed in the book of Oa. What makes them so sure, or what gives them the vibe that it was changed if they don't necessarily, you know? And of course, what's gonna, how that's going to all play out at the end because we don't because we really don't know what's going on with Doomsday Clock yet as far as what the status quo is going to be at the end. Yes, you'd like to think the you'd like to think something's going to happen with the Blues just because we we do know that you know the. Robert's hands were tied. You know, he he not so. You know, he subtly but still did answer the question by not answering the question um, <laughs> about that. You know, what he did with the blues for certainly I think in, in relation to trying to resurrect the old blues and when Kyle ended up not being, which another was another which was another editorial thing that they wanted Kyle to be like green again. So all those mm-hmm. that that whole arc pretty much that Blue Lantern arc was more or less steered by editorial. So the question is logically, since the whole idea is it's kind of like the New Fifty Two was lacking was hope, and that seemingly it's again seemingly what Doctor Manhattan was playing around with that when things are put quote unquote put back again and hope is returned, 
then you think obviously that op- that would you would think that would open the door for the Blues to be relevant. But based on our current Green Lantern landscape, unless Jeff Johns is doing something himself with that, who the hell is going to touch it? Because because it, it's not going to be Morrison, you don't think? You need another book at this point for that to be to be relevant, or unless unless it's going to be another. Tie into another event down the road that we're not getting any instantaneous or like in a few months after payoff, but this opens the door for that. But I don't know. Doomsday, as I've said before, Doomsday Clock is getting better. It's unfortunately took like friggin' half a year's worth, well, half a year's worth, half a normal monthly book's worth of issues, half a year's worth, a year, about a, over a year worth just to get. Where the, where the book was getting interesting, and we still have probably another half a year, unless the books are falling behind even more, to finish this up. I, I, so, I think the next issue got pushed back a week. Again? <laughs> uh, well, oh, we see a week, a week. A week isn't even a big deal at this point. It's like I don't even know when the hell it comes out anymore. It's just, it's just. Luckily, it's getting pulled for me now at my local comic shop when it, when it wasn't. When it wasn't at first, I'd have to constantly ask for it, even though I kept saying. Even before the book came out, it's like, could you make sure this is on my list? Because I think the week it was first coming out was the week I knew I was going to be in Florida. So I knew I wasn't picking it up that week. So I, But like for the first four issues, it's like, he just never pulled it. It's like, come on, you're killing me here. But now we're at the point where he pulls it, so it really doesn't – so it's just when I show up to get my comics one day, and it's like, okay, there's one of the few other books I'm getting besides Green Lantern at this point. It's like, oh – and then I'll read it, and yeah, the last two, is- the last two issues were, were interesting, but it's still – it's a lot of setup, and we got a lot of story to go, and we still have no idea how the, you know, where, where this is going again. Except, of course, Ozzy Mandius still looks like he's a, he, he still looks like a bad guy no matter what Tucker Manhattan is doing. The, the last two issues have been just fantastic. I, I don't, I don't doubt you, Coral. I think I, I just, I don't think we're, I don't think we're gonna talk about it until it's done. I mean, uh, unless unless something uh, huge Green Lantern related happens that we just have to address, I I just don't see the point because I feel like half of it, half of whatever enthusiasm I could have is just be going to be you know stifled by the fact that it's just taking so freaking long. I think so. that has killed momentum for that book. Absolutely, I think I think there was tons of momentum for that book, tons of interest in that book, mostly because. We anticipated it being such an event book and the fallout from it. Now, the fallout from it might still be there, but the event right. factor, since it started so slow, that the event factor, I think, has been derailed. And the fact that this book is so unreliable in its shipping that I think it, it's absolutely gone right off the cliff. Man. I think it might get more frustrating for me now, too, because I picked up the first issue of Shazam, Um you know, and if that if that doesn't have the same sort of release schedule as Doomsday Clock, then I'm gonna be like, what the hell, guys? Mm. You know what I mean? Like because if Jeff Johns is doing this, then uh, can he can't he also do, um, you know, Doomsday Clock at the same pace? I mean, I know maybe it's part part artist, but Jeff isn't doing the amount of books he used to. It's Doomsday Clock and Shazam, right? I didn't. Uh, he's- I did see a mini. He's got his uh, company to run. Yeah, yeah that, that, and that yeah. mythical screenplay he's working on. <laughs> 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 or we're only kidding, Jeff. If it's actually good, we'll be more than happy to wait for it. But come on. Yeah, I but, mean, yeah. I, the, I think I think the problem who's who's doing the art on on Doomsday Clock again? Remind me, I I have it on the Frank, tip of my tongue. Is, it? is it Gary Frank? Frank? 
Okay, okay, I think that, okay, okay, is, I, I, then, you know, <laughs> Jeff, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, right, uh, I, uh, I, I sort of backtrack my statement a bit then, because Gary Frank does take a little bit more time from what I remember, because I remember mm-hmm. there were delays when uh, uh, another series that Jeff and Gary worked on together, I really enjoyed, uh, Superman's Secret Origin, when that, mm-hmm. I think that was a six, yeah, six issue, uh, when that six issue mini was coming out, there were delays on that book too. But there's also been there's been delay. It, it could be the art. We don't know what the real issue is. But there's a let's put it this way: there's circumstantial evidence to support both sides of the argument. There's a lot of books <laughs> Jeff Johns has been on. I mean, what in, Infinity Crisis, Infinite Crisis was I think delayed. Mo- Lots of stuff was delayed that Jeff Johns has worked on. So it's not, it's not necessary. I mean. It, Based on what we heard before it ever started, it would make sense. It was the art, since it would seem that Jeff and Jeff Johns had plenty of time to get started on this. But we don't we don't know. It's, it's a mixed bag. It's hard it's hard to know. But especially in, under this circumstance, because you literally could point just go point fingers at either side, and you and you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you guys going to uh, be? And, and by you guys, I mean Corwin and Jesse. Are you guys, are you guys nice. going to be picking up uh, like Adventures of the Super Sons number seven with that Green Lantern or uh, Young Justice when it has that uh, new Teen Lantern thing or uh, Titans is going to have Kyle you know do his thing so you guys going to be getting any of those other things uh, are you guys getting like for instance Justice League Odyssey or are you just paying attention to the Green Lantern? Uh, I've been getting Odyssey. Um, I've liked it so far. Um, my I, my budget's limited right now, so I probably won't be picking up any any new um, books unless you know if Justice League Odyssey gets boring, I might drop it and pick up Titans to read Kyle. Um, probably not Young Justice. I'm curious about the Teen Lantern, but not curious enough to buy the book. <laughs> um. And I didn't know about Super Sons. I didn't know about that one. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be ongoing, but uh, the solicit... uh, So part of the reason I'm interested in it is, of course, because it's being written by Peter J. Tomasi. Uh, He's great. So when you have Tomasi doing something uh, and there's a lantern in it, I have to get it. But it says, locked in an intergalactic juvenile detention facility, Superboy and Robin meet the youngest and meanest Green Lantern ever. Well, sort of a GL. Mostly a GL. Really more of a trainee, but don't tell the bad guys, okay? Plus, Joker Jr. returns, the clown who may be the boy's last best hope to stop the gang. And it comes out uh, on February 6th. and, uh, yeah, so it's uh, issue 7 of 12, so I don't know how long this arc's going to be, or if this is going to be, oh, like, a one-issue thing. I'm not reading Adventures of the Super Sons. I was reading the Super Sons title for maybe about three or four issues when it first mm-hmm. started. Um, but, uh, so I'll, I'll sort of be, I'll be caught up enough to know sort of what's happening. I'm reading the Superman titles now, so... Where John uh, John Kent has been and what's going on with him, I'll be relatively caught up on enough to not be completely put off from picking this issue up. So, yeah, I, I read the Superman, whichever Superman title it was that Tomasi and Gleason were doing um, after Rebirth. It was really good. It was really good. 
It made me it made me like Superman again. For for Super Sons, I think I was gonna wait for like the whole twelve issue run collected. Um I enjoyed the other series a bit, but I kinda just fell off with everything else that was going on. Um I didn't realize Young Justice was actually gonna be like that's the one we that's the um the Venice imprint, right? The, um, uh, let me make Wonder sure. Yeah, it's by Brian Michael Bendis with art by oh, Gleason. Gleason. Oh That's yeah, right. I'm, yeah, I'm all over that. I'm not gonna let Gleason pass me by. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so, curious. I'm curious about it since it says that she hacks the the ring somehow, and I'm I'm curious because the the last person that hacked the ring was Cyborg Superman, and I'm like, so she's smarter than Cyborg Superman. <laughs> but. <laughs> Maybe they didn't they didn't install that patch yet. Yeah. <laughs> After he left, they're still yeah. waiting on that. I got I got Je- she got Je- got a hold of Jessica's ring with the old operating system on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what about what about any of the other stuff? Like uh, I know that they're going to be doing. I mean, I, is it this year, Mark, that that YA novel comes out? I thought it was, but off the top of my head, I'm not 100 as positive about that. Google it. Let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that novel. Yeah, that would not catch my interest. Where's Guy? That's why I really want to know where he is. Yeah. Well, we'll ring sling for food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not a well. There's there. I know there is a novel, but there is. It's uh, Green Lantern Legacy. Yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, recently, DC Comics announced Zoom and Ink, two imprints focused on putting books out for middle school age readers and young adult readers. So, yeah, so the DC Zoom imprint will have Green Lantern Legacy. Uh, and I'm trying to scroll through this article on Gizmodo to see when that's supposed to be coming out, but I don't see a release date. So. And of course, I could, you know, Google Green Lantern Legacy, but then I'm going to get, like, Results for Last Will and Testament. Another thing we have to do because I know you can't wait to do that. <laughs> I'll be I'll be doing that myself. You and Corwin can do it after you do your uh, Predator thing. <laughs> predator thing. <laughs> I figured you'd get a laugh out of that. Oh yeah, Green Lantern, Green really Lantern bad, Legacy guys. is set for an October 2019 debut. So yeah, we won't even get it till towards the end of next year. Uh, that one uh, uh, sounded a little more in the vein of uh, the Alan Scott type of magic ring that's passed down through the generations instead of an actual Green Lantern ring from what I read. But Yeah, Ty, Ty, uh, Ty a young Vietnamese boy, boy, will serve as the lead character. Ty comes to possess his grandmother's jade ring after she passes away only to discover that her heroic past saves the way for his paves the way for his own future. As the Green Lantern tie seeks to honor his grandmother's legacy as his own journey begins. The fact that they refer to it as a jade ring uh, makes me sort of I agree with what you're saying about it being more magic-based. Um, but anyways, uh, I, Corwin, you were going to take my oh-so-subtle uh, uh, little drop there to go into something? No, I, I'm going to leave that one alone. I was just going to mention <laughs> the... um, <clears throat> What was it? Um... Dang it, it slipped my mind now. Uh, oh, Odyssey. <clears throat> I'm listening to you guys for Odyssey to see how that's going to go, whether I'm going to 
really continue reading that book or not. I'm not a huge Jessica fan. I mean, everything Lantern I'm kind of interested in, but I don't think any of the characters in that book is really pulling me in as well. Not yeah. Asriel? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's buying it for Asriel. I, uh, I picked it up because I like Jessica, and I also like Starfire. So Me used, too. Used to be big time into the Teen Titans, so... And really, it's been more focused on um, Cyborg, Azrael, and Starfire, and Jessica's just kind of along for the ride so far. All right. We'll see you where it goes. You got me wanting to ask if you guys have been watching Titans on the DC Network thing. I watched the first five episodes, I think. I think that's what I watched. Okay. I would if they'd give me an app for my Amazon Fire so I could watch it on my TV. I'm, I'm liking it a lot. It's definitely adult-oriented, and they've taken some liberties that you're just going to have to kind of get used to. But uh, I'm the betrayal, the, the betrayal of Hawk and Dove is off the chain. Yeah, you you made me care about friggin' Hawk and Dove. <laughs> That's Good job. pretty impressive. Wait till you see. Did you get to the original Hawk and Dove episode? Oh no, no, not okay. yet. All right. Uh, so. so let me see. Where am I at? How many? How many episodes? Oh no, I only watched the first three. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember if it was Marv Wolfman or George Perez, but one of them gave their uh, gave their thumbs up to it. And if uh, you know, that's the that's the run of New Teen Titans that that I I remember most fondly. So if they if if they approve of it, I'll probably like it. I'll stick to the Flash thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, even no, though I did I did I did watch Elseworlds, Chad. I watched yes. a three episode crossover. Okay. I was going to mention that too because yeah, I love really. the little nod it did to John. Yeah, that was I good. Did, but, yeah. But, that was uh, good. I was just close not to watching it because I don't like there's so I don't like anything really about Arrow and I don't like Stephen Amell as Arrow so watching him be Barry for like the first five minutes of that show I was like I actually did stop watching and said I can't watch this shit and then I said well you know I'm curious to see how it all fits together so I, so then when they once all three episodes were done I just watched it on demand and I watched them back to back to back like the Wednesday after yeah. it started and it's like okay. Uh, since they really, in all honesty, there really wasn't much Arrow stuff really tied into it, other than him himself. Other than, for the most part, the second episode obviously logically was a little more Arrow centric, but for the, but not that much. It was okay. Yes, they put Supergirl up on this friggin' pedestal, which is annoying. Even even without me watching the show, I can find it annoying. But it was an, it was entertaining. But the Flash, I think this is a really good season though for the Flash so far. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So and obviously the. The, the mid-season finale was interesting, and it and it and actually it makes a little it makes a little bit of sense from the perspective of something. It's kind of funny. It's it's something I would never thought I would say about a really attractive chick, but you know, Nora is so bad at flashing. But now maybe, <laughs> but, but but now maybe it makes a little more sense after the last episode of the after the half, halfway point of the season. Maybe it makes a little more sense now. But yeah, I mean, she makes she made she makes Barry look like oh my, in the, even early Barry looks like you know. An expert is like, God. Well, I mean, it makes her so much she, more she, adorable. 
<laughs> she literally just got her powers, though, is the thing. So, yeah, she's kind of... I know. Back. she. I there, There's a built-in reason why she's just... Yeah. But but it's that it's that impetus that she has to just go... It's that Hal Jordan-like streak in her to run into everything first and think later, which is just so blatantly annoying, only because everybody's telling her not to do that over and over again. And she... She's, and she, she's yeah. also super attractive. Yes. So that, that doesn't and, hurt. And, <laughs> yeah, she has that Jessica Biel-like face, which is kind of funny, because... But but they cast they cast her perfectly because of the fact that you could believe she's uh, that she is Iris's daughter that's for sure you couldn't mm-hmm. believe that I think she was in that Black Sails show somebody told me as well yep she was also in she's on that Netflix film Cam she's in she she's a very it's a very small role but I noticed when I was watching it, it's like why does she look familiar and then when they got a close closer view of her face in one scene it's like oh yeah that's yep. She's also like 34 or 35, which she does mm-hmm. not look like wow. she's 34 or 35 at all. <laughs> I, I The thing I really liked was when um, Barry was was fanboying over Batman being real and... <laughs> And, and uh, like Oliver was was all like, "No, I'm I'm the original vigilante." <laughs> Oliver being defensive was kind of funny. You know, I will say that when when I was watching with my son, I I laughed so much at those episodes, and some of it he just didn't get. But I was laughing a lot with this crossover. Oh, there's a lot of fan service. A lot. Now, actually, are the Trigger Twins something new, or is that actually based off something? No, the Trigger Twins are the tr- Trigger Twins are real uh, characters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were originally and, uh, they were originally in like the one in one of the Western series. Yeah. They were the villains in one of those Western series, and then All Star Western. They made a they made a uh, a modern version of them at some point. Yep, they appeared way back in the fifties. Wow! So, and Mark, I will say with Arrow, it's like this season is at a point where they're trying to do something different, and I can see how they're experimenting. So, there's a, it, it did catch my interest this season because usually the last two seasons, I literally waited to the end and just put the episodes on as background noise while I did different things. But this mm. season has just been. Them trying to take things a step further. Uh, yeah, they've kind of always tried to be realistic with it, but how they're progressing the characters, like, okay, they're experimenting, they're doing something, trying to do something different and something new, and the experiment is the most interesting part of it. Well, yeah. Steven's, Steven's, con- Steven's contract ends at the end of the season. Oh. So whether he renews or not or whatever, uh, just uh, keep that in mind because I, I listen to several different podcasts now, like, I'm really, in, uh, I'm a, I've said it all this, I've said it a billion times. I'm a big fan of Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard, and Dax Shepard has a podcast um, called Armchair Expert. And um, through that, I got to know a bit about um, his friendship with Michael Rosenbaum, who also has a podcast called Inside of You. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Michael Rosenbaum had Stephen Amell on uh, to talk just in general about his life and his career and blah, blah, blah. And uh, Stephen, you can if you listen to that episode, you can. Stephen doesn't confirm anything. He doesn't say anything. Just the way he says things makes you think he's probably done, or they're gonna have to do something real interesting to keep him back. 
Now, that's just my impression. That is totally based on absolutely nothing other than my interpretation of tone. But uh, go listen to Stephen Amell's episode over on uh, Michael Rosenbaum's Inside of You podcast. Because Well, that also assumes that WB is 100% gung-ho to bring Arrow back. Sure. They might they might be ready to move on and be, since they have other ideas for other shows too and I, and while that show again I don't watch that show from just based on what other people have said kind of like echoing a little bit of what Corwin said that that the show seems to be and some people's in mind anyway more like on the upswing again compared to the downward spiral it was in for a bunch of years mm-hmm. but it still doesn't mean that that but so but either way it might be too little too late and they may not care all that kind of like. Even though obviously AMC is going to drag, literally, they're going to have Walking Dead until like there's like three people still watching it probably. But it's kind of like the same way where some people say, "Oh, this season's pretty good," but yet this show continues to drop and drop and drop, and and the overall interest in the show is is like a drop in the bucket compared to what it was like 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 four or five years ago. But still, so with the arrow, it's it's quite it's questionable about you know. So it could be mutual. It could be a mutual thing, and they they could. Because I certainly, they may not be in the mood to, if he's, if he decides, oh, I'm going to play a hardball with them and I want more money. And it's like, well, that's all right, because we weren't that gung-ho about renewing. We were 50-50 at renewing the show anyway. You just made it, you just made it yeah. 70-30. Thanks. But, because you know they want to do Batwoman and, and and everything else. And, and, and we'll see. And Yeah, because I, 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 I think Steven's in his late 30s now, so. I mean, the thing is, too, there's there's a whole plethora of comic book TV shows. It used to be easy to keep up with, too, but then when you have Supergirl, Black Lightning, it's like you can let some of the other ones just fall on the wayside and stick to the two or three that you really like and, and be content. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think I think they seem to be setting some things up this season that could provide uh, – a way for the show to continue without him, mm-hmm. without Steven. Oh, yeah. I've seen a few things, and I'm like, eh, I don't know if it'd be as... Yeah. I don't think it would last but one more season without him. Yeah. Now, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, to me, Legends of Tomorrow has just been a hoot this season. <laughs> it's a- oh, the last the last season especially i think it was probably up there behind the flash for me it was just it just had straight heart and comedy and it was just so much fun it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's so much fun that's exactly right <laughs> they can laugh at themselves too they don't take themselves too seriously at all how come bebo how come bebo isn't the hot selling toy this christmas <laughs> i know i know right and that's where they what were you saying Mark? that's where they introduced nora right she was in an episode of the legends of tomorrow was she I don't I know. So. I think so. Let me look that up now. I'm pretty sure. That, I'm I'm pretty sure that. Uh, I, 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 I when I went to the when I went to Best Buy the other day uh, on Tuesday to get uh, Venom on Blu-ray when it because you know, I I had to be there day one to pick it up. Uh, I was also just like you know what I mean let me double because my dad asked like what do you want for Christmas write me up a list and I had it written up and I was about to email it to him uh, when I got back from my lunch break. And I was like, I had it. I was like, okay, I need Arrow season uh, six on on Blu-ray. I need uh, Legend season three, Supergirl season three. And I was like, you know what? Let me look. Because I've resolved the only money I'm going to spend on myself in December, other than necessities and stuff, is get Venom for myself. So I have it ASAP. But I was like, you know what? Let me look. (laughs) 
all three seasons were like seventeen ninety nine. Mm. I was like, oh shit, I can't pass up a good because those seasons on Blu-ray are usually like forty bucks or so. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get all three of these. <laughs> so I <laughs> if it's if it's not if the season is other than the seasons that are on air right now. I've got the entire CW uh, Arrowverse on Blu-ray right now. <laughs> nice. All right, so the answer to the question is, my, and for the for the just for the sake of clarity, I was in the ballpark on this anyway. Uh, Jessica Parker Kennedy is 34, barely 34. Her birthday was in October, but it actually was the Crisis on Earth X from Supergirl last year. It was her appearance. I have to go back. Yeah, part one to- of the part one of that of Crisis on Earth X. Uh, that's when Nora West Allen first appeared. She was, yeah, I, I, I watched a rerun. Now that you mention it, she was a uh, waitress at the wedding. I was going to say that. There was, at the end, they, they gave you all these flashbacks of when she popped up during the season, and I just never caught it. She was a waitress at the wedding. Yes, that's right. She was uh, She was just like, I'm so, I'm so excited to be here, or whatever. He's like, do I know you? <laughs> we do now. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Oh, all right. Are, are, are we, have we shot the bolt? Are we? Are do we have anything else we want to we want to talk about? Shut an, up. An, nowhere, an appropriate saying, considering the topic we were just talking about <laughs> on multiple levels. But oh man. Oh, so Corwin, so, so Corwin, should I be checking my mailbox for uh, the Alien series on Blu-ray? <laughs> <laughs> no, was it on the list of things you gave your dad? <laughs> you can you I can keep it, checking it, Chad. It's just gonna be one of those lonely trips to the mailbox, like Charlie Brown on Valentine's Day, checking for. <laughs> you should have picked it up at Best Buy. I think it's only like five bucks. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we could do commentary on all of them. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> Especially Resurrection, man. That's the best one. Uh, yeah. I got a, I got a, I got a finagle, uh, uh, Mark to do a uh, commentary track for Venom. <laughs> if I ever buy it, we can do it. I no, just, I'm just, I, just have, I know you are, but I'm saying I would do. If I have anything, I have. I, I have no problem doing a. Speaking of, I asked Ryan. I asked Ryan Daly today if he, since we never got to do our Halloween review, if he's planning on buying it since it comes out in January. And he wasn't sure, but because I, I said, if you know, if you if you were planning on buying that, since we never actually did the review, we could just do a commentary track instead. So, if he buys it, then I guess that's probably something we'll do at some point. It's funny you mentioned Venom because I'm sitting literally like, it's like, oh yeah, it did come out. I'm sitting here looking on my phone like, where can I find the four the 4K at the best price? <laughs> yeah, man. All right, guys. Well, we wanted to just, uh, I mean, we were a little late in doing this, but we wanted to at least have one what? segment uh, with, with some listeners. So we wanted to, you guys have been listening for a long time. You've been contributing feedback for a long time. And we definitely wanted to have you two on uh, and, and just bring, us, bring bring you on and help celebrate 10 years of this show. You know, these these anniversary episodes, Christmas episodes, milestone episodes, they're, they've always been, you know, these, these sort of, Random conversation hodgepodges, but it, it means a lot to us when people just, you know, agree to come on and just sort of share in the moment with us. I, I appreciate it. Appreciate the invite. You know, I love hanging out with you guys and talking, talking comics, movies, just about anything. So it's all family. Indeed, it is. Yep, it's been fine, guys. Thanks, Jesse. 
Appreciate it, Jesse. Uh, Corwin, before we let you go, you got uh, you got some EMX or anything stuff stuff coming up uh, down the pipeline? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, three podcasts. Work with the podcast, Deadpool, EMP, Avengers, EMX, X-Men. Uh, we did have a delay recording the next EMX episode, but hopefully by the end of the year we'll be able to drop that. And then next month, our January episode is the end of the year for December. We'll always have Tribe One on, and if you don't know him and his music, he used to do nerdcore music pretty heavily, so he has some great music. Uh, Tribe1.bandcamp.com, and you can usually find a lot of free tracks. Cool. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for coming on. Uh, and hey, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, whatever, whatever you celebrate to you and yours. Good night, Merry everybody. Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, I'm Laurel, also known on Twitter as Mountainflower1, and I'm here to tell you a little bit about my experience with the Lantern Cast. Let me begin this piece by congratulating you, the Lantern Cast, on your 10-year anniversary. What an accomplishment to keep the podcast not only on air, so to speak, but relevant and vital for so many years. I was new listening to podcasts in general when I came across the Lantern Cast in 2015, and I was happy to find a program dedicated to Green Lantern, especially I was having trouble affording all the books, and, well, I was kind of boycotting the New 52, but that's a story for another day. Anyway, I downloaded back episodes from, I don't know, 2013, 14, I queued them up, and let them roll, binge listening to the then-current issue reviews. While you, and here I'm referring to Chad and Mark, were still a little raw, I enjoyed the more or less page-by-page recaps. It's the best way to get the true flavor of a book, and I like that you still do that today. Now, as then, your enthusiasm is contagious. Even when you don't like a book, I often find myself nodding along with you. Your passionate opinions, one way or another, are always on display, and you cover the current issues each month. Plus, you're enthusiastic about getting feedback, and you take every comment seriously, giving each listener their due. Thank you for that. But you do more than current issue reviews. There are episodes where you discuss past story arcs, miniseries, one-shots like Parallax View, Future Shock, Sinestro Core War, Emerald Twilight, Final Night, Heart of Darkness, The Power of Ion, and so many more. Besides, alone, sometimes with guests, these are some of my favorite episodes. I love looking back at these stories with warm nostalgia remembering why I love these comics to begin with. When my health is giving me trouble, I can sit back and listen to one of these episodes and feel soothed, like I'm sitting and chatting with an old friend. And let's not forget the pre-birth series that Mark and Jim are doing, covering Hal Jordan as the Spectre. I always thought that was an overlooked book, so I'm really glad you're covering it. You've also taken time to create special episodes, like the State of the Green Lantern Union, which included various guests to, well, discuss the State of the Green Lantern Union, where the franchise has been, where it's going, 
It's a creative idea for an episode that brings together the Green Lantern Comics community in a unique way, and I appreciate it. You've participated in podcasting crossovers, done other anniversary and landmark issues, and you've had some great interviews. Special kudos for bringing together Ron Mars and Daryl Banks for a joint interview. And hearing from Robert Vendetti at the end of his run, yeah, that was really cool. Then there's the movie reviews. And I have to confess, I'm not always interested in every movie or franchise you cover, but I am so excited when I've seen a movie and I'm dying to hear other people's opinions. And it's great to know your podcast is waiting for me. Speaking of waiting, I have backlogged Chad's Green Lantern Green Arrow episodes and those covering the Green Lantern Corps quarterly. There's just not enough time to get to everything I want to listen to. But I do know the episodes are there when I'm ready. That's one of the important things about the Lantern cast. I don't know what's involved in keeping all your back episodes available, but I sincerely appreciate that you do. That's one of the biggest gifts your podcast has given to me. It's always there when I need it. I count on you at the Lantern cast to give me informed and entertained and to be there for me when I'm down, to help me celebrate when I've read something amazing. Thank you for taking your time and energy to create the Lantern cast and for producing it faithfully for 10 years. May it last another 10 years and beyond. Hey, this is Clinton Robinson of the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I just wanted to say a big congratulations on 10 years to the Lanterncast. You guys have been an inspiration for several years, and I hope you keep going on and on as long as that lantern light shines. So keep up the good work, guys. Swing your ring and don't be poosers. Hey Chad and Mark, it's Paul Hicks from Waiting for Doom and DCOCD. Just want to say congratulations on 10 years of the Lantern cast. Um, I think 2018 has been a challenging year as far as what's been going on with uh, Green Lantern creators past, um, but it's looking good with Green Lantern creators present. Um, so kudos to you two for keeping the fire burning and uh, yeah, long live the Lantern cast. All right, it's uh, it's we're doing it, guys. It's the it's the ten year anniversary slash Christmas episode all in one. So uh, <laughs> we got we got Jim and Dan with us because duh, we had to. Yeah, um, contractually I, obligated. But. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> no. When did when did we switch it over to you guys? Was that after year four or something? Uh, five. Five. So, five? Mark, okay. Mark and I have now been doing this as long as you guys have been doing it when you left, uh, turned it over to me and him. Wow. People still listen? <laughs> Debatably. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this episode will, will give us that definitive answer, which is no. <laughs> well, so things have certainly improved, I can tell you that. Oh. We've well, got to work. We've got a working relationship with DC Comics, so in your face. I was, was going to say, if you ever need a, another bump, you just have to have Chad go on, start a blood feud with another news outlet. What? <laughs> well, at least it's not Newsarama anymore. Oh, no. Newsarama posted something the other day. I, 
uh, I can't remember. I'll have to I'll have to see. I'll have to pull up Facebook and see what it was. But they posted something that was so clearly clickbait. I was just like, man, I'm so glad I stopped following them. But they're still, <laughs> like, not, as I, I, they're still, they're still not as bad as Movie Web though. Movie Web is horrible. It's like they they right. have a whole they have a whole headline which I mean I, I even I don't even bother clicking their articles anymore because some of, some of the headlines you know are just total BS or just recycled stuff and it's just like it's like they raise a question which there is no evidence to point that there's any answer to just to get people to click on the article which says that there's well I mean the the, 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 the problem is quite honestly it's just a lo- it's a losing battle it does it doesn't really matter it's a losing battle. Bleeding Cool and Newsarama are always going to be one of the top sites people go to for comic book news, and I can fight a war with them about clickbait all I want, but no one is going to listen. Everybody's going to keep going there anyways. Yeah. So, whatever. Well, uh, guys. Yeah, <laughs> let's start off negatively. Uh, <laughs> why, why ruin uh, something that works, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, so here it is. Here it is. Uh, here's the article. Joe, Joe, Joel McHale cast as Starman, but not the one you know from comics. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like, nobody did. Good lord. They cast uh, Joel McHale as Starman in the Starman remake? Uh, no, there's, they're doing a Stargirl show over on the DC Universe app. And Joel McHale is going to be playing Sylvester Pemberton. So there, saved you a click, folks. <laughs> Which one is Sylvester Pemberton? Pemberton. Uh, Dan read Starman. Why don't you're, you're more equipped to oh, tell him than I am. God, I don't remember. I think wasn't that. Oh God, wasn't that like the Golden Age Starman or something? Uh, Star Spangled Kid. Oh. Think... Oh. Oh. Wait. I think. Yeah. I think that's. Um. No. Wait. God damn it. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think I think he was. Uh, He's the guy himself. with like the whole like the the whole top half of his costume was like blue with the white stars, right? And, like the mask. Well, yes, yes. Uh, he also, uh, for those of you, I, I know, I know Jim watched it. Do you remember the Smallville JSA episode, the very beginning? Uh, someone is fighting uh, icicle in the alley. That's Sylvester Pemberton. Okay. I yeah. I don't know who that is, but I I did have a Star Spangled Kid, um, Scribble Marks figure. Mm. Yeah, gotcha. Un- unfortunate enough to pull that one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I we of course because it's the four of us. Like it's, <laughs> our conversation is going to officially start off in some random place, but. Whatever. Uh, if that's our intro, that's our intro. Uh, I guess a good place to start is 10 years. I mean, obviously, we don't have a lot of scripting for this. There's no point in scripting these. But uh, Or maybe there will be, depending on how this turns out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> 11 years, totally scripted. This is, we, reality, we can talk show, about, reality at a show at its finest. We, we can talk about milestones all we want. We can talk about how many numbered episodes, but... For any for a podcast, uh, let alone a comics podcast, let alone a specific comics podcast about a specific let alone character. One with Chad. Yes, that was about to get there. <laughs> it's our chat anniversary. Uh, for for it to for it to get to ten years is is uh, is quite something. So I just wanted to to open up the the floor to talk about that just so we can get it over with. <laughs> Okay, hold on. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay some two by fours across this hole that you put in the floor. So nobody falls in. Good analogy. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. Um, yeah, ten years. It's like like a blink of an eye. Thanks, awesome. Jim. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's it. That's all I got. I mean, to, at a certain point, like, what else do we say? Because, like, every time there's a milestone, every time there's an anniversary, is we kind of, like, look back and, like, think about how it started and tell that story about Jim being a creeper on the internet and me not knowing <laughs> any better. And yeah. Me too. Hashtag. <laughs> God, you started the, the movement, worst. Jim. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the one thing that I I can say is that you know, like ten years ago, every and every time that we we do one of these, you know, especially like the big milestones, it's like okay, so ten years ago, like the the Lantern cast started. Like the same year that I met Lauren, and, you know, it was, I think it was like six months later, but you know, like yeah, six months after you know I met Lauren, like we started the Lantern Cast. The only reason he knows our anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. There's a couple. True. There's a couple of other How reasons. How many years have we been married? Oh, let me see. We started the Lantern Cast. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the big no. neon sign that flashes when he leaves the house every day. It's like, gotta remember that. I know, actually, the reason that I, I remember how long is because, very simply, we were going to get married in 2010, and, like, I know that we moved it up a year because I got into a car accident. But, um, so I always remember that it was nine. But in any case, so yeah, so, like, the way that I look at my life is basically, like, before I met Lauren and after Lauren. So, you know, with the exception of the six months before the Lantern cast started, like this podcast has been going for the majority of the second part of my life, you know, and it's like, it's the most full part of my life because I met Lauren, I got married, I have two kids now. Um, I mean, it's, it, it, it's this podcast has been going for like like the best part of my life for the for the most part. Uh, are, are we supposed to start crying? <laughs> it's, it's just hard to figure out. In the be- I mean, all humor aside, it's kind of hard to figure out how exactly to re- figure that. It's yeah, that that it puts it in a nutshell. I mean, ten, 10 years is, is a significant part of anybody's life. I mean, no matter what, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, then you've, and then based on where maybe a lot of us have were when this 10 years ago till now, obviously I think a lot of us have gone through significant ups and downs and changes in our lives. So yeah, a decade is a decade. And then you think about everything, just even green lantern related. We think about everything that's happened, <laughs> the highs and the lows from, from, from when you guys started to where you know, the, the, the depths of hell we've been through and then hopefully on the upswing so <laughs> and I'm, uh, highs and the lows yes. the high, highs and the lows that actually five years highs five years lows I kind of identify with what Jim's saying and obviously not in quite to quite the like the depth that he's talking about with wife kids but for, for me, there's there's a, a measure of time that also correlates 
to the Lantern cast, and it's how long I've been reading comics. Because I didn't really start until wandering into that Borders and picking up a couple of books, and then I found a podcast, and I was one of the first you know, that first core group of listeners to the show, uh, you know, I think I might have, I, I don't remember, uh, but it was probably, what, episode, because y'all didn't release Zero until later on, it was a whole thing, I, whatever, but, like, <laughs> it was around, like, episode four or five is when I just, like, started listening to the show, because my first floppy issue was the Rage of the Red Lantern special, and that was one of y'all's first issue reviews, so... Like, I've been reading comics as long as this podcast has been on the air. So it's uh, and, and, and that's significant, maybe not to anybody else, but to me, it's, it's significant because, you know, I'm looking around my room here right now and half my bookshelf is trades or books about comic history. I've got, you know, exclusive art and statues and, you know, I've I went out and bought a a uh, promotional poster for the original night, the the, the first post-crisis Ragman stuff, and I've got a blog about that. And now I, you know, co-host this thing with Mark, and we, you know, I, I get excited about stuff like interviewing people and that working relationship with DC and all this stuff. Like, you you can't look an inch around this place and not see the impact the comics medium has had on me in the past ten years, and. That's something I measure, you know, right alongside parallel with the the time that I've been involved in either listening or helping with or doing the Lantern Cast. It's also weird to think about, like, because we've been we've been doing this long enough that we used to have to explain to people what a podcast even is, whereas <laughs> whereas now everyone in the world knows. You know, I can't tell you the last time I had to say, well, it's like a radio show, but on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, look at, you look around, like, with the exception of maybe Comic Geek Speak, like, I don't know how many of the shows from that initial outing are still going. Like, I'm sure there are. I think Half Hour Wasted is still around, but, like, so many others have just sort of fallen off or moved on to other things. And I think back to, like, like thinking back to, you know, the handful of super shows we went to and the comic forums back when that was, like, the main way for any of us to interact with each other. And it's, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's like remembering a different world. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, no, the, the, the whole online community from back then compared to now like i mean like when we started like facebook existed but like not even remotely close to how it is now i mean like facebook is like this you know juggernaut kind of thing that we use to message each other for well it's a it's a fixed it's a fixture in our lives facebook i mean it's quite honestly it's it's just a, like it's as common as going, uh, oh, yeah, you know, I've got, you know, <laughs> my Amazon account or whatever. Or, you know, you walk into the house. I've got this, 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 and this. Facebook just came out. What was it? Facebook portal. Now that whole uh, video messaging system that people can have in their house, kind of like Alexa, like something like that. Like they're making it, it is a fixture of your life now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now the forums, though, back then, like. Yeah, that was, uh, 
it, it was a whole, a whole different was, world. And well, it's interesting because it was like you know it was just this t- tiny little thing that occurred you know at this one point in time, and it was like you know almost like certain things happen to fall in place, and because of it, like now you know we have just like lifelong friends or people that you know or acquaintances or whatever. <laughs> Chad. Like, is that, yeah, Chad. I was about to say, that's for me, isn't it? <laughs> no, Chad, I, I'm trying to distance myself a, a little bit from Chad here, but, you know. You know I, I, so are we, we know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about this. Am I the Guy Gardner of this show? Like, yes. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Um, no, I, unequivocally. <laughs> well, we have to qualify that because it would have to be like old school Guy Gardner, not like newer Guy Gardner. <laughs> Shut up, Nort. <laughs> uh, no, some sometimes with Baz, like they, you know, they slip right back into that old Guy Gardner stuff. Um, but yeah, no, with, without a doubt. Um, was that the answer you were hoping for, Chad, or just the one you expected? <laughs> no, I was thinking about it in the back of my mind for some reason while we were talking. Like Jim's the Hal. Dan is the John, I'm the guy, and Mark is the Kyle. Why am I, am I Kyle because there's nobody left? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the, the torchbearer then? I guess that's about the only positive I can take from that, really. Actually, wow. for the most part, that's why I said it, yeah. Okay, but, I, can, uh, I can live with that. And I don't really mean it that way, I mean, but... Given given the well, choice, I probably would, I wouldn't be the first one out. I actually would gravitate naturally towards everybody else but Kyle first. So that's any reason. Well, I'm, say I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying Jim's the Hal because he started it for the most part. How that's, come that's I'm not pretty, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're I'm I'm talking about chronologically. You're like you're yeah, you're yeah, the, no, actually I would probably put Dan Moore as the Kyle and Mark Moore as the John. Well, I'm talking chronologically, Jim. Like, you started talk, the thing. I'm talking, and I'm talking logically. Celebrity death match. I came in for like a minute or two and then disappeared as part of the show. <laughs> you know, and then, and then uh, you know, everybody else went away and uh, here I'm back again. Nobody yeah. really wanted nobody really wanted me here, but I'm here. And then Chad, so. found, then Chad found where you guys had moved, and he found your address, and then he showed back up. <laughs> I'm back! He did sleep at my house one time. I did. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> so where were we? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We are, um, we are floating aim, aimlessly in a sea of despair so far. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Uh, yeah, no, I would say... I, I mean, you know, there, there are ways that I, you know, I identify more with Kyle, but, I mean, as far as the podcast goes, I'm probably the Hal Jordan. Dan is definitely the, the Kyle. <laughs> Chad is without a doubt the guy, and... <laughs> Mark is definitely like the level-headed John Stewart. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> At least you were in Simon Chad, so I guess that's a plus. <laughs> I, I would say occasionally Chad is the Jessica Cruz. Are you sure I'm not the Jack T. Chance? <laughs> Wait, they're the same guy. <laughs> oh man. 
Well, good but, uh, <laughs> you you guys you guys you guys stopped doing it because you know it felt like a chore, you know, to do it, and uh, you know you weren't enjoying the stuff that was happening. At least that was that was the main part. I mean, obviously you'd been doing it for five years, and there's a bit of fatigue that follows that. But it's been five years, you know, several different sort of titles, creative team changes, stuff like that. Are you are you guys reading stuff now? Are you reading and listening to the show? Like, what what are you guys? What do you what are your what is your individual involvement with Green Lantern post Lantern Cast five years later? I think what Chad's getting at is he wants to give the show back. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. No, that that receipt was good for ninety days, and not a minute more. Yeah, we pass it on to Landroncast Next Generation. You guys have to come up with a Landroncast Deep Space Nine or something. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll be I'll be honest, since we're we're talking good about this show, I, this could be unhealthy. This could be healthy. I don't know, but I actually get a ton of self esteem from doing this show. This is this for for me. Landroncast is a big part of me. I like doing this. I like talking about doing this. So. Uh, Dan, 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 we have to take it back. Uh, I, I think what that really means is that you, you'll be prying this podcast away from Chad from his cold, dead fingers. I think that's, that's right. Cold, dead hand. That's the way. Whatever. Jim, we, there's, what's the legal on this look like? Can we just can we pull a Ghostbusters and just call our new show The Real Lantern Cast? <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I definitely listen to the podcast. Um, I, uh, I don't listen to every single episode, and I don't usually listen to them in order. I just kind of jump around as to what seems more interesting to me. I like the movie ones, like the Supergirl episode was really good, where you guys covered that, um, those couple of issues. Um, I do read the comics, I don't read, you know, like, I kind of, like, get, like, a big batch of them, uh, and then sometimes I'll just kind of, like, read Spotty here and there. I haven't read, like, the new Green Lantern series, but I did read the last, like, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, uh, and, like... That the the Green Lanterns was one that I just kind of like hit here and there and couldn't really I didn't really want to follow like a, a lot of that. Yeah, I read I stopped reading stuff that was new coming out uh, sometime this past year. I just got the trade of the uh, that Zod thing. Just because I I thought that looked kind of interesting. I don't know anything about like how good it is, but I've been wanting to kind of check out like a recent-ish story arc, and yeah, seem I, I kind of like the idea of like, hey, let's have the Green Lantern Corps deal with like a family of Superman villains on some weird planet. So hopefully that'll be something good. I did read um the first two issues of the Grant Morrison book. More on that later. <laughs> and, uh, but for for the show, like like being largely disengaged from the new stuff as it does come out 
has put me off from listening to episodes about that stuff because I still have that I still have that old mindset of like, well, I don't want to I want to get spoiled before I read it and maybe I'll read it someday. So I'll just I'll let this pile keep growing, but I'll like jump around and like anything that's kind of like non-current, I'll listen to that. Like I think the next thing I have in my queue is like when you guys recently talked about Larflees. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. <laughs> we can. <laughs> it's at least a year away, or, or almost a year away, at least. If we're assuming, if we're going to do it when we would do it, it's like ten months away. Well, yeah, he's talking about the one that you already did. Yeah, you. Oh, you, good. You're talking. Oh, you're talking one. about what we did do, not what we what yeah. we may have to do. <laughs> God. Let's uh, let's face it, Mark. What we will have to do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Some point. At some point, we can kick that can down the road. Sorry, Jim. Get. We went. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, um, sometimes, like, conversely to Dan's point, I will listen to episodes, like, for stuff that I have not read, or even, you know, like, may read eventually, because after listening to you guys, like, that will, like, kind of give me the kick that I need to go and actually read them, because, you know, you know it's like, oh, well, they were talking about this and this and this, like, now I'm kind of curious as to how they drew that, and you know, why they think this about this particular scene and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I have, like, a bunch of a bunch of trades waiting to be read. Like, uh, like that, that Green Lantern Zod thing, uh, the first volume of uh, Snyder's Justice League. Um, just a whole bunch of stuff that I just haven't gotten around to yet. Just, I don't know. Cause I'm, I'm weirdly... I'm weirdly out of sync with comics, yet want to be current at the same time, but I want to do it on my terms, so of course it doesn't get done. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Like, I, I, I'm reading a bunch of stuff, too. Most of my stuff is digital nowadays. Oh, it's fucking like, great. Yeah. The, uh, the, like, for instance, like, premise-wise and creative team-wise, I want to know what the hell is going on with Doomsday Clock. But it's coming out so slowly. Is that still not finished? It's been coming out for like a year and a half or something, hasn't it? Yeah, I think issue eight just eight. came out recently. Yeah. Issue eight did come yeah. out. And seven and yeah. eight have seven and eight have probably been the best two issues, but the point but right. like but, you're saying, but, but, the point uh, is the release yeah, schedules has killed all the momentum that book had going <clears> in. And if it's going to have dramatic effects on what's happening in DC after that's resolved, that pushes everything else down the road too. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I can't I, I don't stay current with Doomsday Clock. I want to read it. I want to be as excited as other people who are reading it currently and like not waiting and not caring that there's so much time between issues. But quite honestly, if there's like a solid two months between issues, I'm not going to remember if if I have to go back and reread again just to remember where the hell we're at in this story. There's no point in me reading it as the issues come out, right? Just wait until the whole thing's out, then read it at a clip. Did you not? Is, re- did you not read eight yet? I haven't read any of it for oh, the most part. Okay. I've, 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 I've obviously read issue one, and when people were freaking out about certain things, <laughs> I flipped through like to see stuff relating to Alan Scott and stuff like that. So I've sort of like paged through, but I haven't really like absorbed. Kind of like what Adam Murdo used to do. <laughs> like he's got this entire huge backlog of comics he's got to <laughs> go through. But, <laughs> but yeah, but when he. But when he, like, gets a new comic, he'll, like, page through it to try and, like, just get general information and then say, okay, I'll read it some other day. 
Only only because eight features Firestorm or maybe in quotes Firestorm. Right. <laughs> what you call it? Like the thing about DC as of you know in in I would say recent years <clears throat> is that they're not afraid to do something like in a series that nobody's reading that has like major league lasting repercussions for like other stuff. Like I mean that the Lois and Clark series where you've got Superman and Lois Lane from like another, you know, universe or the original universe kind of like taking part. And like, I think like by the end of that series, it's like, Oh, okay. Well now they're, they have a son and like, this is happening in actual continuity now. And like, and there was, there was something else similar to that where like things that actually mattered were happening in books that nobody was buying. You know, and all of a sudden now everybody's like going to scoop up those issues. But I mean, more importantly, then DC can like put out a trade with those issues. So it's like, oh, yeah, you wanted to read about that. Here's the trade. And, you know, now it's actually a bit a big thing and you can get it over here. Like, I read clock. What? I read a tweet today where DC was like it was the cover of Titans number 30 or whatever, where Kyle Rayner joins the team. And 31. like, yeah. And they're like. DC was was promoting it by saying like Kyle Rayner may might be the only person that knows what's actually waiting behind the source wall and like all to advertise like oh hey he's in Titans go check out Titans you guys well like we uh, Mark mentioned the uh, Firestorm uh, I you know just the other day I was like oh shit I've got so many new comics I, st- I still haven't read yet <laughs> on my on my tablet i should probably open a few you know as i'm trying to fall asleep here let me read a couple so dc has been publishing this electric warriors series yeah and there's only two issues of it and at you know i'm reading it and i'm just like i'm not really following a whole lot what's going on and then at the very final and you know sorry guys spoilers if you don't want to know about electric warriors whatever but at the end (laughs) end oh no the the end of the first issue, you find out that the main villain of this sort of future era story is Firestorm. Cool. And and I you know like I you know I I'm I'm part of like Facebook groups. I'm friends with Shag. You know I I don't remember ever hearing about or seeing someone say, "Did you see what happened with Firestorm and Electric Warriors?" Like you know. So that just another another feather there in that cap of DC doing things in this. Like seriously, Electric Warriors. <laughs> like, who's who's really like super focused on the Electric Warriors title? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I was curious about it, but I like flipped through the first issue and there wasn't anything that really grabbed me. <clears throat> yeah. um, but uh, along the same lines, the um, what was it, Sideways, the Sideways mm-hmm. comic. Uh, I think that's what it was called, right? Yeah. The one that Dan DiDio was writing. Yeah, it, uh, um, from from the the one of the new heroes from that emerged after the whole metal stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you had like this this fantastic concept about a kid who can like jump dimensions into like the dark multiverse, and like the entire time that I for for the issues that I did get, I'm just like, oh man, I can't wait to see, you know some new crazy version of, like, any hero. And it was, like, it was almost like it was competing with the Spectre <laughs> that, 
that Mark and I cover for, like, coming up with, like, these, like, insane concept weirdo <laughs> villains that you don't care about at all. And, like, okay, so then the series gets canceled because it's not selling any copies. And in the last issue, the the last Superman that wears jeans pop back into reality. Oh, and now he's in the DC Universe, and, like, that just happened. We're talking, like, Action Comics New 52? Like, yes. that, that, oh, okay. That Superman is in the DC Universe right now. Jesus. And it happened in the last issue of Sideways that nobody well, was reading. I mean, I seem I seem to remember that first arc being pretty good of actually. Oh, comedy. I, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was great. I love that. Yeah. I'm I'm quite honestly I'm reading more comics than I ever have, and and I mean I'm reading a lot of DC stuff. I never I mean freaking the Electric Warriors thing. The <laughs> they're doing books of magic and House of Whispers and stuff like that now. Like I'm reading those. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff coming out from DC that I'm just waiting on because like, like I don't know, I don't know if it's if it's just me that's changed or I don't know if this is a result of like binge culture and like like all that. But the the time between monthly releases of comics has never felt longer to me. Yeah. So I just kind of like like I I another I remembered I finally got dark knight metal and i have to read that too because i was waiting for a long time for that to finish um but like yeah like there's stuff like i really i'm really kind of excited to see what bendis does with superman but i i'm going to wait until there's a chunk of it finished first i want to see like like i i think it's kind of cool on the other hand that like for so long it's been like a, a valid criticism that that superhero comics just sort of are so event focused and like like wait for the trade focus and it seems like they're kind of like it's like a counter movement to you know what let's just do cool stuff in random issues of whatever book and just make those books awesome except they're not telling anybody about it and then nobody's gonna find out if they're waiting for the trade on it so it's like what are we doing (laughs) there's certain stuff i'll read like pretty quickly after it comes out like for instance uh i mean robert venditti's hawkman series i I don't know if anybody else here is reading that but i freaking love that Hmm. that's a really good series have have any of you read it or maybe have heard what's what he's done with the character of hawkman no idea conceptually i think i gathered that hawkman has actually been reincarnated reincarnated since like the beginning of time or something like that Right, so he's not just he. Hawkman does not just reincarnate through time. Hawkman has been reincarnating across space and time. He's been oh. sort of he's been sort of leapfrogging all over the place. So every version of Hawkman is Hawkman. It's it is the same guy. It's all part of the reincarnation, which means you can, I guess, theoretically means you can have overlapping Hawkman and them still be the same guy. That's I like that. Yeah. So it's uh, when he said space and time, I like I was like, so we're merging Doctor Who <laughs> with <laughs> with Hawkman. Is that what we're doing here? But but like I mean, it's just such a simple con. It's one of those things that's so simple, so simple of an idea. You either just go, oh, why didn't nobody think of that before, or you're going, did we really have to do this? Everything was finally fixed with Jeff Johns's run, or like you know whatever. 
So, but like for me, I was just like, I'm not that invested in Hawkman. I was just like, epic idea. I'm here for it. Let's go. I mean, it's, it kind of sounds like a natural extension of what Jeff Johns tried to do with the character anyway. Just like to a more extreme. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that, that stuff, that stuff is something I'll read. Like Mr. and Mrs. X from Marvel. I'm reading a lot of Marvel stuff, but maybe that's just because mostly because the spider Geddon stuff is happening. So I don't know, but oh, oh, check that, out that, the, that, 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 that Donny Cates Venom series. Holy F <laughs> is that good. <clears throat> hey, check out that, um, that I think it's called all new Wolverine. The, the most recent Wolverine book that starred, uh, uh X 23 as Wolverine. It's like, it's got like five or six volumes to it. It's, amazingly good and oh no i was i was reading it like uh i was reading it maybe for the first 12 issues or so and then i kind of let everything build up and i just never came back to reading it but i I remember like the first few issues of that that series where it was almost like a it's almost like a crossover title like where it was her and her quote-unquote sisters sort of teaming teaming up with various like I, i i started with the doctor strange issue so, because I was a, I was a uh, guest on Corwin's show, EMX. And, yeah, that's, uh, he, that's how I started reading this book too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was. I mean, that 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 was a uh, that was one of my favorite books of the of the clump of books that they had me read for that episode. So, and and just you know, that same writer took those two characters and it's brought them over to X Men Red, which is going right now. Yeah, I read X Men Red. Oh God. There's some really good stuff happening from <laughs> yeah, Marvel DC right now. Yep. Um. Oh yeah, uh, Dan. I I mentioned I mentioned this to you before. We might as well get into it now since we're talking current stuff. Okay. <laughs> for those for those of you who've who've been listening to recent episodes, you know, Mark and I had this big discussion at the beginning <laughs> of the episode about the Green Lantern number two about not only how we review comics, but specifically how we review art um, in comics. And, you know, at what point do you have a right to say something based on your own experience? And, you know, should if you don't have a lot of experience with art and not a lot, not a lot of knowledge base, should you be offering an opinion on it? Should you be stating beforehand, hey, uh, maybe this is just not my style or maybe I'm wrong or whatever. I don't I don't know much about art, but here's what I think. What, what does that all look like? And I said towards the end of that discussion, I look forward to having Dan on because I know he's got a background in this stuff. And Dan has listened, so go for it. <laughs> and I, I, as I was listening to your, to your, uh, the part of the episode there, I sat down. I just started writing because I had thoughts. I didn't want them to go away. <laughs> so it sounds like I'm reading some of this. It's because I am. Um, so... So what happened was Liam Sharp, the artist of Grant Morrison's Green Lantern run, got upset on Twitter about how people who don't know anything about art and how it's made get super critical about the work of talented, accomplished artists. Everything Chad said. And it and, you know, you to the point that you guys were sitting here wondering how and if you should be criticizing art that you don't know about. The answer is yes. (laughs) And. I want to tell you a story, okay? So, Wait, yes, I w- what way? What? Wait, what, 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 yes. Yes, yes, you should be critical of art, regardless okay. of your your level of knowledge. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to clarify <clears throat> your position. Yes. 
So I went to art school. I went to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan. And one day, I think sophomore year, a group of us were leaving class, walking out into the city, and we had just finished a class critique where we spent the whole time evaluating each other's comics. And as we're walking around, I told my one classmate that his comic is good, his art looks great, I can see where he's going for, but I was concerned that his story wasn't clear enough, right? That it might make sense to him because he wrote it, but to someone else who doesn't have that knowledge, they might not get it. The point I was trying to make to him is that you need to think about who's going to read it when you're making it, that you're not necessarily making art for yourself, but for your audience. And he disagreed, and he asked me a question. He asked me who my art was for, and I couldn't answer. It took me years to figure it out because it was actually a much larger question than I thought, because the answer was everyone. When you make art... It doesn't matter if it's a comic or a painting, a novel, song, dance, YouTube video, or a podcast. Once you release it into the world, you have no control whatsoever over who consumes it. And that means you absolutely cannot assume that the people consuming it will have any baseline knowledge with which to evaluate it. Yet everyone would likely get a lot more out of an artist's work if they understood everything that went into the work and what makes it what it is. And on some level, I do agree with Liam Sharp. I think the more informed an opinion is, the more value it can offer. But that doesn't totally invalidate an uninformed opinion. Because frustrating as it may be, simply saying I don't like it is a valid criticism. Especially when the entire point of art is to express something important to the artist that elicits an honest reaction out of the people who consume it. But And as the artist you need to understand that the reaction can be literally anything, no matter what you put into your work. Some people will get it, some people won't, but none of them need to in order to know what they like. And anyone who's going to express their opinions on work of a visual medium has every right to voice their opinion on how they think it looks. So that's what went through my mind while I was listening to you guys. I think that's a, that makes perfect sense. I think I think we all know that, generally speaking, regardless of the medium, whether it's, I mean, obviously we specifically we're talking about you know with comics, so it's writing or the art, but just in an, anything in the world, it's it's like you don't. It's the easiest way to explain away all critiquing or criticism by saying, well, since you don't know what you're talking, you haven't been in our shoes, so you can't. You know, it's it's there's some validity to it, but it's too simple and it's just too, and that completely eliminates the overwhelming majority of anybody's opinion, the majority opinion on anything. Then, because the majority of people are never going to be have that kind of inside knowledge, whether it's politics, whether it's sports, the majority of people are not going to be pro athletes. But it doesn't mean that you 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 know you you just like art you know it when you you know what art is to you when you see it you know what you don't like as well as you do you know a really horrible call in football when you see it <laughs> yeah so i mean you I, don't i mean you don't need to have been a head coach on, on, in high school and in, in college to know that that guy and that guy and the, the Kansas City Chiefs Andy Reid just made a horrible decision on fourth down you p- people i mean there's some things you just know instinctively so to say that oh because you haven't been a head coach in the NFL it means you can never criticize a head coach's that's 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 that as a general rule is is ridiculous. 
Yes, if you understand if you understand the inner workings of things, you might be able to understand why that decision was made more than just the surface on you know the the surface level, you might better understand it more, but it, you have to – it's ridiculous to say, oh, you can't – especially in art. I mean art can simply be kind of like what Dan said or was alluding to. It can simply be sometimes for whatever reason I don't like that or it doesn't appeal to me or I don't like that style or maybe I do like that style with certain characters. Maybe I like that artist drawing certain characters, but when it comes to this instance and this book and this with this character, I don't like it. I mean, yeah, yeah it, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you didn't. Uh, the, the thing that I really don't like about like that, like the things that Liam Sharp was saying, is that it it gets a little too close to that pretentious art stereotype of of oh you don't like it, well you just don't get it. You Philistine, like, you Philistines, just shut yeah, up. <laughs> like as if to say there is a right answer when interpreting a work of art. And either you have the background to grasp it or you don't. And if you don't, you're wrong. Like, well, I w- I'm sorry to interrupt. I, no, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say we shouldn't be talking about this in any way, shape, or form. What I I want I want people to. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, it's the I think the first thirty minutes or something of, of that episode. But I want to clarify real quick for for anybody playing along at home. The way in which that conversation between myself and Liam went, I asked him, because he's a professional comics artist who's been doing this for a while, what his opinion on this topic was as a learning opportunity. He wasn't yelling at me or critiquing or, or, or getting on my case as being a, a reviewer in any, in any case. And as a matter of fact, if I were to pick of, of sort of the two themes of what he was saying, he was more saying... If someone is offering a, an opinion, uh, uh, you know, a, a strong opinion on on art in some way, it's helpful to have context for what for what their experience is. Not that they need to have cer- certain things, or they shouldn't be saying something if they don't have experience, but that but that the context of where their opinion is coming from can help because. If you're just, you know, like I made the comparison in that episode, I can say I want to be an art critic, but I can't walk into a gallery one day and start pointing out various, you know, what some people may consider masterpieces and saying that sucks, that's amazing, that's that's worthy of whatever, and everyone should take me seriously. I need to, there, there's a certain level of, I, I don't want to say pedigree, but it's the only word that's coming to my mind right now. Uh, so there, there's, I just want people to know the, the context of the conversation I had with Liam. He wasn't necessarily saying you should shut up and sit down if you don't have all of this experience. Yeah, no, and, and I didn't, I probably, I probably, uh, framed it that way and I'm sorry for that. No, but, uh, but, but I, th- um, I don't think so, Dan, because I think about even, cause it's kind of like, it's it leaves it open to that kind of interpretation because while he may be saying, oh, I'm, I don't automatically, while deep down maybe he's, he, he doesn't, or he's not saying this or doesn't really do it, which is dismiss, you know, just re- general criticism he, or from, from the average fan that he doesn't just necessarily just, hmm, and walk away from it. But it opens the door to saying, if you quote unquote know what you're talking about, I'm, I'll take your, I'll take your criticism a little, maybe, a little, at least a little more seriously, or maybe I'll actually listen to it as opposed to if you can't really tell me why you, you know, from a stylistic perspective, what are 
why you dislike it, then I'm probably going to say, eh, you know, then I'm probably yeah, more right, likely to dismiss it. Right, that's, that was that was more of, like, his point, yeah, so, like, sorry. Like, what, what, what you're saying, Chad, as far as, like, you know, you, you raise a, a good, you know, perspective in that you can, you can walk into a, an art museum, and if you have no background in art, then you are 100% entitled to have your own opinion about every single piece of art. And if you think it's bad, then you're totally justified in thinking that that art is bad. However, if you like, if you go into an art museum and you actually have studied art and you've studied technique and you know what goes into those things, you know, so that you can actually evaluate it on, you know, like a technical level and, you know, like know where the artist is coming from, then that, like you said, it gives your opinion that much more of a pedigree. It means that your opinion carries more weight. So, People that are reading Green Lantern comics, like, if you don't like the art, you're totally entitled to that opinion. Because, like, you know, then, for so- somehow, that art failed for you personally. And if enough people, you know, are disliking the art, then, okay, well, maybe there's something wrong there. But if you have somebody that actually, like, went to art school and said, okay, well, I don't like this art because... You know, like, your line weights are off, or your anatomy is a little too skewed, or your tones are, you know, too dark, or whatever for the the corresponding storyline. You know, like, when you can approach it from from that level, then it's definitely going to carry more weight with the artist. Yeah, but, I mean, even somebody who knows all of that stuff could give a, a... a simplified reaction that you would never know that weight is behind, you know, like, like if I just like, like I, I, I won't spoil any story stuff, but I read the first two issues of the Morrison sharp green, Hal Jordan book. And I didn't like it. And I don't know what you guys thought of it. I didn't like it. And I could leave it at that. I could just be some voice on the internet saying I didn't like it. Or I could go into detail about how they're very blatantly trying to make a Silver Age comic book. The the art style, the the page layouts, the some panels specifically are pulling from Silver Age comics. But it's despite how it is is kind of lovingly trying to reference that stuff the stuff it's referencing also didn't do it very well sometimes. So it's like, like, yeah, I understand what you're trying to do. That doesn't mean it's a good finished product. And like, I'm sure like I didn't look into um, what caused all this to start. So, but the impression I got was that, okay, the green lantern has been going for two issues. Now it is a very retro style comic book being presented to a 2018 audience who is used to the bigger, flashier, more cinematic storytelling and bombastic action. Maybe it didn't gel with people the way that it it otherwise would have if it looked more modern, and maybe there's backlash there that he was reacting to. And I don't think think it's just a problem with the art either. I think... Grant Morrison, like, I like Grant Morrison as a writer, and if anything, I think he might be trying trying too hard 
because he's taking a fantastic idea of how would I actually interpret the the dialect and and colloquialisms and vocal tics of a billion different alien races, even when poured into a universal translator that wouldn't just make them be speaking contemporary 20th century English. And that's great, except it is it makes it so hard to to follow the flow of any conversation. Like at a glance, like I read an enti- I read a panel, I have to reread it a couple times because that first time through, I wasn't sure what the hell anybody said. <laughs> and and because they're leaning so hard on a Silver Age style, the panels are packed with dialogue. Like, it will take you twice as long to read an issue of their book, like, not because of, like, you're trying to soak everything in, it's because you're trying to get through it and come out on the other side understanding what you read. And not in the the typical, oh, I'm Grant Morrison, I'm weird kind of way, just in the lack of clarity and complete and utter lack of conversational flow that the dialogue has. Now, you can listen to all of that and be like, oh, okay, I understand why he doesn't like it. Or I could have just said, yeah, I didn't like it, and not have said any of that, and you would have no idea what my, like, what my knowledge base was or what I'm bringing to the table. Right, but, like, when you actually went through all the, you know, all the points that you were making based on your background, and that, you know, and, like, whether or not you t- actually explain it, like, your background, it's definitely comes across as being evident in your description like that like it's a more um uh, it's a more complete critique than well I, i don't like it and when you have a more complete critique than other people that are reading it like it can help you know maybe help them inform like their own decision as far as oh actually that's you know what he's saying is exactly that he just put into words what i actually really like about it or don't like about it you know or whatever like you know the way that you broke it down you know you could have plenty of people that were like oh yeah you know what i love this comic and the way that you know that you just summed it up like you know that tells me why i'm really loving this comic and it's it's beneficial to everybody, you know, or, you know, to give somebody else a touchstone as to why they don't like it. Because, I mean, like, there's plenty of stuff that, like, I read and I don't like, and I don't really give it much more thought, or sometimes I'll give it too much thought as far as, you know, why I like it or don't like it. So, I mean, you know, like, ha- you know, people having touchstones like that, you know, that are actually informed... I think are much better than just like this sucked, you know. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You are you are absolutely right, and that's why I like I we've always tried on in everything we make, we've encouraged as much as much feedback as possible mm-hmm. from anybody listening, so that they can like Thank give you. their yeah they can give <laughs> their two cents, they can like tell us they can ask for clarification, they can they can give their own detailed review if they want to, and. But like the truth is like like 
there's never going to be a shortage of things to occupy your time with. So a lot of people are going to just kind of give it a surface level, you know, pass fail kind of reaction. And one, and, and no matter how, what you do, you're going to get people that just like drop in, say this sucks and then go away and never come back. And you just kind of have to be okay with that. And I think, I think part of the reason the, the, the topic grabbed me, and part of the reason I'm sort of defending, sort of tr- trying to clear, help clarify some of Liam's points and everything is because part of me, a big part of me agreed with him in, in the way that we've, I mean, re- regardless of the, you know, who likes the show, who doesn't like the show, whatever, this podcast has been on the air for 10 years. You guys did it for five, we're, we've done it for five. And to some extent, there is a sort of responsibility that I feel as a podcaster. And to me, I think I've figured out that that responsibility, I've never done this show. I don't know about you guys. I've never done this show personally with the expectation that someone is coming into the show to listen to it, to go, am I going to buy that book? Yes or no. The only way in which I've ever assumed someone is doing that is by the way in which we've always sort of presented the show as fans slash people who understand the history slash people who understand the continuity. I don't think anybody ever listens to this show and goes, oh, they both didn't like the writing or, oh, they both didn't like the art. I'm not going to waste my time. And if they have done that, it's probably only after extensive listening and comparing their own their own opinions with ours. I think, oh, I I can't for the life of me think of who it was because it was been it's been so many years. But there was a few years into our run where I've had people tell me, and maybe me and Jim, I don't remember, it was both of us, but, like, they did end up reading something because they heard how we, how much we enjoyed it. And that was, like, kind of, like, a weird, like, like almost, not eye-opening experience, but it was, like, a, it was, like, a, a moment where it's, like, oh, yeah, we're not just doing this. Well, I mean, we're doing this for fun. We're just doing it because we enjoy talking to each other. But also, that's going to have an impact on what people choose to do with their time beyond just choosing to listen to us. And it extends to everything, too. It's like, like I don't know. Um, 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 I think you guys compared uh, uh, comics critique and criticism to that of the movie industry. The one that I want, the one that I thought about in in a in a comparison to was video games and video game journalism where for the longest time a review of a video game was was yeah blah 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 some some paragraphs where's the number score i need to decide if i'm going to spend 60 dollars to buy this thing and as the the industry has shifted to the point that yeah you know there's lots more smaller independent studios there are lots of varying wildly varying price points for games that take and a staggeringly different amount of time to complete the idea of okay how much is this experience worth doesn't really work anymore so games journalism has been shifting away from even doing traditional reviews, shifted away from doing numbered scores, and become more of a personality-based thing, where, okay, we're going to have this podcast or this this uh, pool of writers or whatever that put out 
content on a regular basis so you can learn what they like and kind of get to know them as people so that when they talk about the new thing they played, you can kind of tell by their experience what your experience might be. Like if, oh, I, I tend to agree with this guy about mo about horror games and he just played this new horror game, but he hates it. Oh, maybe I should stay away from that. Like that sort of thing, as opposed to just just what we tend to usually think of as a review or as a recommendation guide. But this is this is sort of where like the 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 difference in, in feeling a sort of responsibility to an audience comes in for me is the as much as I rail against them the newsaramas the the bleeding cools of the world are not podcasts for the most part they may not have started this way but for the most part this is why they're clickbait now is because they're money making ventures they do have all these relationships with all these publishers now they do in some ways you know decide to either go super positive to help maintain those relationships or you know further other things or be super negative just to get more views or or whatever that is to me different from the entity of podcasting because to me and and I could be wrong here but having this podcast been on the air 10 years I feel like you got a good kind of feel for what the comics podcasting world is we're just a bunch of fans who like geeking out with each other for the most part i mean to me that's inherently different so i don't think when when people tune into a podcast it's more like hey do i like that character yes or no oh, they seem to be having fun with this this and this i'm gonna go listen to to, to share you know the Fire and Water Network's kind of mantra now is, you know, find your joy. And so, like, we, cool. we're just going to share this, share your joy with each other. Sure, Mark and I do these current reviews because part of what we want to do with this show is try and do some of this current stuff. But if you notice, ever since Mark and I took over the show, we try and do more of these sort of one-off things every now and then. We'll do the, we'll do movie reviews or commentaries or. You know, we uh, a good example from the past year is the um, the what are, I can't remember what we called it, Mark, the Marvel one where we did Werewolf by Night and uh, and oh, Modern first, the Mystic. Uh, fa famous firsts or some or something along those lines. Yeah, our, our our first comics, you know, like stuff like that. We we sure, yeah, we can get bogged down in doing a lot of the current reviews and maybe we feel like we're being too negative sometimes or whatever. But we do that because that's sort of what the show started as, and we want to keep that going. But we tried to minimize those when it became too much of a chore and throw mm. in more of what we want to do. And that's just comes from we don't want to come on the show and bitch all the time. <laughs> so. Yeah, that gets old. <laughs> it, that, that does get old. Not, not, that, not that it's – not that I, I think you feel bad about it when you, when you do it. Like I think when we – Obviously, there was a stretch when we were doing the uh, Green Lantern books, and to a lesser extent, Hal and the Core, that most of our comments were, or overall assessment, were not positive during that during stretches. So it it's it's not it's not good from our perspective either, which doesn't mean we have to we sh we try to sugarcoat what we think because we are. But I always try to be fair about stuff, and but I. But you have to, you know, you have to call it the way you see it. So, and but it, it doesn't, you don't necessarily get any joy out of it because it's not like we didn't want to like those books. It's just, 
Green Lanterns was hard, as we've said multiple times, Green Lanterns was hard to really be excited about the concept of that book going in. Yeah. And then, and plus there was the overarching belief, which turned out to be true, but we kind of knew it was going to be true, that there was no way that book in its, in its, with its current concept, its incarnation, was ever going to survive long term without, unless DC was just, des- was just determined to let it survive regardless of how low the sales were. That that book was not, that at some point, that either the book's, Stars or concepts were going to have to change, or the book was going to go down. But how in the and how in the core was a pretty good book overall. It just could have been better, and we had too many, too many. Even that Green Lanterns was guilty of this too. We had a lot of arcs that didn't really give you a whole lot of the the resolutions happened really fast and maybe were not very satisfying. But but it, but we didn't get pleasure out of it. It's it's tough. I mean, you don't like being you don't. No, I think. I mean, obviously, some people get off on being, you know, the lightning rod and having everybody, no matter what field yeah. you're in. Some people enjoy that, but I think most people who really are trying to be fair and are not mean spirited in what they're doing don't really, they don't get real satisfaction out of being negative about something. You, you want to like something. Like I, I wanted to like Halloween 2018. I wanted to know. I wanted to love Halloween 2018, <laughs> and I thought, and it was okay. I liked it better the second time I saw it. I still think it's a fail and what it was really supposed to accomplish, as opposed to Creed 2, which I loved. And Creed 2 I liked even more the second time I saw it. Creed 2, <laughs> the only movie that didn't disappoint me this year. Even Infinity War let me down a little bit. Not much, but a little bit. <laughs> but of all the movies I wanted to see this year, Creed 2 was the only one that gave me what... More or less, I mean, there were some things I would have, in my mind's eye, I would have liked to have seen. But based on the movie they gave us, it was very satisfying to me. But as an, but you know, I, that's just what it is. I, I didn't want to. I wanted to like Halloween, but I have to call it the way I see it. It's like, eh, it was okay. Yeah, that's why I've never understood the people who. I mean, I, I say I never understood, but there's probably a better way to say it. Just not understand the people who, who have ever been harsh on the show, on this show, uh, for uh, for our commentary being too negative or whatever. It's we're we're not Mark and I are, are not the lightning rod type of people who like to. To who who in, take who relish in just trashing a book unless it's like Threshold or Larflees, <laughs> you know. And, and even that we do it with humor. We try That's to do true. it. With, we try to do it with humor. <laughs> exactly. We, we 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 try to have fun with that. So we do this for the most part for I mean well for now for the the entirety of the past ten years for free. We devote our time and resources and all this stuff to this show and. And, and just because we like the, the, the property and we like doing this, we like talking to one another and so on and so forth. So I, I, I never understood people who got on our case for being overly negative and it's just like we don't want to be negative. We don't want to spend our time coming on and not liking – and forgetting the, the time it takes to do the podcast itself – we are fans of the character. We don't want to invest our own capital in picking up a book – of a property we love to turn around and put it down and go, God, that was awful. We want the characters to succeed. Well, there in general need to be more fans of things that understand that the majority of stuff takes place in a gray area. You know, like, like a lot of people will, will, will see it as simply as, Oh, I love this thing. You're not saying universally great things about it, therefore I hate you. You know, it's that Sith absolute thing. Not, not 
<laughs> it's like the the world, you know, the world is not just it's not just absolutes. It's like you can just like we talk we talk about a little bit on the show. We try to avoid it in in big in big terms. That's because because even talking about it, you get in trouble. But we all know the way the environment is in general in in society today. It's like you can disagree on a topic, an issue, a person. It doesn't mean that. Oh, they don't they don't think the way I do, so so I must hate them. <laughs> or they are the yes. worst piece of scum on the earth because they don't see things the way I do or they dare to have a different opinion. Yeah, so and you, then you no, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Jen. Uh, and then you roll into that the fact that that there's a certain amount of self validation that comes from being a fan of something, especially the more you, you identify yourself by way of a a brand or something like that, you know, like, like if I, if I'm the biggest Green Lantern fan in the world and the Green Lantern movie comes out and it sucks and everyone in the world says it sucks, what does that say about me that my favorite thing is being panned by everyone out there? Does that mean they are like, are they saying something about negative about me? And like, am I stupid? Am I stupid for liking Green Lantern? You know, like all of it is totally irrational, but that's the trap people get fall into so easily because mm-hmm. we let these things become such an ingrained and important part of our identities. You know, that's what that's what the Marvel vs. DC bullshit always boils down to. It's like you want to you picked a team and you want to see that team win, and you don't care if that happens by just tearing down the other team even though they're not actually i guess I, other i mean i on, on some level they are competition but not really as far mm. as fans go you know right because you, yeah, you don't have sorry. to be no i'm sorry you don't have to be a fan of just one or the other in fact you would like to think a huge percentage like you said is in that gray area that are fans are both and so it's not like if because marvel has done so well and the majority let's say the majority of us, let's say, we we like them like on the show right now have liked most of what Marvel has done. Let's say, let's go with that assumption for the moment. That that doesn't mean that if that doesn't mean that if we don't like a lot of the stuff that DC has given us, it's because oh we're we're looking at it through the Marvel colored glasses. No, it just means that we just don't, haven't liked it or it hasn't resonated the way the other movies did. Not like we have a an axe to grind or it's like oh like that you know back to the conspiracy theories. All oh, the critics just hate hate anything DC, ignoring all the DC movies that they did like in the past. Yeah, it's I, like, I, I, oh sorry, I didn't mean okay, to cut you off. Go ahead. I mean, I, I, I agree with what Dan's saying is because, and as an example, I personally go through some of this stuff. I mean, you, you use the example, you know, you can be the biggest Green Lantern fan. I'm not going to sit here and, like, unequivocally say I'm the biggest Ragman fan. But no, no, you, you are. are the only yeah, Ragman okay. fan. It's you. It's you. It's you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but I, I, I'm at the very least comfortable saying I'm one of them. So... You know, when when the new series started coming out, uh, the 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 six issue mini that came out in 20, 2017 with Ray Fox and Nikki uh, Inaki Miranda, um, the the new interpretation and everything, I wasn't a hundred percent on board with, but I still felt some responsibility to try to amp up the stuff I did have that was positive to say about it and a little bit downplay the negative I had. I felt some responsibility to, no matter how I felt about this series, go out and buy three issues of each copy. 
yeah. you know, yeah. to, 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 to go out and, mm-hmm. and, and get the trade, to go out and, and, you know, seek out some of the people who were talking about the book and interact with them as a ra- as, you know, like one of the prolific Ragman fans. And it was hard for me because, while I agree with some of the negative stuff people were saying about the series as it came out, I felt somehow instinctively like I should be defending it because it's Ragman. <laughs> like it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. He ha- doesn't get enough exposure in my mind. I need to try and help amplify the positive so that this character, this character I love so much gets more exposure. It's the same. I mean, it's, it's, but the I had to, te- but I'm sorry, let me finish. Go ahead. I, no, go. I, but but the last sentence, it's just the last sentence, but I had to keep myself in check. I yeah. was seeking those conversations out and I was trying to be more positive, but I never sought the people out who were being negative on purpose to shut them down. Yeah, but I did right. have to stop myself from doing that. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's similar to why I went to see the Green Lantern movie in theaters multiple times. Like even when I realized it was bad. I like part of me like thought, okay, I might never have the chance to have this ex- this theatrical Green Lantern experience ever again. It, like because who if it, it bombs as hard as it's probably going to, they would have no reason to make another one. And even if it's not the experience I want, I want to 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 hold on to this a little longer. And it's. I don't know. I, I I can't help but feel like that some part of that is at play with a lot of people who are just leaning so hard into, you know, you know how every single day on Twitter I see people demanding the release of the Snyder cut oh, of God. Justice League, and and why why would why do people like like they amp their their DC cinematic universe support up to a ridiculous extreme. Like they talk about how like like Zack Snyder is like he walks on water and redefined what cinema is. And I have to believe that's just because their preferred team isn't getting much praise, whereas Marvel is. Well, despite and- the despite the fact that Marvel has had just as many misses as hits, but you'd never think about that because oh the hits hit so hard and the misses haven't been as the misses have been like pop flies as opposed to striking out with the bases loaded yeah uh but uh yeah i think the snyder stuff is so i mean it's so hypocritical it's like man of steel and bvs got so much backlash and and i'd say deservedly so to a large extent and then the so-called rumored snyder cut which probably was never anything close to a theatrical cut to begin with it probably was just a three-hour rough cut and yet they make it something. Like, oh, it's gonna make it so much better. It's like no. Yeah. It, they, yeah, they, they talk like there is a finished right. movie that hasn't been released. And, yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, they they talk. That's that's the way some people. And again, it's it's the it's the oh, I read it on the internet, so it must be true kind of mentality. It's like so people just keep if that or that kind of like that that Hitler line about you say, you know, you'd say a big enough lie enough times people will believe it, that you just keep perpetuating this thing and people will believe it. It's, it's like, it's, it probably, like, let's, let's look, compare this to, to Avengers Endgame for a moment, that the Russos have pretty much said that the first cut of the movie they already have together is three hours long. 
That doesn't mean all the special effects are done, but let's just say the reality is I'd be willing to bet their three-hour cut of Endgame that exists currently is a hell of a lot closer to being a, a, at least a theatrical-worthy cut than, than, than the so-called three-hour version of Snyder's Justice League ever was. <laughs> so, but in it, yeah, that, that just boggles the mind, and it's like, oh... And it comes back to the other great myth of our time, which is, oh, if they just let the, the director do what he wanted, it always would be better. That's not true. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not. And we've talked about this before too. It's not. Yes, sometimes the studio interferes and it's a problem. Sometimes the studio, or the, who's ever the producers, they just. I don't think it's as prevalent now that they completely don't understand the material like as, as it used to be like in the 80s and maybe the early 90s. I think they're a little more savvy now at having putting the right people who at least understand conceptually what they're trying to do. But yes, it's still it's still pop, it still happens, but not as often. But sometimes the studio knows that what they're sh- being shown is crap, and they try to have to fix it as much as they can. And so it's it's I don't know. It's just it's that it's that false narrative. That oh yeah you know whenever a studio gets involved, it always ma- it always makes it worse. And if it like if it succeeds, oh only the director should get credit and or the writer should get credit. But when it fails, oh it's always the studio. Yeah, let, like, alone, let alone all of the like the thousand of talented people right. that helped bring the thing to life. Like, not every artist is an auteur, you know. Right. <laughs> and, like, tell, if 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 God damn it, if 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 every director was able to just do whatever the fuck the hell they wanted, like you like nobody thinks about the things that we know we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have the original Star Wars trilogy in the form that they exist. Or I should say, in their original form, because who the fuck knows what form they exist in right now. Like, you had a director that had a vision, and people who knew better told him no to things, and we get Empire Strikes Back. You know, like, like it's 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 almost never a good idea to just give the keys to a single person and give him carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, and and, the, and there's only a few dire- like, sticking with the movie theme for a moment. There's only a few directors that pretty much you know would have carte blanche to do pretty much do whatever they wanted and to have a a, fun, a a running time of whatever they wanted. Like Scorsese, he could do whatever he wanted. They don't care if if he comes in with a three hour and twenty minute cut of his movie. They might want it to be lo- shorter, but if he if he, if it's Scorsese and he's got like DiCaprio in another movie, it's like yeah, do whatever you want. Spielberg. And a lot of times- and a lot of times you have to earn that. You have right, to come, absolutely. You have, you have to, to earn come it. around. You have to make something that turns into like the biggest thing in the world for a year. And usually, it's a project that nobody was expecting anything out of. Right, like, like that's how. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, get, no, get you. I'm dead. I'm sorry. Oh, I know. I, I forgive me for God. that. It's just I don't. I don't know what's worse. You're calling me Jim, or you're <laughs> quoting Hitler earlier. <laughs> oh, that's really. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a that's a tough call. I that's a real shot, Jeez. Jim. That's worse a worse shot at you than me, I guess. But <laughs> um, oh, man, happy ten year anniversary! Okay. <laughs> oh, God. I, it was backed up. I had to get it out. Oh, oh. like like Spielberg used to be that big. Probably he isn't anymore. But if, if Spielberg at his peak, probably had that kind of power too. But most people don't. So like it's like it's like what and this is what I said about the Snyder Cut too. It's like when you're doing a movie like Justice League. There's, you have to go. 
even if the studio didn't tell you that to begin with, there's no way in God's green earth you can ever assume. Or you, forget about assume. There's no way you could think logically you were ever going to get a three-hour theatrical cut. There's no reason. I mean, now turn that around. If the Russos actually want, end up saying we, we think this, the best cut of this of Endgame is three hours, Marvel Studios will probably roll with it because they know what the anticipation is for this movie and how how, how and everything that it has to wrap up. So they probably would be okay with it. If I had to bet, do I think it's going to be three hours? No, I bet you it's probably going to be closer to 240, 245. But if they end up going with a three-hour cut, they, they probably would be able to get, because of the relevance of it at the t- at now and the interest in it, they could get away with it. But most movies, you can't get a cut like that. If episode nine, if, ep- if, if Abrams' episode nine is three hours, but, it pro- but, it, but they market that movie as wrapping up either the Star Wars saga or the episodic saga, or probably the better way to phrase it would be the Skywalker saga. And they really, and they really push that to make it, and because really of all the crap they have to cover, thanks to where episode eight kind of went and didn't go. Episode nine, fixing the last. <laughs> but forget. But the reality is that they, Disney slash Lucasfilm might be okay with that because of what it's because of what the heavy lifting it has to do. But in general, you can't ever assume going in that you're going to be able, especially Snyder, who didn't deserve it. You know, Snyder has always, let's be honest, Snyder has always tended to go on the longer side of his movies. I mean, watch, I, I mean, I watched the extended cut on Amazon Prime, or, or the most of the multiple cut to friggin' Watchmen. I watched like the ultimate cut of Watchmen, and even uh, uh, what you call it? The uh, now I'm drawing the blank. The one with. Uh, Dawn of the Dead? No, not Dawn of the Dead. That was relatively long too. The one with Vanessa Hudgens and oh, Sucker Punch. Yeah, Sucker Punch. That's the one I couldn't think of. Why would you watch Sucker Punch? <laughs> Vanessa Hudgens. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Jamie and I like and Jamie Chung. And actually, I didn't think them. I really don't think that movie that is that bad. Uh, but the point is, even that, especially if you look at the the uncut version, even that's long. So he always always gravitated towards longer cuts. But I mean, you're doing a movie. Studios are preferably not going to want you to have a three-hour superhero movie. <laughs> Justice League, if the if 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 his other two movies, if BVS and Man of Steel had been super popular, he probably could have gotten close to a three-hour cut of Justice League because the interest in the movie would have been greater. But there's no yeah. way going in when you're making that movie, you can think that that's probably going to fly. <laughs> yeah, this 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 upcoming Avengers movie is the only one where I think they actually could do it. Just because, like, it is – because it's the hottest thing right now. It's every, like, all of Marvel has been leading up to this. Yep. Everybody's on board. You know, Justice League – like, despite it's – a, it's a weird justice, juxtaposition where, yeah, they're the Justice League. Everyone alive knows who they are, but they haven't – they haven't earned it. They haven't just – like, they have to justify – this being given to them, and you can't do that with your first movie, or your second, <laughs> or your what? Oh, whatever. No, I'm, not, I'm not picking. I'm being. I'm just saying. Looking at Man of Steel and BVS, they were the major building blocks towards that, and then yeah. it's like, oh, especially BVS, because BVS got more pushback than even Man of Steel did. You know, yeah, yeah even. Most fans didn't like BVS, let alone what the critics thought. Most fans didn't like it. They were relative, they were they were a lot closer in sync than having a wide disparity, let's say like Venom, where the critics hated it, but the fans pretty much liked it. That's right. So, oops, that was I, that was I a slippery that. slope. No. <laughs> I did see Venom. It was pretty good. It was okay. It was better than what the critics said it was. Yeah, I mean, 
I, 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 I think like the one problem it had was that it kind of lost track of what genre of movie it wanted to be, like a few times, because it started out as like this really gnarly horror movie, and then became like a buddy cop thing, and then became like a, a superhero thing, and then became it's it was it was kind of all over the place, but it was fun. You're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> Chad's just like, um, it made like a billion dollars. That's what I'm picturing. Chad's just there with like the sunglasses on and like the pimp chain just throwing dollar bills and then fifty dollars, hundred dollar bills in the air. It's like you can say whatever you want, man. Chad is quite honestly, I'm just like you can say whatever you want. I was right. (laughs) Like Chad is hugging his venom body pillow right now. And it's and and, and evidently it's the same thing with uh, Spider-Man into the Spider Verse. I'm hearing. People just freaking out about how good that movie is right now. But financially, I can't wait but to financially see it. you still have to see how well that does. I mean, it's, it's not true. Gonna, it's animated, so it's probably still not going to do as well. But it, I, it, it, I said, I said all along from the very beginning, this movie is going to be bigger than people think and more impressive than people think. So I think it's going to be smaller than people <laughs> want, but. Wider than people expect. Ninety-seven <laughs> percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's got two. It's got two hundred and thirty reviews, positive reviews. What movie gets two hundred thirty reviews? Period. It's a, it just came out today, and it's got two hundred. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, it's baby. I'm telling you. Two hundred thirty positive reviews and only six negative. Well, that's it. see, Rotten Tomatoes has started to aggregate reviews from throughout the multiverse, so that's just... <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I mean, that's just that's just an that's just a huge. I mean, Wreck-It, uh, Wreck-It Ralph has been out longer, and that only has two hundred and ten reviews. <laughs> I mean, that's just that number just astounded me. Speaking of which, for what it's worth, pay, pay attention in, in, in twenty nineteen to our uh, top five movies we're looking for in twenty nineteen because. Man, my list. You're gonna to want to place bets on it. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Uh, Aquaman <laughs> down to seventy percent. Yeah, I'm I'm now on Rotten Tomatoes looking for the reviews that were actually negative for the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> for the long for the longest time, it was just one. For the long oh and, and, and I and this is where I kind of thought like kind of like we talked about sometimes people. I'm not saying this was the case, but. Something in the negative review made it sound like oh, it kind of gave me the impression that the guy was kind of like he he if he turned out to be the only negative review he kind of wouldn't have minded if he was. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the way he came across. It's like well, so if I because I think it's like he mentioned in the in his review that so far something like I'm the only negative one or 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 the and but if I remain the only negative one like I'm okay with that. So that kind of makes makes you wonder if he was kind of being a little yeah flip. I'm special because I yep. get it and you don't. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so it just it just astounded me when I looked at that a second ago that there were that already that many that many reviews total. I mean that's just that's a huge that's a huge amount for a movie that just came out today because a lot of times you get a certain amount ahead of time and then you get the big influx, which makes which makes me wonder about Aquaman because because as we've we've seen with a few of these movies it's that it makes you. And I'm not a conspiracy theory guy by nature, but it makes you wonder because some of these movies they start out really high. It's like the, the the initial reviews before the movie comes out, and then as soon as the movie comes out, they drop really quick. Like Halloween was a good example. Halloween was like in the the low 90s to maybe around 89 percent or something until the movie actually was released, and then then the movie I think it's down to like 79. Actually, the movie after the movie came out, and it, 
So, and the same thing to, to a lesser extent with rec, with uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet. It was in the 90s for the longest time. Then I think it dropped all the way down to 86. Now it's back up to 88. But the audience doesn't like that movie that much. If you look at the breakdown between the audience score and the, uh, which is kind of surprising, 88% of the audience, I mean, all, the critics 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, but only uh, 69 on uh of the audience score, so the critics obviously like that movie more than the audience does. Well, I was I I love the first Wreck-It Ralph, but I was really put off by the sequel. Like I haven't seen it yet, so maybe I'm entirely wrong. But everything about the premise and the trailer made it look just exactly like the Emoji movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I kind of don't wanna. I don't wanna do that. I wanna go. I wanna do that. I didn't see the Emoji movie, but no. I did see Wreck-It Ralph too. Uh, and I, I like I I enjoyed it, but I didn't walk out of the theater going, man, am I glad I set aside time for that? <laughs> or or <laughs> I can't wait for three. Yeah. Listen, I didn't see Wreck-It Ralph two yet, but I did see the Emoji Movie, oh. which is basically just, you know, it's one of those things that you're cursed to have to deal with when you have two kids. <laughs> Well, they're probably too young to understand the nuances of Sausage Party. I'm sure you could watch that. Oh, that movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 not so much. Well, well, the other thing is with, with Wreck-It Ralph, like, the, the thing that got me was that, yes, it is taking off of uh, the, the Emoji movie, which wasn't great, but wasn't nearly as bad as I expected it to be. Mm. But the other thing is, like, the main song, like the one supposedly quote, well, Air Bunny's hit Yay. song from the movie is like a complete ripoff of the Rihanna song, or was it Rihanna? Rihanna? Rihanna. Song from uh, Blue, or was it uh, Rio? Oh. Like the, the, the song from Rio. It's almost as if like they just redid that song for Wreck-It Ralph, and it's just... It, does, it didn't sound good for Rio. It doesn't sound good now. And, like, that's that's their hit song. And so it's like, I don't know, like, kind of like losing their touch a little bit on that one. But I'll see it eventually. Mm. Meanwhile, maybe, maybe for, okay, well, for the 11-year 11, 11 anniversary, <laughs> I'll be like, so this is what I thought about Wreck-It Ralph. Too. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a Wreck-It Ralph retrospect, a retrospective. <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, it stunk. That's all I have. That's to say right. That'll be my. my it'll, it'll be Jim's 10 second movie reviews. Yeah. It stunk. It really did. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like it's like. Well, your opinion is valid, but wrong. <laughs> you're just assuming Dan's gonna be with you on this podcast, Dan. You're stuck with. You're stuck with him forever, man. <laughs> well, it's, it's going to be the 11-year anniversary. <laughs> no, I was, I was just, I was just going to say, and how shocking a world that we live in that, uh, even though there's only like 40 reviews, that we're we're in a world in which, in which Bumblebee is at 98. <laughs> percent Did that come out? No, it comes out. It comes out a uh, couple of weeks. I think it comes oh. out. Yeah, I think it, actually, um, maybe it comes. It, does it come out next week? Does it come out against uh, Aquaman and everything else? I think it might. Yeah, December 20th. It comes out next week. But yeah, the, Into yeah. the Spider-Verse, Aquaman, and Mary Poppins Returns, and uh, for some reason, Anna and the Apocalypse are the movies I want to see before the end of the year. Hey, Mark. Yes. 
what do you I I kind of want to see Mortal Engines. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, my my opinion seems to match when most most people seem to, as it hovers at twenty eight percent. I I think the concept. I mean, I give them. I, it's based on a book, right? It's based on a book. I, or a book I mean, maybe. I think. I think it is. I give anybody credit for taking for being coming up with some creative ideas, no matter how absurd they may be. <laughs> and, and hey, they got a movie made out of it. So hey, I, that movie seems so weird to me that I, I will say this without a shadow of a doubt. Put it on Netflix or Amazon Prime free, and I will watch it to see what it's like. <laughs> but I would that, but. It's already being it's already being projected to be one of the biggest bombs of the year. Let's put it that yeah, way. man. Because uh, I looked at the trailer, I'm like, that looks so stupid. Oh, I can't wait. Damn that London! <laughs> London is coming. And then it cut it cut the best. It cut to a reverse shot of people on London, and they're all as a crowd just chanting London, London. <laughs> like that's in the trailer. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. When I first saw that trailer, I'm like, well, that's not going to do well. <laughs> I, you know, like, it's the kind of thing where this takes place some point in some sort of, fic, you know, future where the cities are moving or whatever like that. Sure, yeah. But, but the problem is, like, it's just, like, I guess run down future tech, but the future tech's not really that advanced. Like, I mean, like, if this was, like, if they had, like, sci-fi, like, weaponry and advancements on these things, you know, so that, like, the weapon was some kind of, like, crazy, cool, super advanced weapon, and it looks like they may have some kind of advanced weapon, but it really doesn't look that impressive in the trailer. So, like, you know, like, it's almost like, oh, okay, well, this probably would have been a great movie if, like, magic existed, or dragons existed, or anything cool existed around these moving cities. But I don't really care about a moving city. For all we know, there is. I don't know. Maybe there is. Maybe there's a magic dragon skull powering London. I don't know. Like, hey. it basically looks like... I'm, I'm sorry, I think I insulted Chad in his collection of magic skulls. So. <laughs> no, I was going to say, if you want a moving city movie, go watch Batman Ninja. <laughs> oh my god. Oh... You want oh. bonkers insanity? You oh. want something you're watching on the screen and going, what the ever-loving it's, F am I watching? It's so good. <laughs> so go, watch, go watch Batman Ninja, it's so and good. Uh, you'll never need drugs for the rest of your life. <laughs> if, if I'm going to watch anything with moving cities. It's going to be that anime that, that Dan reviewed on his show thing. Like Okino's oh, Journey? Don't watch that. Okino's Journey. Yeah, don't because, watch that. Although there, no, yeah, even though you like you panned it, I'm like I still really want to see this. Well, there's there, so that was a like 20 what 17, 16, whatever, like a, a newer uh, adaptation of it. It's it's the whole thing like they adapted this book into a series in the, like the 80s or something, and apparently that one's good. And then they did it again a year or two ago. And I hate it. So watch the old one, I guess. I don't know. Or go watch Mortal Engines in theaters now. <laughs> or Batman Ninja. <laughs> for for mechs made out of living monkeys. Maybe that's it. Maybe I just want to see 
that concept done well because Kino's journey just shit the bed all over it. I don't know. Maybe I just want to see Peter Jackson slowly go crazy. If you want to see moving buildings, go see Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, <laughs> we've been all over the place. Uh, are we still having the art discussion? I don't even know. <laughs> I guess in a way we are, kind of. <laughs> it's been an hour and a half, so we already know this, uh, this episode's going to be long. <laughs> Wasn't the last anniversary episode like four hours? Oh, I thought it was closer to like five or six. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we should probably wrap it up. But before we do, do you guys have any any final thoughts about, you know, 10 years of the Lantern cast? This is also our Christmas episode. So we want to, you know, but because the anniversary episodes and the Christmas episodes are basically the same sort of a thing, we just decided to mesh them together. So... What are your plans for the holidays? So anything along the Christmas or the anniversary theme you want to get out there before we close out? No? Great. Bahumbug! Yeah, I don't know. I watched a bunch of trailers in case any of that came up. It didn't. Well, what, what, what trailers did you watch? Well, I, I, obviously, I saw Endgame when that one came out. Uh, I did make a point of watching the Godzilla trailer. Yeah, you did. I don't know if you guys yes, talked about some, that. Give Was there it, a give new it, one? Yes. Yes. Oh. Go ahead, Jim. Give us some thoughts. We have we always have room for trailer talk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, okay, honestly, I'm like... I, I think I was more intrigued by the first trailer... For the story. Endgame, you mean? No, no, you mean Godzilla, you mean. I'm talking about Godzilla. Yeah, I just realized that was a mistake. Yeah, because, um, I mean, like, there was the whole thing with, like, the mother. And, like, the mother's this insane person who's, like, trying to unleash the Titans on the Earth. And I guess, like, informed from that, now seeing these Titans just, like, you know, wreak havoc on the Earth, it's like, okay, well, we know where that, you know, that came from kind of thing. But, like, you know... It's like, okay, well, this is cool. We got a whole bunch of cool monsters, and, you know, it's going to be a, probably an okay story. But then, like, like that last scene in the trailer where Godzilla goes up against... Uh, Ghidorah. Know, Ghidorah, that's the three-headed dragon? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, like, when they just start, like, running at each other, basically, it's like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> we'll go inside, like... The first Godzilla movie, like, I loved the Godzilla action, and everything else sucked to me. But this, I'll, I'll definitely go see, because, like, they just, there's, there's going to be, like, so much action, like, if they just show me, like, the trailer, and, like, a few more minutes <laughs> in each direction for each of those scenes, then, yeah, I'm on board on that one. I am so excited for that movie. <laughs> They, they 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 released these posters the other day, uh, the different colored posters, one focusing on each monster. Uh, and Kira's not in there, which sucks, but whatever. Um, but uh, those look, I just want all of them, and I want to frame them, and I want to put them in my house. Like every every one of them looks awesome. Well, you're close enough to Mondo, so I'm sure that they'll have something. Yes, I am in the city with Mondo. As a matter of fact, I have three Mondo prints um, uh, already. Four, technically. 
Yeah, so I've got a, uh, and a Batman the Animated Series one, a, a Batman Beyond Animated Series one, and then a Death in the Family one. And, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I love Mondo. Um, but I am so excited for Godzilla King of the Monsters. I'm so ready for this movie. <laughs> I've been but, meaning to get around to that King Kong movie they made last year. Oh, Skull Island? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I liked it. I did, it's too. Con- is he is King Kong supposed to be in this one or is there crossover no. like the next movie next or something? Uh, twenty twenty. Okay. Well, that's what they there's, say. There's probably gonna be something in the end credits of this Godzilla movie. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um. Yeah. No, I saw the Endgame trailer. Like you guys, I, and I listened to your podcast on that one also. That dropped today. Yeah. Um. The social media exclusive. Our, our epic, th- our epic uh, throwdown one. <laughs> see that on the uh on, on the feed yeah it's social media exclusive well that that sucks for my you know i'm trying to like listen to that on my <laughs> my podcatcher and it's like oh god i'm gonna have to like <laughs> bypass and actually download it to my phone and, uh, i have to visit the website <laughs> how dare <laughs> how dare you sir <laughs> um, yeah no i mean that that movie looks uh, pretty good. I, I think the one thing that you guys didn't like um, consider is that, I mean, there's, well, the, the, with Tony, you know, being, you know, adrift in space, there's, yeah, the two options that you guys did not consider is that one, it could be the Ravagers that come pick them up. Uh, I don't, I don't know how likely that is, but it's a slight possibility. But the other thing is, it's probably, you know, it could very well be Tony that goes and you know figures out something to save them. Hmm? Uh, the last time that he was like you know stranded somewhere and about to die, <laughs> he created the Iron Man armor. So he's going he's going to shank Nebula and use a farce to start up the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, probably. <laughs> he probably doesn't need to shank her. Like he could probably just take her arm off. <laughs> <laughs> Pull a rocket. I'm, I, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna get that arm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you're right. It's it's. I think it's more. It is more possible that Tony figures out something. Of those two options, the reason why they're, I think the main they're not. They're not gonna be. I don't think they're gonna introduce a lot of new characters into this movie. Certainly that weren't in the that were not in the first one. The Valkyrie thing I hadn't really considered because we're, we're, we're supposedly told that she survived. We know half the Asgardians survived and Valkyrie is supposed yeah. to be one of them. That is a possibility. So when Chad mentioned that, yeah, that's something I, I kind of hadn't really d- <coughs> dwelled on much. But I think the main which is which is kind of the beauty of what they had to do in the first movie and now they're, they're kind of freed from that in the second movie is other than going, other than the snippets when they're going back to revisit different events from different movies, they really get to focus on pretty much the core Avengers, along with like Rhodey and you know Nebula and things like and Rocket. But they pretty much, but it's a much smaller group of main characters they have to focus it on. Is so, uh, is Wanda alive? Wanda. Wanda. No, no, no. Um, no, um, no from, from uh, Doctor Strange's. Guy. Oh, Wong. we we don't know. Oh. We don't know if Wong's alive. Because he could like open a door to that ship. That is true. We Wong is a mystery. We do not know if Wong survived the snap. There's no way to know that yet. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think they've come. 
for what it's worth, I don't think the Russos have even commented on it. Obviously, we have had to take that with a grain of salt. And somebody, I thought it was them, said that Shuri survived. And obviously, <laughs> based on the pictures and the trailer, there's no reason to think. We won't get she into this again. She could still be alive. We won't yeah, get into she, this. She's labeled as missing, yes. I think, on that screen. Yes, so she's one of the assumed dead. So, uh <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna revisit our argument. Let's do way. it for Jim's sake. No. Jim will hear it. The other thing is, there's no way that Tony is gonna die, like before he, you know. Oh, of course not. Nobody thinks that. No, I don't think anybody as as emotional as that scene's supposed to be in watching it. You you know logically just based on what you're seeing, it's got to be in the beginning of the movie. So there's no way. Yeah, there's no way. If he's gonna die in the movie, he's gonna die somehow at the end. You know, involving once they get the stones and everything in another gauntlet. There's no way he's gonna die at that point. Well, in, 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 a, in a movie with time travel, we still have to consider the fact that it's possible he dies and then something related to the to, to all the time travel crap that was supposedly happening in this film undoes that so well, it's that, possible he does a, die but no nope. i'm speaking to that yeah. will oh. not, like that can't happen because dr strange yes you know like his whole course of events was that tony was necessary to figure things out and if tony dies only to be resurrected in the past then that means that what dr strange did was meaningless and you know, didn't actually matter anyway. Well, hmm. I see where Chad's going with it. The the my the biggest issue is everything supposedly they're going to end up changing has already happened, and they know about it. If Tony dies in space, first of all, you still have to find him, and then you're going to act, and then then you'd act. It's still, I guess, it's still going back in time. But I don't really, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to die because I think, especially hmm. if Shuri is out of the mix, they're going to need Banner and. Tony to figure out how to use the quantum realm tech because it's not like Scott knows how to use it. Correction: Scott knows how to use it. He doesn't know how it works. He can't recreate <laughs> it. He has the, he has the equipment, but to him it's just you know it's like his suit. If his suit breaks, he can't fix it. So uh, so they only if Shuri is out of the mix completely, only Tony and Banner would be the ones who could figure out how to actually use this tech. To go where they need to go, not just randomly. Oh, there's eight thousand different exit ramps with no signs. Let's just take one. They have to know where they're going in order for this to be an effective strategy. Or so, uh, maybe he does die in space, and that scene is from the end of the movie. You're right. Mm. It, 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 it's a possibility, but they would have to. But the but the Avengers would have to be so scattered at that point, which I guess is possible. Anything's possible, but. But probably not. I think if Tony was gonna, if Tony's gonna die for good, they're gonna have to give him. They'll give him a bigger. He's going out in a bigger way than that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'm assuming that he gets back to Earth, does stuff with his. He plays with his friends some more, and then like has to go into space to blow up Thanos's doghouse or whatever. And then he's like, that exhausts all of his resources and his ability to get home. But then. Thor would know where he is yes. and would be able to come get him with Stormringer. Yeah, assuming he's assuming Thor survived, which I would be willing to bet Thor does survive for Stormbreaker. But, okay. but the re- yes, but that's what, that's like what he and I talked about when we did the trailer stuff. The fact that if if they get a if they somehow if Tony gets a signal back to Earth or the message that his helmet recorded if it gets sent and eventually he he his ship moves close enough where actually somehow was able to get relayed or whatever. 
that yeah, Thor find, could find out where he is, or if Valkyrie find, let's say, could be a combo. Valkyrie ship, maybe they find him, and then once Thor and Valkyrie communicate, then Thor can obviously use use the hammer to go to go get him. So could, but, it could just be Korg. Hey man, you want to get on uh, this ship? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're right. It could be, but let's let's hope not. <laughs> we want him alive, but we don't. Like I said, that's the problem with having too many new characters come in is the fact that they're try- this movie seems to be designed to be kind of streamlined. Yeah. So, which is good, which should make for a better it should make for a, a a more satisfying movie because every every that's why when we talked about it, Nebula and Tony going separate ways and why would Nebula stick around? Nebula has an important role cuz she knows where the soul stone is. <laughs> nobody yeah. else nobody knows where the soul stone and they're going back in time. That is the one huge advantage they have over everybody. Is that Thanos doesn't even under, have he has no idea where the Soul Stone is until until right at the end of his gathering the stones. And obviously Nebula now knows. So the Soul Stone theoretically would be the one they could they could get the biggest jump on because the fact that. But of course, nothing goes easy. So there's based on things that have leaked out that that it's very possible that once they start going back to Tinker, that Thanos becomes aware of what's going on and then basically everything starts changing because they can't they can't count on all these we know these five things happened before during a, at a certain time well now the whole thing is screwed up because it because now they've they've become the x factor and now the whole timeline of, has been sped up because things are being gathered at a different rate well if, so. nebula, if nebula knows where the soul stone is then we have to take the next logical conclusion who goes for the soul stone and then who sacrificed to get the soul stone so okay, so based on that, based on who's willing, um, well, obviously Steve would be one. It depends. It depends. This depends on what. This depends on whether, technically speaking, a self-sacrifice would work. Whether if you chose, if you were willing to die yourself, so to give the stone to somebody else, whether that would work. If not, then that that almost opens up the Iron Man Pepper thing, because one could sacrifice, you know. Because uh, you got you're looking at the people that are, are kind of like paired off that are still around that I guess I guess technically in a different kind of way Rody and Rody and uh, Tony yeah, on a different level too. I mean I could I could see them like if they I could see them doing a thing where like he he's like standing there and he's like he's like he loves her so much and he's gonna be like like I'm giving up my the rest of my life with her. And like sacrifices himself. Like I could see them, like that would that would have the kind of dramatic weight to it that would like I could see them justifying, you know. It could, but I, we we might see something like Nebula self sacrifice, and then Tony just fixes her later. Yeah, or yeah, or she's just willing, yeah, or she's willing to take the ultimate sacrifice for the team at that point, yeah. or or even Rocket. Rocket might do it just because of the fact of. Hopefully, of Groot coming back, regardless of what happens to him, being willing because because oh. he's lost everything else. He's lost oh. literally everybody else. Uh, wait, no, they lost Drax. Yeah, all, all the unless, yeah, all the real unless, guardians. Unless they grab Drax from the past, and then he sacrifices. Who's who's Drax sacrifices? If they like, if they pull Drax from the past, right, and then he sacrifices himself. 
Well, but see, that could happen. But then again, you could make a case for almost anybody that could grab from the past could be willing to do. If, but that's the key. Whether the key, that's yeah. one of the mysteries. Whether self whether self sacrifice would work, and because you could almost see that being, even though I don't think that's what's going to happen with Cap, you could almost see that happening. You could almost see him being willing to take one for the team to get them that stone. But it's there's so many things. That's that's why the trailer works is because there's so many questions that it raises many more questions than it, than it answers. So that's why it works. And that's exactly what the trailer – that's why people complain. That's what the trailer should be. They don't need to answer a lot of questions in the trailers, and they're better off not. They've been guilty of giving away too much stuff in the past. Even <laughs> Infinity War, they were somewhat guilty of that. It didn't hurt them, but Ultron, it absolutely, I think, hurt them. They gave away too much at the end. They go through the whole marketing campaign to hide the vision. Then they friggin' show his birth scene like two weeks before the movie comes out. What was the point then? I mean – Sorry. Yeah, if, if anything, if a trailer is going to give me information and answers, I want them to be out-and-out out lies. I want <laughs> That's a possibility, I want, too. Like, I want a trailer... Either give me a trailer that is a thematic trailer that gives me a general feeling of the movie I will be seeing, or give me a trailer filled with things that are not in the movie, just as long as it's the same kind of thing. Like, show... like. Like, show me someone die, just straight up die, who never gets killed in the movie. Just do it. I will love you forever. Actually, Bat Banner's another one who could sacrifice himself if they wanted to get rid of him. Because he could sacrifice... The I'll be right back. Okay. He could sacrifice himself because of Nat. So. And I guess you could do the Hawkeye-Black Widow thing, too, in a, in a platonic kind of way. So it, it, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's tons of possibilities of how of how to do it if you're not going to do a self sacrifice, but it's it it does raise it does raise you know it raises, you know it raises the the uh, a lot of questions, but yeah, should be fun, lots of fun. When's it come out? Twenty sixth of April now I think that's right or is it twenty seventh one of the two? I think it's the twenty sixth. Let me go take nice. a look. Yeah, they moved it up again. I just want to see which. 26th. That's a Friday. And is is Spider-Man next year as well? Yes. Or is that yep. okay? That's the summer. That's the summer, I believe. We got Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, and uh, yep. and uh, Avengers. And that's nice. Yep. Those are the three for for 2019. Is Shazam this yes. month? No, oh, uh, wow. it's it's February, right, Chad? Yes, yeah, February. Yeah. Okay. So one Captain Marvel before the other. <laughs> But also next year we get uh, the Lion King and Aladdin. Oh, I'm so man. so looking forward to Aladdin. Oh, and Dumbo too. Yeah, there's a lot of of those. They're they're really pick up the speed on those, aren't they? Yep. Super stoked for Aladdin. Does it bother you? Does it bother you guys when they when people talk about the new Lion King as live being action. a live action <laughs> Lion King when it's hundred percent computer animated? I mean, it, 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 to me, that's just semantics. Like, I, I don't have so much of attachment to it. I'm going to get pissed at them for referring to it as live action. Big, I kind I of, mean, I kind of agree. Only from the perspective is we know what they mean in the sense that it differentiates it between the classically animated. Yes, it's technically incorrect because it's still all, it's still animated. But I, I, it doesn't bother me as much because I know, I know what it means and I know why people are phrasing it that way, but I could understand why if you were in the industry it would piss you off because of the fact that, yeah, I mean, you're, it's it's tons of animation and, and motion capture and other stuff you're doing in it, so it's not live action, so I see both sides to it. Yeah. I can't wait until they do new animated versions based off of the live version. <laughs> the animated version. 
Uh, that'll be so. I think you know what? It'll probably be better than like the directed DVD sequels they gave oh, those original yes. movies. Oh yes. The Wasn't classics. one of them about like Scar's grandkid or something? I don't. Know. Oh well, yeah. That was. Um, uh, wait a second. Was it Scar? No, it was. Uh... God. I don't know. Yeah, no, but I know what you're talking about. Life is pain. That should be that's, the, that's the next Lion King's animated sequel. Lion King 14, Life is Pain. <laughs> Best movie of 2019, y'all. Detective Pikachu. Yes! Oh, Put me in a theater right now! Oh, Wait, God. you can hear me? <laughs> uh, that, looks, that honestly God looks so good. I don't even care if Chad was serious. <laughs> Oh, there's going to be another Men in Black? Yes. I convinced somebody that the Pikachu movie was going to be a rated R. How? I'm like, like, yeah, I'm like, no, that movie's rated R. Don't you remember when Jigglypuff was in the nightclub? (laughs) (laughs) Because Deadpool's been such a hit, and everything's going R. (laughs) Oh, man. I think I am looking forward to that movie more than Avengers. <laughs> well, okay. two, two hours now. How about that? Well, now remember, the, the preamp, there's a little bit of preamble. Not that much, though. There's a little, only a little bit on this. <laughs> it gets cut. So wait, uh, who are, cares? are you like, challenging us to eat more or something? Or? <laughs> yeah, go for it. You want to go? You have, no. you have, you have two kids. Do you, do you want to miss out on sleep? <laughs> like when you said, "Do you want to go?" Uh, no, like actually, yes, I do want to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that invitation. <laughs> hey, and I called it. I said this was gonna. You said like a. Somebody said it was gonna be like a one-hour opening segment. I said, "No, oh, two hours." <laughs> Who said that? What idiot said that? <laughs> uh, oh well, this is always fun, guys. Yeah, for sure. It is always. All fun. right, we don't. It, it, I think we make up for the fact that we don't get together that often by the fact that when we when we do get together, it's just that free-flowing, multiple-hour conversation. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That we try, try not to script anything on that one. So. Yeah. And I brought a script. <laughs> <laughs> notes. You brought notes, quote-unquote. <laughs> well, it's been fun, guys. Thanks, All right, Jim. guys. Happy 10 years and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas, everybody. Happy Annie. <laughs> Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Gentlemen, this is Dr. DC. Congratulations on the 10 year anniversary of the Lantern Cast. You guys have done an amazing job since you, uh, since you took over, uh, assumed control, replaced the Manhunters, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what you guys uh, have coming in the future. And, uh, you know, at some point, the Third Army's got to show up, too. So I guess also watch your backs. Happy 10th anniversary, guys. Cheers. What's going on, Lantern Cast? This is Brother Nate Milton, a.k.a. The Godfather, from the Kings of Sport podcast, the Black Lightning podcast, and post-wrestling's Rocky Maivia Picture Show. And I just wanted to stop by and give you guys props on a great show. Going for 10 years long, 10 years strong, is a great milestone in any field, but especially in the podcasting game. 
Now, I first stumbled upon your show many moons ago when I was looking for more content on the Green Lantern Mosaic series, and you guys did a phenomenal job uh, chronicling that series, and I've been a fan of your work ever since. So just for myself and all the other listeners, I wanted to say thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. And just like the central battery on Oa, stay lit, my brothers. All right. And now the closing. We're done. That's the closing. <laughs> there you go, guys. We're done. You, you, you heard it. You heard it there first. We uh, that, that's uh, that's this episode. I don't know how long it ended up being, but I'm going to imagine four hours, <laughs> something uh, like that. Let's let's just guesstimate to see how close we are. We did about two with Dan and Jim. Uh huh. So depending on the editing of that, it's going to be roughly two. We did about an hour with Corwin and and Jesse. And I don't remember off the top of my head how long we were with. I'm going to assume an hour with Phil and Myron. I think closer to an hour and a half, if well, not two. It, it, might, it may have been. So, yeah, you're probably right. So this is probably going to be at least another four-hour episode. So, yeah, so we can have a bare-bones closing because you guys are probably lantern-casted out at this point. <laughs> as much as we were <laughs> – Chad especially. Pat on the back again to Chad for editing this monster. But even from the recording perspective – and, just, and the reality is we didn't have as many segments as we thought we were going to have. No, uh, there were plans to have like a Dr. DC segment uh, on, but uh, it's honestly, guys, it's scheduling. The, the later you wait in December, December, quite honestly, even from December 1st, December is always going to be a biatch to navigate uh, scheduling wise. So maybe we'll do something with Dr. DC in 2019. You don't know. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, like I said, we put out a, a huge request for some voicemails at this point in everything. We don't know yet all who you've heard on the voicemails. So a lot of that stuff will be new to us or new to Mark, uh, new to myself, uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty soon, uh, after listening. So yeah, you guys, uh, uh Mark is, do you have any final thoughts you want to share for, uh, the 10th anniversary or, or Christmas, anything like that? I know we're I know we're wrapping up. We don't want to go too long, but no, don't worry. I won't. You, you know, I'm a, I'm I well, I'm capable of rambling on about some things. I'm also capable of being succinct at times. Uh, this was a fun episode to do. Again, it, it took us a while to be able to get the segments to know the lock people in in times to do the segments. And considering we did do a lot of recording in a short period of time, it I thought it was a lot. It was a it was more enjoyable than other episodes we've done in a similar vein where we've had to do a lot of recording in a short period of time. I can't, I'm not saying it's because of the content and it's not a shot at people who in previous times we did this. It's just that I, for whatever reason, it seemed more, maybe it was a week we did it in two. Maybe for me, maybe that's all it was, but it was fun to do. It, I'm, I'm glad we decided to do Christmas and the anniversary combined. That made, that did make sense. And it's been, been fun i mean it's, it's it's a big milestone like for you and i as we talked about on a previous episode because technically now just looking at the the the, the main broadcast teams of jim and dan and yes you're obviously part of that towards the end and you and i that looking at the just you know two hosts the two main two host tandems that this show has had at least from this point on you know from this point on, actually, the show will be, from a pure episodic perspective, not really ownership-wise, it'll be more hours. You know, right? At this point, it's equal, we've, which was a huge milestone that we can say we've done the show as long as Jim and Dan did and probably put out as much content. But just for a piece that 
there's some a little bit of satisfaction knowing that now and every that kind of like we've we've taken the baton and we're ca- and we're going a little further than you know the, the original group did. So there's a little bit of pride in that, even though it's always going to be Jim and Dan show as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, for sure. I, I echo a lot of those sentiments. I, I said I said a lot of my stuff in the other segments. You know, uh, this this show is a big part of uh, my identity, where I get some of my my own self worth. Um, Probably not healthy, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, as someone who was always very pessimistic and uh, self-deprecating, I would say to to, to someone with that history, any sort of ego (laughs) that you can find just something to be proud of uh, (laughs) is better than than putting yourself uh, in in a negative spot. But, uh, you know, this has been going as long as I've been reading comics. And it's uh, been it's helped fuel the passion, given me an outlet to talk to other people about it, share that love. Uh, of course, working with Mark has been fantastic. You know, uh, he doesn't put me down quite as much as those other bastards. <laughs> and, and now you make me feel bad when I do, even though I do try to do it, you know, firmly, tongue firmly planted in cheek when I do it. But <laughs> it's OK. But I'm just that was, that was that was good. Cause now you made me feel guilty, just like I just like I was rag, ragging on you for being kidding about being self-serving and looking for co- for people to comment on our 10th anniversary post and now you made me feel doubly bad good, good job Chad. you're welcome you're welcome uh so so yeah that's uh that's uh i mean that's sort of uh, where we're at and I'm, i've really enjoyed doing the show and I, I hope to keep it going um and let's just wrap it up stuff we're looking forward to this is the last episode of 2018 um we haven't said anything yet and don't hold us to it, but I would assume they, the first episode of 2019 will be the stuff we're looking forward to in uh, film-wise in 2019. That usually is what we do. Who knows? We don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just wanted to uh, maybe talk about, uh, along those veins, what are we looking forward to uh, the show in the coming year? Not just, uh, obviously, we'll, we'll do the movie episode, but what are we looking forward to for the show for the coming year? That's an interesting question because it's because we don't we have we don't have a whole lot to we don't have a lot of info about what to really expect for Green Lantern material other than not really certainly not related to a Green Lantern book or books not counting Justice League Odyssey and Justice League and any other offshoot book that has a Green Lantern in it a book revolving around Green Lanterns we only know about the Morrison book and we still don't have solicits down that far. Um, that far down the road yet I think this well obviously we know we're going to be in some way shape or form we're going to be revisiting one of our favorite storylines which is going to have an which is having an anniversary so that's going to be cool to do mm-hmm. once we figure out exactly how much of that we're going to be doing ourselves <laughs> uh, which will probably be a lot <laughs> we'll take control of that take that puppy by the take that bull by the horns uh like we mentioned previously in other segments, I think it's pros and cons of having so little actual Green Lantern material without having to you know, pull other issues from different titles. That it gives us a lot of opportunity to revisit other storylines and different books that we are in different arcs that we wanted to do, have talked about doing in the past, but it was harder to fit in. Either because like two years ago we were constantly behind, or this year there still were two books to do that it, it opens up the schedule for us to do a lot more things that we want to do a lot more things either but it also puts pressure on us because we actually need more content in order to keep our current or at least three episodes a month uh, 
goal, which actually I think we kind of exceeded towards the second half of the year. Whenever we made that announcement, I think we still were mostly – I think for the most part we still were like four episodes a month, I think. Uh, but, it, yeah, so I – I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. I don't have a lot of goal. I don't have – I don't know what to expect, and normally that would bother me, but I think that's maybe because it's, you know – Oh, magical crossing over into the eleventh year. <laughs> the well, well, drop some episode ideas because I'll, I'll, I'll let's go ahead and call it because we're, we're we'll we'll count these as like New Year's resolutions. Let's let's just do it. Any episodes we talk about here as something we want to do in twenty in twenty nineteen, we'll make a concerted effort to do in twenty nineteen. Topics, whatever you want. I know one thing that we've been. One thing that we haven't done, we kept talking about, is that 80-page giant with uh, Raker Karagat, the Green Lantern of Apocalypse, and that's one we've talked about for a while. I definitely want to do that one. That was a cool story. Uh, it's not surprisingly, it's not a parallax story because we've done most of the most of the. I think we've done almost all the parallax stories. I think uh, at least di- re- directly related to the Green Lantern title itself. So. That's, so that's one I definitely want to do. Um, uh, one I would want to do would be Cosmic Odyssey, uh, where John Stewart lets uh, Zanji die. <laughs> so yeah, that's a that, that's a that's a big moment in uh, John Stewart history because I mean, as much as we don't want it to be, they keep friggin' coming back to it. So. We've never covered it in ten years on the show. That is a that is a good one. Got another one or two? Uh, two's going to be pushing it up the top at this point. Uh, I'm trying I'm trying to think if there's anything else we kind of joked about. It. Oh, there's some one we probably would agree with. We we, we wanted to do Emerald Dawn two. Mm-hmm. We didn't do Emerald Dawn two. Uh, things weird, weird stuff. We've never, we've never done. Doesn't mean we ever will. We've never done Will World, right? No, I don't think so. And I know you don't want to do uh, the last Will and Testament of Hal Jordan, but at some point it probably has to be done. I yeah, like, we'll I, do I, yeah, I would like to do that at some point. Uh, I'm sure there's more issues, but that's off. The, that's off. Oh, and obviously some that we're going to we're going to be doing, even though obviously it's not going to be on this episode now. We we would like to do the amalgam books. That's right. The ones, the ones uh, that are related that are Green Lantern related in some way, shape, or form. You want to tell them what they those are so they can pick them up if they don't already have them. They would be with Speed Demon and Iron Lantern, which obviously is a merging of Green Lantern and Iron Man. But Speed Demon, which is a Ghost Rider and the Flash combination, that has that has de- a, not as blatant, but it definitely has ties to uh, the Guardians and Hal Jordan and things like that. So, sure, I've actually never read Speed Demon, so that'll be fun. Uh, I've got a couple of ideas as well. Of course, we tossed around for at some point uh, this year and didn't get around to it. Uh, three of a kind. The uh, the Green Lantern, uh, Green Arrow, and Flash uh, three-part crossover um, with the connecting cover. Um, another one I'd, I want to do is I'd like to do the famous first thing again, uh, where we're talking about our the first comics we read. Yes. Because... Uh, we did uh, Marvel Chillers for me and uh, and Werewolf by Night for you, and I'd like to do some uh, some more of that, whether it's indie titles or more Marvel stuff or whatever. I really enjoyed doing that. 
Probably one of my favorite uh, episodes of this past year, I think. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, yeah, for sure. And uh, this one's a little more vague, um, but uh, I'd like to do one of the uh, one of the big uh, Kyle Rayner crossover arcs. Uh, whether I mean other, I mean obviously we, we mentioned three of a kind, but like uh, that uh, f- for whatever reason, this is the only one that comes to mind. But I know there were more. The that siege of siege of uh, Zisharam or whatever. You know what I'm talking about where Green Lantern crossed over with Supergirl and I think uh, Rebels or Legion or something is the, the, the that siege siege of Zisram or something like that. Do you know what I'm talking I about? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, let me see here. Green Lantern siege of okay, cool. That'll pull up something. I hope. I guess not. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Green Lantern, yeah, Siege of the Z Sharam. It's a five, I think it's a five, uh, five issue thing that crossed over with Supergirl and Green Lantern and uh, one or two other titles, I believe. So that uh, that one was a, a lot of fun. Um, but that doesn't have to be that particular one. But there were a couple of random points that. Uh, that uh, Green Lantern crossed over with things. I actually just sent you the cover in uh, in the chat here. Oh, I remember. See that. If that. I remember that. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, that sort of stuff. Those those are some things I'd be looking forward to doing in uh, in the coming year. Should be. Fun. But yeah, that's for sure. So ten years, guys. Uh, happy anniversary and Merry Christmas. God bless us, everyone. You want to tell people how they can reach us? God, at this point, not really, but yes. <laughs> For the be, last time in 2018. This is going to be super abridged. Lanterncast.com, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, use hashtag GLCast to locate us on what, Twitter and Facebook. And listen, iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us positive reviews. And 708 Lantern is the voicemail, so let us know what you think. All right, guys. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Good night, everybody. Good night. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside, the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you.